Welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I do appreciate you as ever for tuning on in here on a lovely, crispy, cold, just about to snow on my side of the mountains over here to you western siders who like to complain about the weather on your end. It's crispy and cold here, but we're going to be wet, red hot here in the Hawk's Nest today because I'm going to take you into my mind. Oh, yeah. It's a scary place. I'm not going to deny that, but we're going to go to some of the better parts, some of the better passageways. We're going to go into my dream world. So step with me here, Mr. Sandman. Let's go through it because I'm about to give you my dream off season, my hopeful off season. And before I start with this breakdown and, and going through a little bit of a diatribe I'm going to go through because this is going to be a little bit of a long opening here. So bear with me if I can't quite get to the chat quickly out the jump. But this is an off-season that's certainly going to be informed by what the team is doing. I'm going to do as much as I can in putting this together ahead of time and not having my heads well above the clouds, but firmly with my feet planted on the ground. And that means to try to fit within uh, a sense of realism, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to try to operate like Schneider will operate. I don't know how he'll move exactly this off-season, how aggressive the Seahawks will be. We don't know if there's other outside factors that maybe impact their potential aggressiveness. We'll have to kind of just see how that a little bit all plays out, but I'm going to try to have that built in, or I, I have planned this out. So I've built as much of that in to what I'm going to attempt to kind of unleash here with my off season, uh, just, just kind of ideal. And this is with the thought process of first and foremost, the Gino deal instructs us of one thing. And that is that we may be in somewhat still a mode of rebuilding, I guess, but you don't go and sign quarterbacks to big money, even though the contract's looking better and better, unless you are looking to try to contend, unless you are looking to say, hey, we can take the NFC. And that means making at times some aggressive moves. And the team has not necessarily had, if you look over the last 10 years, hesitancy to necessarily make aggressive moves. You can argue about whether those moves are right or wrong or which ones would have been better or how this money should have been spent. But at the end of the day, they certainly are aggressive. And so with that in mind... So my cat acrobatically jumps up here. With that in mind, I'm going to operate with a sense of aggressiveness because of the fact that, indeed, you signed Gino. you're going to go for it, you have a good roster, you went to the playoffs last year. If you're not doing that, then what was the point of signing Gino? Why not just go get your young quarterback? Um, and they still may get their young quarterback in this draft. We'll see how that breaks out. But again, this is my ideal offseason. I say go for it. If you're going to sign Gino, then let's go. Let's push it. Uh, that should be an indication to us. Again, otherwise you're just trying to build a team that's just good enough, just good enough to get to the playoffs, just good enough to, it's not what we're looking to do here. We want to push beyond that. So I'm not going hyper-aggressive as well with the money. I'm going to keep things within, again, realism. And let's get the breakdown here on how I'm going to kind of make this unfold. I'll have some overlays as well that I'll show you guys here if you're just listening in. So you might need to watch a little bit on some of this stuff to kind of get this across because there's going to be some creativity involved here. Uh, and if you do like what you're listening to, folks, do me a favor today as we start out, hit the like button as you walk on in. Now, this starts with Gino's deal first and foremost. Many people are, I think, uh, having a hard time at this point kind of nailing down the numbers, and that's rightfully so because we don't know what the numbers are. Uh, people are getting stuck on this. He gets $28 million in the first year of the deal. Now, Yes, he may be getting $28 million in that first calendar year of the deal, 
but we have yet to hear the bonus money number. We have yet to hear what the, the first year really true cost is going to be here for Gino. Uh, I've tried to look a couple different times now. I'm expecting the numbers to get released any day. These could uh, absolutely change things in the way that this framework could work in this deal. But I do not think that just because he's getting $28 million in the calendar year, that means then it's all base salary, right? Or incentively laden. It would be money that would have some kind of bonus structure in there. And I would estimate that the fact that he gave the team such a good market deal would be indicative of the fact that there is going to be a little bit of more bonus money, more money in hand to Gino in order to help the, the team out in this deal. So let's flex that money down a little bit and put it down around first year cap hit, let's say around $18 million. Uh, I know that people are going to disagree with some of this stuff. Give me some room. Give me some rope. You'll see that I've, I've let in a little bit at the end of this with some room there on one end of the scale or the other end of the scale with this. I'm not completely locked in. So you have $24 million, $24 million of cap space according to Sports Track before Gino's deal. Gino deal comes in the first year of the cap hit. I'm not talking about the average per year cost. I'm talking about the first year of the cap hit. The Seahawks get down to 18 or somewhere in that neighborhood. All right, so now we have $6 million. Every single year, teams want to have what's called the reserve fund for during the season. That's just money set aside for if you have injuries to sign guys off the street and whatnot. So you're going to want to have that $6 million set aside. So now I take that $6 million. I put it over here aside now after the Geno deal and we're completely done. There's really you know nothing else left to, no, I'm of course uh, joking here a little bit. So we... We've got the $6 million set aside. Um, the next part of this deal would be now about clearing out some of the cap space that sort of sits there as a de facto cap space, which is going to be, uh, if you look at sports track, there's guys that are listed on right now on the, the free agent marker that are not free, but on the roster that are not actually going to be on the roster. They'll actually go to the practice squad potentially or not even be on the roster probably when it's all said and done. So I'm going to, for the moment right now, remove these guys, though they're on the roster because they're just technically on there because it's a futures contract or something like that. That doesn't mean that they're, they're necessarily guaranteed a roster spot there. But if you look at Sports Track, they're counting against the roster right now. So you remove off what I would call the roster fodder. And let me go through those names. Connor Weddington, uh, Chris Steele, Joshua Unga Jungo, uh, Jalen McKenzie, Jared Hewitt, Greg Island, Aesop Winston, Taylor Tyler Maybury, Vi Jones, Cade Johnson, Chris Garrett, Isaiah Dunn, and Joey Hunt. So in, in, none of those guys are making any money, but when you're talking about the minimum of those guys being anywhere from $750,000 to $900,000, $950,000, it ends up kind of adding up quickly. And it adds up to the tune actually of a $11 million, 570,000. So fairly significant amount of money there. So we've gotten from, we've got the $6 million reserve potentially there. We've got the now $11,570,000 in roster, what I would call roster fodder. I'm not trying to be negative towards these guys. Now let's come up to the cap cuts and the places that we can actually save money. Because again, here I'm going to be having a little bit of a go for it kind of approach. So within this, We've got Gabe Jackson right off the top. Makes a ton of sense here. I don't think I've got to explain this one as to why you're going to release him at this point. Bingo, bango, boom. You move on from Gabe, six and a half million is saved. Quentin Jefferson being the next guy up, about four and a half million dollars saved by moving off of him. I don't really see a need to hold on to him at this point. So let's go ahead and move off from Mr. Jefferson um, and, and take this alternate route. Brian Monet, another guy that they gave a lot of money to last year, 
on a two-year deal. It didn't make a lot of sense at the time. doesn't make any more sense now. This might be a funky release with him having the torn ACL, but I would still look to do it if I was the Seahawks somehow, some way. That's $2.67 million saved. Shelby Harris, I would not be cap cutting. I know I put this as cap cuts. I should have put cap cuts and or trades or restructures. Didn't have enough font room here. I was trying to scramble to get the show up today. So I have a couple of things we got to kind of fix post on this a little bit. With Shelby Harris in not going to necessarily be cap cutting him, not going to be putting him on a contract extension either. What I'm going to be doing is converting his base to bonus. And by doing that, I'm going to save $3.25 million on this year's cap. So base to bonus on Harris, he still remains a free agent at the end of the year, but I save 3.25 million. I look to move Noah Fant in a trade to get, hopefully, I would love to get a third round pick, probably not getting more than like a fourth, maybe fifth round pick for him at this point, but I look to move him at that point, save $6.85 million. And then I also do look to move Daryl Taylor. You guys will see with my draft how this kind of maybe comes together a little bit more. But with Daryl Taylor, I have a guy that really can't play the run all too well. He may develop in that aspect of things, but he hasn't shown it up until this point. And he is showing himself to, to being a ever-increasing pass rusher, and that's very good to see. And he may still have some more upside to him as a pass rusher. Nonetheless, though, I believe he's got about one more year here before we've got to decide on what we're going to do with this guy as far as pay or not pay at that point. And I really don't want to be paying a guy long-term that really only can rush the passer, especially being he'll be a young guy that will be probably worthy of commanding a little bit of money if he comes out there and has a 12-13 sack type year again this year. And so I would look to see if I can get a team to give me some prime asset for him, actually. And I'm, I'm going to make the argument here that you could get maybe a late second-round pick for Taylor coming off the year he did because pass rush is, of course, a premium position in the league. And this would be a way to get out ahead of his value a little bit as opposed to having to get down to next year where you're caught down to have to make a bit of a decision. I'm kind of applying the same thing with Taylor and Fant here where it's guys that I just don't know if they're in, in the long-term plans of the team at this point. You have Boye Mafe, you have Uchenna Nuoso who are just overall better players at this point probably than Taylor, uh, especially if Mafe can step forward as a pass rusher. But I'm also going to not just leave that position as it is by making these moves. So I pick up anywhere from a second to a fourth to fifth round pick for Fant and Taylor in the trade, save the money of those guys. It's one and a half million dollars in regards to Taylor at that point. So let's move on to the next spot, which would be savings gained through releases, restructures, trades. We're at $23.77 million with roster fodder off the books. That's $10.62 million. That now puts us at $34.39 million. Okay, so let's move on to the free agent signings here. And I will acknowledge there's one part that the, is the only other part I'm gonna have to change here and kind of in post, which was the allocation for the rookie, uh, the rookie pool, which of course we've got to count that in a little bit here. So um, we will, I will kind of have to factor this in a little bit post and getting creative with these numbers a little bit more so than where I was trying to plan to do this with. But nonetheless, we're now sitting at, we, we've now got Gino locked down. I've got $6 million aside from this total savings that's also sitting aside. And then we're at $34.39 million, uh, you know, in approximate money from uh, both of those two that we can now go out into free agency and be theoretically aggressive. I've not put any voidable year deals out there yet. Um, I've, I've not thrown anything out there out, out there as well with that. Um, so those are, those are only the moves that we've made here so far. Um, 
So we'll be coming again, gonna do a little bit of a change. The one thing I want you guys just remember of is remember the $16 million pool that we've got to hold out for, for specifically just the draft picks, which I, that's the part I'm gonna have to show in post that I meant to kind of put on the front end, but we'll put that in, I'll get them in the end. I've got a, a way for us to kind of create that. So let's go to the next part here, which would be free agency. Seahawks for the first time in many years, uh, and this is probably the wildest swing in my process here and probably the, the least likely to happen, quite frankly. Some team like the Bears or somebody else is likely to jump for this guy. But nonetheless, I can't help but just wonder if Seattle at some point here might try to make a little bit more of a bigger swing, understanding where the position is at as far as their defensive line. And at the forefront of this offseason, you're going to see my dream offseason is about dealing with the trenches. I've been harping on it, so I'm not about to turn hypocrite on you now. And so the first main move I try to do is go out there in free agency with a four-year, $52 million deal with Javon Hargrave. Now, uh, again, he may be offered more if the, this may be a, where they're looking to just stay with tier th wave three type tier free agents and stuff. If you'll look at really where I think the rest of their free agents are going to be at here between the other four signings I had on the books, I have no wave one guys. Those guys would all be, I think, wave two, wave three kind of guys. Um, with Bobby, it's kind of not, he's not really a true free agent. It's a way he's a, you know, he was cut. So it's a little bit different in his case, but the Seahawks would have the move, the money here with this, the money that they, the room they had created to make this move with Hargrave. Many of you would be wondering maybe why I wouldn't want going to go with Deron Payne. Well, it's because if I can go Jadavian Clowney and Hargrave in a free agency versus going for Deron Payne, who I not only have to pay just exactly about the same kind of money, just about equivalency, but then have to also give up a first and maybe second round pick in addition to that, it doesn't make as much sense to me. So you get Hargrave as just a street, street free agent who only costs you what you're paying him at that point. I don't think I've got to explain to you guys why I want Bobby in here. Um, we're going to need to address the linebacker position, I think, two-time by. That means getting a guy in free agency and also looking towards the draft. So I would like to get Bobby. A three-year 24 might be a little bit much for him, but at the end of the day, you could do this as a 2-16, and 2-17. and 17. Don't get too caught up on the exact numbers here if you could. Just we're staying in the ballpark um, because I think it's it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to go too far into that. As long as, we're, as long as I'm in the territory, I think we're fine here, which that. And I think I'd be in about the right territory, about $8 million a year. Bobby had a one, basically that Rams deal boiled down to a one-year $10 million deal with him last year. So I don't think he's making more money now this offseason after the deal he was offered last year. Maybe. Maybe he took a discount to go to the Rams versus going to other places. Maybe now he wants to go get just be paid top of the mark, but indications are now he is coming back. The other guy I do look to get now is Jadavian Clowney. So I'm essentially flipping out Daryl Taylor, getting a second round, late second round pick, signing Clowney for $7 million. And then in Clowney, I feel I have a rotational guy. And what I'm trying to do with my defensive line is set up a rotational depth with good town on the front, good town on the back, bit of both. And so with Jadavian Clowney, I bring him in, one-year deal, prove a deal. I don't think he's going to have a lot of big money deals out there offered to him now at his age coming off of Cleveland as the things kind of boiled down to out there. You've got Quandary Diggs already on Twitter, putting up the bag signal for both Bobby and Jadavian. So uh, let's see if we can get the band back together here a little bit. He was our best defensive player in a year where we didn't have very much of a very good defensive performance that season all around. And it would be nice to be able to, I think, add him in and not only have to add him in. Now, you're not looking at his cornerstone guy anymore, like old school you would with Clowney. Now you're looking at him again as that, is he, can he be that kind of Michael Bennett type of guy, you know, where you're just bringing him in, you're keeping him fresh, rotated. One-year deal, $7 million for him. You bring back Penny on a one-year, $3 million deal here. Uh, again, I will be addressing the running back position in the draft as well, but I like bringing him in now to keep the talent stocked up well along with having the bodies i know there's talent there's injury worries and concerns there but you're not going to go out on the open market in this in this um 
uh, free agent period and find a running back who's more talented than Penny at this low a price. And I like that opportunity. You have Kenneth Walker set now to be a starter. You're not putting out Penny out there, rolling him out there as your de facto guy. I like that. Uh, I like that process here. So I, I would go with the one-year, three million dollar deal again, a prove-it deal, which I like. Robert Woods is a guy recently cut from the Tennessee Titans. He did not have a good season with the Tennessee Titans last year. He is getting up to be around 30 years of age, but I still would look to make this deal if he is healthy and all is well. I think he was in a different system with Tennessee than he was with the Rams. I think he was in just a great fit with that Rams offense and what it asked him to do. He's a great blocker at the position. He's got great hands. He can run really good routes. He's now another year removed from that torn ACL. He had about a year and a half ago or something approximately. So maybe another year back closer to getting his legs back under him. And then you're not having him come in here having to be uh, the number one, number two, but he can play all of the wide receiver positions. And he knows this offense really fluidly. Again, one year, prove a deal. Let's see what you got. He's not 32, 33, he's still 30 years old. So not tremendously old. Maybe there's still a year left there in that tank. Um, and it wouldn't cost you, you know, a tremendous amount at that point. So I make these signings. And I would be trying at the head of this to try to keep the, the first year cap hit of Javon Hardgrave um, low. And that would be maybe the tough thing to do here on the 452, but that's where you try to give him, if you can, the bonus money to try to make that deal work a little bit higher, which then lets you fluctuate things through a little bit, maybe better to make that deal work and then make him sign because he's getting more money in hand, even if you're not a matter of matching exact dollar numbers with other teams out there and what they're offering. So I try to get him down to somewhere in the mark of about $7 million on the first year of a hit that would be on a $13 million on average per year deal with that. So that would leave us out the gate now. So with the numbers I've posted over, with that $34 million savings, you minus off the free agent signings, you're sitting at about $7.5 million or so, give or take, as far as remaining money that's that's left to be done. So... Then what I would look to do with that that remaining seven and a half is I would look to the one other conversion I didn't have down here that I needed to add as well would be the conversion of Quandre Diggs's base to bonus this year. And so if I convert his base to bonus this season, which is sitting at $13 million, that means you're going to save about $6.5 million. So with all of that, I take that six and a half that I would then convert. And again, on none of these deals, am I sacrificing future space at this point, really? Um, with Quandre, if you're intending to cut him next year, I mean, maybe then that's a that would be an indicator of that there. But I haven't done a lot of these deals. I've only done a couple and I haven't put any stacked void years yet or done any really crazy Ram situations with burying guaranteed money and stuff, right? And I've also not given up any draft capital to do this. It's all just in raw, you know, money and cost at this point on the forefront of this. But essentially then, with the money that I have left over, so from taking that 34 and 30, $34.5 million, essentially taking off those free agent contracts I just mentioned, that pulls you down to about $7.5 million left over. I, I convert Quandary Diggs base to bonus. Boom, I now have the money to pay all of the rookie deals uh, of all of the picks that we're set up to have to draft at in this upcoming draft. Um, and it's going to actually be a little lower than the 16 million, I think, when you look at some of the moves that I'm look, looking to make in this particular draft. Maybe it'd be about flush, I guess. But now we can have some fun in the draft. So we've got our free agent signings, not a lot of them, but I made, an, I think I made some key ones and key spaces. We've already addressed now the defensive line on a couple of fronts. So now let's really address it, okay? Now let's really go after it here. We're going to go to the draft. 
And again, thank you for the donations in here. Bear with me just a sec, folks, on this. Uh, I want to kind of go blow by blow on this with the draft and what's going on. And let me get this a little bit bigger so you can see. Okay, so right out the gate, the Seahawks come up to pick at number five overall, and I look to make a trade. Uh, I go to the Panthers. I say, Panthers, you want to get up and get this quarterback I got available to you? Come get him. They say, okay, we're going to come get him. So they move up to five. I move back to nine. I get their future first round pick and I bedazzle them into giving me their second round pick as well. I may have to throw them back something in the future. So if I have to throw them back, as I did in this trade, a future fourth round pick or a future third round pick, I'm willing to do so because I'm picking up the extra future first round pick and I'm getting that extra second round pick in this draft. I think you guys are going to notice I have a certain strategy on this draft and trying to attack a certain spot with this and a particular place in this draft specifically. So we get the first, the second, we give up a future or I give up a fourth this year, I think in my draft on this one. And, uh, and we get the number, they get the number five overall. So we drop down to nine, but I'm not done there. I'm not done there because then John calls up his old Packer buddies and he says, man, you guys need some help now. You move on from Aaron. You got to restack back up this roster. Okay. So you need to get some prime, prime guys. I got a receiver here. You need some receiving help. So why don't you come back, come back up here and get this receiver that you want. It's going to help you out. They say, okay, let's do it, John. So they go from nine to 15. We pick up a pure second round pick for dropping six places in the first round at that point. Then at 15, we finally select. Finally select after stacking two extra second round picks in this draft. I take Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh. I feel like we're not hearing a lot of smoke with him between the Seahawks and, and Cansey yet. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I just come back to the fact that Schneider and Carroll have watched a guy who is as close to, well, I guess who's, who's kind of like the amped up version of what Cansey is, wrecking them and wrecking shop in the NFC West for 10 long years. I think that's going to bear him back over towards Kansi and go, let's, let's try to have one of those guys on our side now for a while. How about that? Uh, and I love Kansi. Set, set the fastest time for a defensive tackle with his 40 this past week. Um, super explosive, um, super aggressive, great, great hand fighter. Maybe not the longest arms, but here where you're picking him at 15, the value is true. The value is right. Now, we make a trade at 20 as well. I'm not done, folks. I'm not done. I'm going full whole hog on this draft. This is going to go crazy town on this one. Strap in. So at 20, I moved back. I moved back into 26, as you can see here. The Cowboys wanted to come up and get themselves the one of the last prime receivers on the board. They were willing to give me their late, late second round pick in order for me to drop back six places in the first round here, uh, which again, if that's not the right value and I've got to throw them back a fifth rounder to make this happen, then I do it or find some creative fashion to do this. I want to stay in the second, third round range here in this particular draft by what I was trying to accomplish. So boom, 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 boom. We move back and forth a little bit here. We get three second round picks now that we've got returned. We're at 26 now, still picking now in the, uh, still picking in the first round, right? Still picking in the first round. So I didn't leave the first round completely. I still have two draft picks, one at 15, one at 26. I take Brian Breze out of Clemson at 26, which is great value. Had a little bit of a down year this year, but he had a, a crazy year the year before where he looked like a top five pick. The kid's got uh, a lot of upside to his game. We stack on that defensive line with two dogs right from the jump. Get this handled, get this settled, get this dealt with. No questions asked. And I have done so while still stacking three second round picks. Maybe dreaming on this, 
but I don't think so. I think I'm staying pretty close to reality on this one. First pick in the second round is what I would consider the best tight end in this draft. And I was saying this, folks, before he went to the combine and blew it up and did his little Odell Beckham two-finger catch. Uh, Darnell, Washington, Darnell Washington is the real deal. He is the best tight end in this draft. Make no mistake about it. You can have your Dalton Kincaid guys. You can have your, your Michael Mayer guys. You can have your weird Luke Musgrave guys. But for my bottom dollar, you give me a guy like Darnell Washington on my offensive line, and I'm going to start winning and whooping and controlling that line of scrimmage more importantly than anything else. He is an intimidator. He's got a huge catch radius. He is a complete tight end. He is old school style and more. He is the new model. You could line up a defensive end if you want. This guy is so big. Darnell Washington, 37. I've moved Noah Fant. I've got to address the tight end position. So let's go with him there. 32, number at round second, 39. I come back with Maze Smith. I'm not done on the defensive line, folks. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm so damn tired of watching year after year our defensive line too light not enough wish we had more bodies this guy got injured now we're toast not today not anymore not on my watch i come back at 39 with all these second round picks i've stacked and i go with maze smith the best zero tech in this draft and i stack cancy on one side and i stack breezy on the other and i put maze down there in the center and i go good luck Good luck. But we continue on, and I'm not done here. John Michael Schmidt, second round pick. 45, he's going to drop a little bit. Not no, no longer now as much a certain first rounder with this combine performance, but a guy that is one of those guys you say, turn on the tape. Put the tape on and tell me he's not the best center in this draft. And the tape don't lie. The eye in this guy don't lie. And John Michael Schmidt is the real deal. So now I've got my center. I got my center, and my, my lines of scrimmage are looking way more meteor, aren't they? Way more meteor, but we got so many second-round picks, don't we? One guy who has already met with the Seahawks, much like I've heard John Michael Schmitz has, is one Dan Henley. And you're going to have to take him after his recent combine performance in the second round, no doubt about it, and perhaps even early in the second round. Well, I get him here at number 51 in the second round, and Henley matches up there with B-Wags, and boy, they look so nice. So nice there with those two now, man in the middle linebacker position, looking way better than it did last year. And we still have Jordan Brooks coming on deck with some depth next year when he does get back from ACL. And now you're not rushing him back from his ACL. And with my final, well, the second to last final, I've got a couple second round picks here. With my another second round pick here, I take Steve Avilia out of TCU. So I put John Michael Schmitz with Steve Avilia. Bingo, bango. Not bad now. The offensive line is set. Avilia is, I think, one of the safer guards in this draft. You go Osiris Torrance, and then you probably go Steve Avilia as your one, two best guards. If you're not considering Skaronsky a guard, he'd be maybe your number one. So you go maybe one, one and Skaronsky, two Torrance, three Avilia. But Avilia is solid. He's, he's kind of he's kind of boringly good as a prospect and what he's going to be able to bring. But again, a guy's a, a, a going to be a, better than what you get with it with Phil Haynes there. A guy that can play both left and right guard. And now you have your offensive line. The base is set. It's set and it's cheap as we go forward. Now, I traded back uh, a little bit here with this last last little second round pick I had. Uh, flipping back with the, the uh, well, actually, this was just the trade I guess I got for the the uh, 
Daryl Taylor trade. So this was that, uh, well, this is the fruits of the Daryl Taylor trade, essentially. And I took Hendon Hooker at the end of the second round. Uh, I, this is a late second round pick, not an early one. I've been very willing to take Hendon Hooker even in the third round, but him being there in the second for me at this point, I looked at the board, looked at the value at that point, already saw that we addressed a lot of what we need to address in this draft at the front end of things. So I just went with a guy that I could, could give me a real solid prospect going forward and a great backup for Geno Smith. Um, and a guy who we could provide in that environment where he can have some time if it does take him to come back off that torn ACL that he suffered. But one of the guys who I think would have been a fringe first-round quarterback in this, probably a legit first-round quarterback in this draft, if he didn't have the torn ACL. Next, I come back in round three with another guy the Seahawks have met with and another guy that I've long had a fondness for as far as the player he is, and that's Mike Morris. He's a power edge. He's going to stop the run. He's got some pass rush potential, a good hand fighter, um, real rugged kind of defender out there from Michigan, just the kind of kind of just the kind of cat that you think John Harbaugh would would kind of churn out, uh, theoretically in my mind, I guess. But Morris is a, a real fine prospect. He gives you a plus run defender right from the jump, a little bit like a Boy Mafe last year in, in initial value, and then growing into be a pass rusher. And he's got some size to where maybe you can kick him a little bit inside from time to time to defensive end as well. This was another value pick for me. I did this as a mock draft. I didn't force this board for the most part um, outside of a couple of trains. But um, I just, he was sitting there for me on the board with where I want to do. And again, I want to address, you guys might think I'm doing overkill here, but <coughs> you got to look back if you can into the recent history of what our defensive line has looked like, what our pass rushes look like. And this is not going back one, two, three, four. This is like going back six years. It's been an issue where you always do what I call just enough. And when you do just enough, you end up falling far short. So I'm not falling far short this next year. I want to build a Super Bowl contender. I'm looking to replicate a little bit of like what the Eagles did and how they did it. I'm just going a little bit younger in my way. So uh, we've got uh, the fan trade is the one that brought us, of course, the Morris pick at that point. Let's continue on down through the board here. My last third round pick, our native third round pick, I took Jamie Robinson, strong safety of the future for us, a guy that can come in and be a better slot upgrade over what Kobe Bryant is right now, pushing Kobe Bryant to the outside now, rounding out that outside depth while still maintaining some slot depth as we go forward. I took Mike Mackay Becton in the fifth round. Get another cornerback in there in that fifth round, right? Never bad to be in that range of things. Uh, Beck Blackman might not be a guy that, uh, from a standpoint of a historical marker standpoint, fits exactly what they have always looked for in the position. But uh, just, I liked his tape quite a bit. He was, a, I, I think he gives him a good cornerback prospect. He's got some good natural goods for them to work with. And uh, when we get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round in these kind of picks anyway, I think they're kind of shot in the dark picks as it is, uh, if not the top of the draft, right? So um, you got to kind of take it all with a little bit of, gain of a grain of salt. Uh, my last two picks here, or again, value picks. I went with Chris Rodriguez. I get a hammer out of Kentucky. You know, a guy that's really got, it, it, the, the guy that he doesn't have anywhere near the same talent level of Marshawn Lynch, but the running style with that 24, I know that he definitely modeled a lot of his game after Marshawn and he runs as hard as any, any running back in this draft may not have a lot of juice, natural, you know, burst to him. But if you're looking for your you know, Chris Carson, like back Marshawn, like back in this draft, it's probably Chris Rodriguez or uh, I forget who there was one other guy that sort of has a little bit of shades of that to him. But I think Chris would round up this running back depth. Well, now you have Rashad Penny. You've got, of course, Kenneth Walker starting Chris Rodriguez and still Travis Homer on the roster. That's not a bad foursome stack of backs to go forward next season. 
And being that right now, I did also have us releasing Joey Hunt. We do need some center depth on top of taking John Michael Smith's in this draft. For some reason in my PFF simulator, Ricky Stromberg fell. Who knows? Sometimes guys do fall. If he was sitting there, I would be jumping all over him at that point. But again, let's not get caught up too much on the bottom picks. Let's more get caught up on what we're trying to accomplish at the top. So we've done a lot of drafting here and looking at, at taking guys that are on the on the line, right? I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks. Uh, the first seven picks I've devoted one, two, three, four, five players to the de- to the defensive and offensive lines. So heavily addressed in that fashion in this draft um, in a major, major way. So let's look at the kind of the important parts of this on the depth chart just to get the final look at this um, and what I'm meaning with this. So now the defensive tackle depth looks like this. You've got Javon Hardgrave, Kalijah Kansi, Brian Breezy, Maze Smith, Al Woods as your as your um uh, as your, your depth out people. Now, Al Woods is definitely a guy at this point that you could potentially feel strong enough or good enough about the situation to where you could release off of him and save some money. The savings weren't incredible with Al Woods for me, and I do like the thought of having a guy like Al Woods, Hargrave, Clowney, having some veteran presence in there with some of these young guys. And again, I want to make, if we've got to have the positional be a little bit having an extra guy than you normally would carry in the past, be one of those kind of positions to maintain and make sure you have the kind of talent on the field that can still get to those quarterbacks. Because remember, at the end of the day, no matter what defense you're running, whether it's the Coach Carroll old school 4-3 under defense, or it's the Coach Carroll new school 3-4 under Vic Fangio defense, he still doesn't want to blitz very often. And if you're not going to blitz very often, then you need to get the front four to generate pressure. You need those guys up front to handle it. And uh, that's not going to be done unless we have talented guys and talented guys across the board. It's hard enough to do it uh, if you're going to manufacture it. But if you're going to try to generate it on its own, then you've got to have the, the quality across the board to get it done. So get, we get some good uh, talent there on that standpoint with that. And then from the edge, here's the depth on this, and this should get you really excited, where you've got Uchenna Nuosu, Boye Mafe, Jadavian Clowney, and Mike Morse would be your de, vac- your de facto, probably active roster guys. Then, then, you've got, then you've got the opportunity to take a look at all Robinson and Tyreek Smith and see if one of those guys can play their way onto the roster on top of it, see where they're at. You know, are you guys ready to pop? Like competition be king at that point. But you've got a lot of built-in depth now between these two positional groups to me that who's running on this positional group? Who's running on this? Who in the league is coming after this and running downhill on this? Maybe the young guys aren't quite ready next year. Maybe they're not quite ready next year, but I'll tell you this. Long-term, that's going to be a wall of a defense. And I think even next year, it's a wall of a defense. Clowney, Morris, Mafe. Uchenna, that now gives you plus run defenders off the edge now immediately across the board with your foursome. Hargrave and Cancy are really your pass rushers, but between Breezy and Maze Smith and Woods, you got some guys that can stop the run there around that. And let's not forget with my offseason plan here, folks, which has been an aggressive one, which has looked to push the ball forward. I've not really sacrificed any super amount of cap space into the future. I've not moved any real future draft capital absent if you think my deals weren't going to get done there with some of my picks on my mock that I might have to give up some of my future draft capital to make some of these deals done to get that many second round picks. Okay. But if I, like I was saying before, if I've got to give up a little bit, I still then have in my back pocket going into next year's draft two first round picks and I'll have Gino under contract 
and I'll have the development of Hendon Hooker. So I can go get my quarterback if I want, or I can just stand pat and feel good about what I got and just take the quality on the board. Or flip a pick and keep flipping the picks. But I think if you put this type of team together, you have a Super Bowl contending team. I, and there is still some flexibility within that for them to do more if they want to do more or, or get some extensions done in there if they really want to go that route with it in a couple of ways. Um, I'm not even all, it has to be hard, caught up on Hargrave. They go a couple other routes without to build the quality there in different, in different places as well. But that would be my dream offseason for you folks. That's, this, is, this is mine. This is what I would love to see. I want to see the team go for it. I'm not asking for Jody Allen to have to open up hundreds of millions of dollars in her pocketbook to make this happen. I'm not asking the Seahawks to sacrifice all of their future out like we've seen teams like the Rams do recently and teams like the Saints. I'm not asking them to do that either. In fact, I'm still helping them out for the future in my proposition, aren't I? Because I still moved off 5 to 9. I still moved from 9 to 16. So I was still thinking about the future within thinking about the now. But in thinking about that future and stacking that future first-round picks and building up the potential arsenal to go get yourself your uh, quarterback of the future next year, we did that. Now let's do this. And do this means take care of the business of making this team a Super Bowl contender if you have it within your grasp. I just showed you there with the money because the narrative right now is going to be we don't have any money. The narrative right now is that, oh, there's just, we're, we're just stuck up against the cap with Geno's deal. You're already here with $28 million. Let's see where the Geno numbers are lying. Let's see where the first year's cap hit's going to be on it. Let's see if the team has some impetus in it to try to move some of these numbers along. Again, not to do void years, which is the new fashionable thing to do in the NFL. I'm just talking about converting a couple of contracts from base to bonus, freeing up some more money, and giving you that ability to really, really build this team up. Super Bowl contenders aren't going to be built by just doing enough or hoping just young kids get you there. And you didn't sign Geno Smith unless you were really trying to go out there and compete, in my opinion. I could be completely in over my skis on this one, but that's how it does feel to me. Let's see how it feels to you guys. Am I crazy? Am I out of my mind? Am I brilliant? Am it somewhere in between? Who knows? We'll see what you guys think here today on the stream. If you do like what you're listening to, please do hit that like button. I appreciate all of the new subscribers here onto the channel. We've had uh, still some great growth this off season. And even though usually things usually grind to a halt, we've still been just cooking along in a major way. And I uh, thank everybody there for uh, continue to watch, continue to support and all of that. It's been uh, quite amazing. So thank you so much to that. I am uh, a little bit behind in my donos here, but I'll hit up the chat here right afterward just to make sure I get caught up here. Um, Randa McDan, or oops, sorry, we got Garth, five minutes, there we go, Megan. Megan Gockroger, my lady from Dan Enda. With the $10 donation, thank you so much, Megan. And I hope you're having a good day and that migraine is hopefully treating you a little bit better today. Says, uh, where's the Geno jersey with pride? Wearing the Geno jersey with pride. Makes a re-dislocated left shoulder and the after effects of a severe migraine so much better. Well, thank you for the donation. It's currently, I think, the developing story around this Geno contract is at first blush, you go, through $35 million. But then you see the Derek Carr contract signed. You uh, see the Daniel Jones contract signed, which is completely clown world. And then you start to hear a little bit about some of the whispers and how this money might be kind of being formatted around in the contract, incentives laced, 28 million in the first calendar year. There's, there's some things being put in here a little bit that, as I say, lead me to believe a little bit on this, that the first year hit of this deal is not going to be as substantially as I think people might've thought at first blush. But uh, 
Wear it with pride, Megan. Wear it, wear it, wear it with pride indeed. If he took this market equitable deal as it looks like he might have, and props to Gino. Hats off to Gino. Players don't do this type of stuff. I've longed to see a quarterback willing to do this type of thing, understanding how much they're making and understanding, you know, what the cost is when they push this envelope this hard. Gino seems to have maybe potentially looked at the situation and realized that. Even at a small degree, he's definitely realized it, but maybe to even a larger degree than small. And if that is the case, he's going to deserve a tremendous amount of uh, uh, praise for that because it's just something that players don't do. And if they do, they're guys like Brady, who's made a kajillion dollars, or Mahomes, who knows he's going to make a kajillion dollars. Certainly not a guy who's never had his big, big money deal. But thank you, Megan, for the $10 donation, and it's good to hear you're feeling a little bit better. Garth, thank you for the $5 don't know. Says, uh, I saw that leap by the orange cat up to the cat tree early this stream. It was the equivalent of a 330-pound tackle jumping 42 inches at the combine. Impressive. Yeah, that's no joke. I saw that too. She came up with a force. That's what, a, if you ever wondered what it looks like when a bear's coming up a tree, climbing a tree up at you, that's just what my cat showed you there on the opening. That's, and she's a big girl. She's like, she's the, she's like, she's a California orange bear and just, <laughs> that thing was shaking Garth moving back and forth. Uh, by the way, I probably should have mentioned, uh, and I, I hope, uh, I, I hope somebody sees whoever posts, I got sent this in the mail, Ricky Waters signed Ricky Waters deal over here. So, um, whoever sent that Garth, that that was you or whoever was out there. Thank you so much. Appreciate uh, appreciate you sending that way. We got the, got the backdrop filled in just a little bit, a little bit more here on the stream. And, and Ricky, Ricky running waters. How could you not put Ricky back there, huh? Ricky's Ricky's got a space back there, doesn't he? Had to, had to do it, had to do it. So thank you to everybody, whoever put that out there. But uh, yeah, it was funny, Gar. She she came up with some speed on that one. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get face jumped there for a second. Uh, Randall McDaniel coming in with a $50 donation. Thank you, Randall. Says, uh, Randall, Randall's got some update on us in the news now. Randall has been expecting a stork to drop a bun in the oven here, and the oven is banked, and that, if I may say, Randall, we may have, it sounds storm came in at 544. Happy and healthy. Well, congratulations to Randall McDaniel. He says, go Hawks, jump on later. Everybody give a little bit of a tip of a cap to Randall McDaniel tonight. We've got a new Seattle Seahawks fan in our arms. That's right. We got it. a welcome, a new baby out here. New happy, healthy baby, it sounds like, which is just wonderful news. Congratulations, Randall. Thank you for the $50 donation. But uh, most importantly, man, thank you. Congratulations. That's awesome to hear. Um, got another Seahawks fam in the fam. You know what I mean? It's good. It's good, Randall. But you're awesome as ever, brother. Thank you for the $50 donation. And uh, hopefully you're a very proud papa tonight, man. You got the family just a little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. That's great to hear. You're awesome, brother. You're awesome. Um, Rodney Pressure with a $5 donation. Thank you, Randall. Or uh, Rodney. Sorry. Still thinking about Randall. Um, congratulations, Randall. That's so awesome, man. You got to be jacked. You're on probably cloud. You're either you're either completely exhausted right now, or you're on cloud nine, just climbing the walls, just so happy. Uh, Rodney with a five dollar donation. Thank you, Rodney. Says, uh, you know, I love my Hawks, but come on, it seems like this team just does not move on from players. 
Teams just roast our linebackers with tight ends. Tired of it. Yeah, uh, that's definitely been a problem uh, within your defense here, Rodney, in recent years. Um, and it's, it's, I think, a bit of a combination deal, which is why you tend to see it so often, is that it is one that's attacked at times in your schematic leanings and, and you're, you're wanting to sort of sit into soft zones and to not run tighter zones. You know, when I say soft zones, what I mean by that is not that like our defenders go to the zone and lay on the ground and show their belly. What I mean by that is that your defenders are going to have a prevalence of dropping deep with depth into their zones to take away the deeper shots. And uh, this is then going to open up stuff underneath and that's where tight ends are going to flourish. And so you've got to have a willingness to tighten down those zones at times, which the coaching staff defensively have not always been willing to do. Um, but it's also been a talent problem as well. Jordan Brooks is miserable in coverage, you know, it's, and it's not getting better anytime soon with him. Um, I think Cody Bryant got a little bit better in coverage throughout the year, but there were times where he was almost every bit as bad as Jordan Brooks was in coverage. So, you, you know, you, you, it is a little bit of also the talent problem there as well. Um, I can't speak to what they're going to do, Rodney, with you know doing the doing the schematic changes. But you can improve your you can improve your linebackers, and that's why you saw in my situation I did have Dan Henley uh, up as my guy that I picked. He might be one of the best coverage linebackers in this draft, and you know you're, I'm taking steps in my proverbial situation to try to improve that from the, the place that I can control. If I can control schematics, I sure as hell can control the talent. So let's go with, we'll go with Henley and call it a day, you know, um, and Bobby certainly is going to still maybe have his moments. He gets attacked, but I think he'll at least hold up relatively well with Henley there next to him. Thank you though, Rodney, for the donation. I do appreciate it. Uh, Megan uh, with the $5 donation and double thank you for the double donation. No, Megan says uh, one year ago today, the trade to Denver occurred. And here we are discussing how we will use their picks. I love it. It's such a wonderful situation, Megan, and we do have to kind of pinch ourselves at times and reminding ourselves how nice it is to be sitting in this position where you come off a playoff season, you're going to have four picks in the first 52 selections. You have a top five set. You have a top five pick. It's, it's a place teams just don't get to see themselves in uh, very often, if at all, from an NFL historical standpoint. And so it's a place where you really do got to savor as you go through this. So I loved, as much as I love doing these shows in this off season where we might be usually grinding through kind of not much to talk about, there not be much content, we got something to talk about because you have franchise altering decisions that can be applied this off season. And, and not from a negative standpoint, and that might seem that there's a little inference of negativity there, like, and you can mess it up. <laughs> It just takes you one false step. It's more about you killed it so well last offseason. The Russell trade and avoiding the quarterback landmines and not spending any bad money, really. And, you know, having a brilliant, absolutely bloody brilliant draft. And now you're sitting into that position of ready to slingshot this thing forward. So it's, it's where a lot of the work, hard work's been done. And now you just got to kind of finish it on up. But uh, it's a beautiful place to be in, Megan. I'm so stoked for this offseason. Um, even if we're not super active in free agency, just if it, with, with what I showed in the draft, kind of my mock there, even if John doesn't do exactly like what I was doing, he still has a lot of room here to move around a couple of times and build up that second round where, you know, that's where really the talent of this draft sits. And if he can find his way to maximize as many picks, getting into that area 
as he can through trades and whatnot, I would definitely, uh, I would hope he's being advised to do so because I think you'll come away with a, a really damn strong draft at that point, Megan. Uh, thank you for another uh, $2 donation, uh, Megan. I appreciate it as well. It says, uh, this is the draft I stay for, B. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No Jalen Carters on this one, Megan. I was in Move Back City. I was Trader John in this one. Pew, 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 trades. Pew, 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 pew. But thank you, Megan, for the DLR donation. Henry Mars with a $2 don't know too. Thank you, Henry. You're awesome as ever, brother. Says, agree, uh, agree a lot with your approach. Great work. Oh, thank you, man. I, I, I promise I tried to, to really put a lot of time into this over the last day and a half here. And really, I've been thinking about it throughout the offseason, of course, but really kind of hammering in some of these details and trying to do a little bit of my own research on this to make sure I'm being around accurate on my numbers and how I'm playing this and moving this and rolling this. Um, but I, I'm glad to hear you feel good about it too, that it feels like I'm on the right track with this one. I'd be interested to see where the chat kind of stands on some of this stuff. Um, Cause I know some of this is gonna be controversial a little bit, but uh, I just want to see them go for it. That's as much as anything as like, look, you're gonna compete. You got a soft, you got a soft NFC. Just put the pedal down. Let's go, yeah, let's go. But thank you, Henry, appreciate you, man. Megan, another $2 donation. Thank you, Megan. Triple donos says, who's on the wall, B? So I got in the mail from uh, one of our subscribers out there, one of our kind, kind, kind subscribers. This is uh, Ricky, or as Chris Berman used to say it, I can always say it like Chris Berman does. Like it's it's indelible to me at that point, you know? And Chris Berman used to always come on with the highlights, Megan, when the Seahawks were on and uh, Ricky was on the team or Ricky was anywhere. He was doing it throughout Ricky's career. But if uh, Ricky Waters scored a touchdown and go, Ricky running Waters. And so uh, Ricky Waters was uh, running back for the Hawks for a couple year period, free agent signing just before Sean Alexander. And it's a signed, it's a signed uh, Ricky photo. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. A little less blank space in the wall. A little bit of Seahawk history. I like that. I like getting some of the older stuff mixed in with the new, you know? It gives it a nice nice little uh, feng shui to the decor. Uh, but thank you. Appreciate you, Megan. Seahawks02 with the $2 donation says, thoughts if we draft AR-15 and let him sit behind Gino? I'm working on a video right now, Seahawks02, that's going to address just that. I got to put a little bit more of it together. Uh, but I certainly think that it is absolutely in play. Um, AR, uh, Anthony Richardson is in need of... Um, is in need of time of sitting on the bench. I don't think that his, the best thing for his development is to thrust him onto a football field and just say, you know, find your way. I don't. I think that that's the pathway for him to potentially be shortening his career and a team to turn him into a Lamar player or a Cam Newton player, which, you know, this kid should every bit be playing in this league for the next 15 years at a high level, not playing in this league at the, for, for a you know, five-year, six-year period at a high level because he gets wore down and wore out. So uh, I think we would give him a great place to come to, a great situation, a great player for him to learn behind in Geno. Just the absolute ideal for him of any place else that could, because any other team that goes out there and trades for him is going to be playing him. Um, as, I, as I'm going to say in this video coming up, you know, these teams, the coaches will tell you and they draft him, oh, we're going to let him sit, we're going to let him sit, and then they don't ever let him sit. We would. We wouldn't be as much pushed to do so. And we'd have a little bit of an opportunity at times if we wanted to run a little bit of some counter stuff with Gino where we, we run him out there and have him do some read option stuff, you know, just to, to kind of mess with uh, defenses a little bit. But I, even so, I'm, I'm okay with doing it if they do. I get it if they do that, Seahawks 2 You're not going to be picking this high in the draft anytime soon again. So, nor being picking this high and have your opportunity to take a really talented quarterback. A guy who was, if, he's, if he was in last year's quarterback, 
would be the number one guy on the board off the board. He would be probably the the number one pick. Well, if not the number one pick, the you know probably the number two pick to Detroit at that point. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you got your opportunity to do that, not going to be there very often. I can understand them going. We're not overthinking this one. Makes sense. Empower Code with a $20 donation. Thank you, Empower Code, for the $20 donation. You're awesome, brother. I appreciate that, man. He says, cheers, Brandon. We're going forth this offseason. There's no holding back. Dell with that. I say to hell with that. Hawks Nation, let's fly. Attack the defensive line. Draft a project quarterback. Fix linebacker. We, want, we know what to do. Let's go out and do it. Hashtag go Hawks. That's what I'm saying in power. And thank you for the $20 donation. Let's not muddle about here. Let's not dip our little tiny toes up into the pool and talk about how chilly it is. That's not how we do it out here in Seattle. We're used to cold waters. We're used to cold oceans. We're used to cold oceans with some depth. That's not how we do this. What we do is we stand back, take a couple feet step back. Why? Not because we're scared of the water. We want a running start. So we can dive further out into those depths. So let's go. Let's jump. What we got to lose? I've been 10 years away since we were in the Super Bowl. We've muddled about here a little bit. We've tried some different little soft half-measure approaches. Let's go all the way. And I'm not even saying, and, and even you're advocating of it, Empower, I'm not saying all the way in the Rams approach. Or some of these other teams' approaches like the Saints who yearly are 90 million over the salary cap. I'm not saying that. It's not what I'm saying. But you can be aggressive. You can go a little outside the two, three-year plan, stretch a little bit beyond that. And still be doing some things, like I said, where you trade back and you get a future first, where you still you do get a little bit of the best of both worlds at that point. So I, I love it in power code. I love your spirit. I'm with you. Let's fly. Let's go. Let's take this weak-ass NFC. Why not us? Why not us? That's all I'm saying. Uh, thank you, though, man. You're, very, you're awesome on the dono. Garth, uh, appreciate you on the $5 donation, man. He says, got to say, if the Hawks draft is 65% as excellent as your PFF mock, I think we'll be at least as happy as we were the last draft. Super Bowl contender? Maybe. So all I'm saying, Garth, is I think we it's it, you can pull it off. Uh, people, and a lot of times when you have people make these trades, Garth, where they go, okay, I'm going to trade this guy back and I'll trade all the way back here and then I'll move away. And you go, that's not really realistic and pulling it off. But when you have the fifth pick in the draft and you're willing to move off that, let's say twice, and then you move off 20 once, yeah, yeah you can stack those second rounders up at that point. And if you're sitting at the, a place where there is that pivot spot, where there's the player who gets really that team just salivating over them, where let's you're at five, you've got to quit the last quarterback on the board, sense of urgency. You really want it, Carolina? Do you really want it, Carolina? Do you want it, Carolina? Well, then you got to pay for it. And then they give it to you. You move back once, and then Green Bay goes, hey, we want to come up to you. Hey, okay, one more. We'll take another second round pick for four or five spaces. Now off two trades before you've even, even touched your other picks, you've already uh, added those extra couple. I'd love to see a Garth. Regardless of the, them taking the players, I wanted to see them. They could take any, another, any number of other iterations. But the amount of talent then you stack and you fully at that point to me take, take full advantage of all of those Denver picks, of having that fifth overall pick in the draft at that point. But glad to hear you like it as well, man. 
Uh, Megan, another $10 donation from Megan Gock Roger. Thank you, Megan. I really do appreciate it. She says, Ollie had an accident at school yesterday. Sand met eyes and ended up in the ED. And all he kept saying, according to my brother, was, want to talk to B now, daddy? <laughs> oh, your brother probably is shaking a fist at times saying, will it never end? <laughs> will it never end? <laughs> uh, tell, tell Ollie I said to hang in there. Tell them why I hang in there. Hopefully they got that sand, sand met eyes. Oof, sand in the eyes is not good. That stuff is, uh, that's painful. That can really hurt. It never feels like you get it out either. It's one of the things where you gotta just sit there and still like, it's, there's still something in there. I'm telling you, there's still, I, I, I can feel the peace in my eye. No, it's there. I'm, I know what you saw. I'm, I can feel it in there. I'm telling you. Just no, wash it out again. Poor kid though, man. Hope he's okay, Megan. And uh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> tell, tell, tell him I said to stay strong. Stay strong. It'll pass. Appreciate you, Megan, for all the donos though. And it's good to hear you're doing better. Well, slightly better. Dislocated shoulder. Redislocated shoulder is not. It's kind of a migraine off, dislocated shoulder on. So kind of an... You know, load balance thing almost there a little bit, one to the other. So hopefully that gets through you quick on it. That's tough. Shoulders are painful too. But appreciate you, Megan. Thank you so much for the donation. Uh, Kevin Mullen, thank you for the $10 donation. Says, I would have traded Nuosu versus Daryl Taylor. Save $10 million on cap, but interior would be sick. Question, uh, with a new pass rush specialist, do you see the defense being uh, compartmentalized because Pete Carroll is done post 2024. Um, and I'm okay. By the way, Kevin, uh, thank you for the $10 donation. If, if you want to switch the other two between that, I'm okay with that. I think that you've got a decision to make between Tara, Taylor and Nuosu long-term this next off season. And if you want to go with Taylor instead, and, and that's the bet, the choice that is the lab, then that's fine. You know, that's, I'm okay. If they want to switch, it was just more of, I think of those three, when I look at those three bodies with two of them, and Taylor and Nuoso being due off the books in a year from now, I go, let's maybe get some assets for that into rebuilding this back through it a little bit differently. Um, so I'm okay with that if you want to go that way with it. And like you said, you would save the $10 million um, with Nuoso or somewhere in that neighborhood, I think. Um, would it be $10 million you save with Nuoso? Yeah, that's about, it's, 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 it's nine, a little bit below nine, but... Point still stay your point still stands on that, Kevin. Um, with a new with new pass rush specialist, do you see the defense being compartmentalized because Pete Carroll is done post twenty twenty four? I don't think so. Um, Carroll's not really been much of a compartmentalizer in his historical past when it comes to the way you're kind of meaning it, which I like. I would like them to do that. I think that's the way a lot of, in a lot of respects, Kevin. The NFL's kind of going, but I think he'll look at it as more rotational thing, keeping guys fresh. Having, you know, where you go, oh, okay, our first two, first two series, the defensive linemen are out there on the field. The third series, then we're putting in the backups, right? I mean, even like the Niners do this type of stuff. Where Bosa might be off on the third series, then the whole complete third series, they're just like saving him. Um, so it's more about that rotational you get in there. But that's why I like having the depth of it, because when you go to then that third crew and you're going to them early, or that second crew and you're going to them early, now you're putting out guys that aren't just going to completely get 
rumple stomp down the football field by the offensive line because they're just not good enough. You've got guys that can still be very challenging and maybe every bit as good as the front line guys. Um, so I, I don't think it, it, it is that. Yes, they have used at times some guys like Taylor, and they did this this year, Kevin, where I, mean, I guess, you know, I kind of went around the world in this. They kind of did that with Taylor last year in the, by the end of the year for what you're talking about. Like they took Taylor as a pass rusher only and, and they removed him on early rundowns. One of the reasons that Boya Mafe didn't get as many pass rush snaps was because he'd be there early downs and then he comes off the board and now Taylor comes in for the pass rush points and times. So, you know, you kind of did that a little bit even already with Taylor going forward. So I guess I got to take back a little bit of what I said with that because with Taylor, they did apply. But historically, Carroll's tended to just rotate guys through as you're part of the rotation. You know, guy gets gas, get out, or we've got you set for a certain amount of snaps. It's as much as anything, I think my from my standpoint, it's, if we looked at the data, the data would tell us that, you know, keeping pass rushers and keeping defensive linemen under a certain percentage of the snaps gets the best of their performance out of them, which is then informing you towards the need to stack up a more depth ridden and talented ridden defensive line rather than just looking to the front line guys to save the day. I think that's the, the real key point kind of learned. And I think that's one that they do know within this organization as well, because when they had their greatest success nine years ago, that's exactly the type of defensive line that they stacked up. The Camper Report with a $5 donation. And thank you to everybody for all the kind kind donos today. Appreciate you. Thank you, too, to Camper Report. Runs a great little 49er channel on his end of things, folks. So if you're looking for some Niner content to side-eye from time to time, not the worst of ways to go. He says, uh, what do you think about uh, the draft turner, G.J. Turner? Do you think the Seahawks could get him? What about the Niners? Um, let's, I do. I have looked at DJ Turner. Um, so certainly he lit the combine on fire with the four, four, two, six, 40. And then he had a one, four, seven, 10 yard split, which is uh, electrifyingly fast. You don't see guys posting those numbers, big vert, long, broad, short arms. This is the big issue with DJ Turner camper is that there's some pretty th- pretty deep data in regards to this about, you know, cornerbacks with under 32 inch long arms being able to start on the outside at the NFL level. There are only, I think like two or three guys. I could be wrong on this, but I thought I saw the stat on this, like not about three weeks ago that posted that if you have under, under 33 inch long arms or 32 inch long arms, you're not going to be able to start on the outside at corner in the NFL. Um, at 30 and three fourths, he's only about an inch and a fourth off, but he is kind of off a little bit with that to a degree. He's really sudden. He is really fast. So he's not just track speed. It does show up and, and that, you know, when he puts his foot down and goes, it's, it's quick. Um, yeah, both of the defenses that we run right now with Niners and our Seahawks tend to run a little more zone heavy. Um, and that's definitely his thing that he was doing in a lot of the tape I saw. I think he can run some man stuff, but um, he definitely worked. I'm just kind of looking through my notes a little bit too. Um, he definitely worked a little bit in zone as well there in Michigan. So he, he does a great job. Uh, I guess his one standout skill to me is it's the, and not a lot of cornerbacks can do this, it's the pinning the receivers to the sideline on nine routes, Camper. So a receiver comes off the line of scrimmage, you know, and, and you've got the receiver and he's trying to run by the, the cornerbacks and really good cornerbacks can kind of just angle a guy to the sideline where the receiver just eventually doesn't and the receiver's just trying to run as fast as they can. And with a guy like Turner, because he's so fast, you're not running by him. So he can, he can be running step for step for you and just kind of like picture a cars on a cars on a road and one car's just kind of not even hitting the other car, but just sort of forcing them 
off of their path as they go to the nine. And you watch his tape with Turner. When you're trying to run the nine route on him, he's going to stay on top of it. And you're not you're not beating him deep. And that part's notable because in the zone and the concepts that the Seahawks and Niners run, one of the things those coaches look for, secondary coaches look for first and foremost, is the ability to stay on top. Especially when you're playing zone, and that's what we've, we, we want you to do above all else. Especially if you don't have safety help. But uh, I, I do think that he does get a little bit grabby. Um, I don't think he's got the best hands. So taking away the football is not going to be something that's his thing. He's a pretty good tackler. Um, but I feel like with the four, two, six, with, with the combine scores he put up, you know, it's going to elevate him in a way that probably shouldn't. He probably should have been one of those guys camper that went to their original slotted point off of the film you watched. But because of his combine, that's going to be enough to elevate him another round or two higher than he should go. So you'll, be, you'll feel good about him as a player, but you'll feel like I took him about a round and a half higher than I really wanted to take him. That's kind of my feeling on it with it. Very, very grabby, especially when they put him in press. Like when he, when he gets uncomfortable, he just starts grabbing. And, you know, he's got the athleticism and speed not to do that stuff at times. But you don't take the ball away and you got a little bit of that grabbiness on tape. I can't make it like the four, you, you think four, two, six and all that's like, well, now he's a second round pick. Definitely. No, shouldn't be not. And especially not with the arm limitations at 30 and three fourths inches. It should be more to me, in my opinion, you know, third, fourth round guys, probably really the better spot for him. Um, and remember when he runs that four, two, six and the one, four, seven, he's doing it at 180 pounds. You know, he ain't doing it at what you'd like to be seeing that at like 205 for a corner, you know, or at least maybe 15 pounds heavier. So it's like, well, when I add him, when I had the 15 pounds, is he four, four now? You know, where's he at with that? I don't know. I'm not as high on him, Camper. He's all right. He's got legit speed. He's got some fun tools to him, but it ain't, it ain't all gravy. You know, thank you though for the donation, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for another $5 donation. And he says, uh, congrats at uh, Randall McDaniel. Brando, give Randall a Polly Shore welcome to the new edition. Absolutely, buddy. Randall McDaniel, adding to the flock. I see you. Look at Randall being active. Cool. Squeezing up on the juice, getting a little baby. All right, Randall. <laughs> Thank you for the five dollar donation, Garth. Randall Paulie's 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 happy for you tonight. He sees you. He sees you. He goes, great for you, Randall. Oh, buddy's a little active. Cat's head turns up. Thank you guys all for the donations, though. Man, it took me uh, almost probably almost about an hour to get through all the donations. Thank you though for all of the donations. You guys are tremendous, uh, as you guys always are on uh, the support. Uh, Paulie's thankful too. Gar, like the donations, putting a little bit of bread in the bucket, adding some stacks. I hope everybody's having a great night, though, and. Uh, Thank you so much. But yes, it con- above all that, let's congratulations to Randall for the new, the new baby. New baby in the world tonight. We got a new, a new Seahawk fan was born tonight under a bold moon. Uh, Tom Eaton says, no notification again. What the hell? I don't know what it is with the notification stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I do have the schedule up now though, Tommy. So for me, it's, I'm, I'm on my schedule. I'm on that five o'clock Wednesday, you know, four o'clock, four to five-ish on Sunday. We're kind of locked in on that one for sure. So even if I don't have the schedule of it up, um, but I got to figure out how to do the scheduling system on um, 
Streamlabs OBS. I'm bad with it. It doesn't work right. I've, I've tested it a couple times, got frustrated and said, hell to hell with this. Aaron Donald, yo, 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 yo. How you doing? Ethan, hello, hello, hello. Nick, what's up? Devo Martzal, how you doing? Rob Terrell, let's go. Swedish Fish, daily reminder, Orange Cat deserves a Hawks jersey. I'm thinking Walker jersey. Yeah, I'd, I'd put her in a jersey, but she would just look at me and with such anger in her eyes if I did it. I'd want to do it. Don't get me wrong. And look, I'm going to be doing a segment here, Swedish, where I have her guessing the Hawks schedule. Uh, you know, I'm going to put like treats on the schedule for the, each opponent for Hawks and the opponent, and she's got to pick one. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to put her in a hot little Hawk jersey. You know, that would no doubt get some views, but she might not ever forgive me. That's the only downside of that but she's a good girl she's a good girl uh seattle way to wait says we're all eating a gino's pizza oh we're having multi we're having a, a we're having a full the full pizza to ourselves too not just a couple slices but i want the full pizza i want it all tommy says orange cat needs a boz jersey and a lightning bolt mullet that boz jersey would be the one you're on point with that one man Bob's jersey would be absolutely 100% the, the right one. And Power Coaster, did you hear Gino's new contract is a steal? His base contract is three years, 75 million, 25 million a year, and the rest is based heavily on incentives. We got a fantastic deal. Indeed we did. Indeed we did. And I think it's going to look even better here as we go forward because there will be bonus money here, you know, in Power. They didn't just give him base all the way. He's going to get some bonus involved in this, I would think. I'd be very surprised if this was all base. Cameron Robinson says, oh boy, the list of players that Pete Carroll, John Snyder talk with is impressive. We are for sure filling the needed holes to be filled. Let's get it, Hawks. Hawks for life. Oh, people coming in pumped up today. It ain't off season, it ain't March 8th. It's prime time in people's hearts right now. I'm feeling that energy off the, off the donos, off the chat. Let's go. I'm glad. Pedal down, right? Let's go. Let's push this. And you're right. I'm very excited by the guys that I'm hearing them talking to. There's nobody that they've talked to that I've cringed at. Usually they talk to somebody where you go, not him, not him. But every one of these guys, if we walk away from this draft of any one of them in varying places in the draft that you're going to find them, you'd feel, you'd feel your team is better. Your team has been improved. You know, And that's uh, all we can ask them to do this offseason is get us better, get us more improved. Build upon what you've already put through. And yeah, it gets me excited too, camera. It gets me thinking more and more that they, they changed track last year in their drafting philosophy. They moved down a different lane and now they're going to stay in that lane, which gives you that much more confidence that they can replicate the success from last season and that draft. Love it. I love the energy in here tonight, man. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. Diego says, okay, take the roll. Chicken God, uh, you almost can't lose drafting Richardson because if he doesn't work out, he would still command significant draft capital in a trade before having to commit to a veteran contract. 
Yeah, that's why I say it's there's not a downside with taking him now. The only downside is that you're maybe a little less in on next year, let's say. It is it is certainly just a move into the now uh, or into the into the future as much as anything versus having some other moves you're liking to do that would go together with that that would then be for the you know, for the moment, the signing of free agent deals, you know, the, the, and whatnot. So, you know, it would be a little bit more vindictive of a bit of a patient process if they patient approach, if they took that one. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I certainly think, um, I certainly think that, sorry, I lost my thought on that one. Um, I certainly think that it's a smart approach to potentially go that. I didn't in my offseason dream plan, but I certainly wouldn't admonish it or get mad at it if they did chicken God. It's not a, it's not a, it's a, an approach based on a lot of logic and reason to take that route with it. Um, Megan with the $5 donation says, I'm having trouble keeping up and my shoulder is very painful, so I can't sit for long. Well, no worries, Megan. If you got a, if you got a call, it's okay. I definitely don't want you to be in pain doing doing the mod stuff here tonight if that's rolling like that. But uh, hang in there with it. I hope it's not uh, too bad and it uh, doesn't linger with you on it. But I understand it completely if it, uh, it's got to go that way with it. So no worries. Kyle, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you as well, Kyle. Says, Pete Carroll with the receipts. He loves making people look stupid. The media and every expert last year and now Sauce Hold'em Gardner. Hashtag go Hawks. Yeah, that was a weird one with the old turn on that situation. Sauce bringing it up that Carol was like in my, and then Carol having the video going, oh, was I really? Well, here's the video. So, but uh, we saw it last year, didn't we, Kyle? I mean, with the whole, it started right around the the start of the year where a, a once normal Pete who, you know, would always take the high road, who's never going to, you know, say anything about anyone ever and just kind of just be positive about everything. And, you know, they said, well, you know, Carol, should the fans boo Russ when he comes back? Like, oh, yeah. Well, let them decide what they do, you know? Well, whatever they want to do. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Carol, you're not going to say them telling them not. I mean, if they want to boo, they, they, should, they should boo if that's what they're feeling like doing. That's what they feel they should do. You know, if, if they feel like somebody stabbed them in the back and tried to get them fired, maybe they should boo them. <laughs> uh, you had every right on that. And uh, it sounds like you had every right on this one with Sauce, too. Or it wasn't anywhere near you. Yeah. You know? I think Sauce just wanted to come to Seattle and. Being stuck out in crappy old New York that never wins is like he's realizing where where his career is going to be at, and he's like, "Well, I'm in the bright lights of Losingville. <sighs> I got extra reporters to talk to me about every single loss that we have to experience." Well, I, I guess they're getting Aaron Rodgers now, so I'll, New York's fixed. Yeah, we'll see how that one works. We'll see how that one goes. I'm sure there's. I'm sure that one's completely set up for success in that situation. Appreciate you though, Kyle. Thank you so much. Uh, Diego, uh, thank you for subscribing to the channel. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, and thank you, Diego, as well for the $5 donation. I appreciate you on that as well, man. Um, he says, uh, go Broncos uh, in before band laughing out loud. <laughs> well, thank you for the $5 donation, Diego. And, uh, you know, no ill will from my standpoint to Russell Wilson at this point or to see him have anything bad happen. And um, you know, he's getting a guy in Payton, which was, it's a little bit obvious to say right now, but I always thought that this was the case going back even a couple of years ago that, you know, where Russell wanted to go in his career in his mid, mid to late thirties and, and how he wanted to progress. He needed a, a coach like Payton that could kind of teach him some of the advanced stuff of offense and not only teach him, but have the, 
gravitas to be able to force him into the into playing in that style. And and that Russ might kind of resist it at first, but come to find that that's the best thing for his game. Um, and I think that other coaches might try to have done that, like a Hack, Hackett might have tried to have done it, or like a Schottenheimer might have tried to have done it, but they they couldn't carry enough of that that big enough stick, so to speak, to to be able to get the player to really you know listen and lock in on it. And um, if he does, and and certainly there's no other coach I think out there that was available that could have done it at that point, Diego. So you guys got the best um, possible solution to the troubles at hand. And um, I like Sean Payton a lot as a coach. So I don't know where pay, I don't know where Russ is going in the long term in the future, but I do know that uh, certainly um, Russ is uh, uh, Russ is in good hands with Sean Payton, and uh, hopefully can avoid the ban. <laughs> um, Garth, uh, thank you for the five dollar donation. Uh, Garth, I appreciate you for the the triple quad dono tonight. Uh, it says, "I'm a Bronco fan who followed Russ." When you get done laughing, tell me what your left hand, what your left-handed brain would do to fix the team with little to no draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got you on that, Garth. Um, well, you're in a, you're, you're really in a place right now at this point of operating from two different mindsets. If you're Sean Payton, looking at the Broncos going forward, one mindset is what to do about next year. And then the mindset beyond that is, okay, what steps do we now take beyond that? And one kind of informs it into the other. And what I mean by that is if uh, the Russell Wilson situation is going to be due to fail and not work now, the way you, you, you move forward and how you rebuild the team is going to look vastly different than if you were able to salvage this Russell Wilson season this year. Um, First, it starts with philosophy with the Broncos. And as I've said for a while now with Russell, he's not a high-volume passer, nor will he ever be one. That's okay. He can still be a very good player in this league. He can still lead a team very far by not being that. But then that requires the understanding of, okay, I need to have an offensive line first and foremost that can control this action in both elements. I've got to have a, good, a great running back line that can also do some pass protection stuff for him because he is going to be a guy that's going to hold the ball a little bit longer naturally anyway. Having an offensive line that can do that a little bit better would be beneficial to him, I think, highly so. So you're not going to be able to get that fixed really into this offseason. You don't have the draft picks to do it. Um, monetarily speaking, if you look at the free agents that are out there, is there a guy that jumps out that's really going to help them out as it stands right now? Well, they're, they're kind of stuck right now. I mean, then go, I, I maybe go look and see if I could find a right tackle, but Garrett Bowles is going to be there for at least the next year. That's why I say this is a bit of a one year thing here, Randall, where you've got to see like, okay, is Garrett Bowles come back and come back and play? Okay. Does Russ able to work with Peyton and get better from that? Kind of that instructs you on anything else beyond that. So there isn't really the major big moves they make this offseason personnel-wise. It's more about committing to a rushing-based attack, working off the play action, a lot more under center stuff, a lot less of Russell Wilson and shotgun, um, balanced if not run heavy. And uh, that's just that's leaning towards the defense at that point, the good defense at that. And then and then beyond this year, it's then going forward getting the offensive line, even before getting him skill position players. It's like, get him an offensive line. Get, get a line that can can move holes, open holes in the run game, move people off the line, and then can pass protection on the other side of it. And if you do that, I think Russell throwing 25, 30 times a game, he can be still very dynamic in that. I, I'm sure they were like, well, we aren't paying him to do that. Yeah, got to get outside of that, like what they're paying him to do. It's like, it's not about what you're paying Russell to do. It's about what will make the team and Russell Wilson the most successful. And that's how it's the only way you're going to salvage the value of that contract and salvage the deal. 
but I, I would go that path with a Garth. I would, I would really lean into that aspect of things and just doing some old school football. You know, get that safety up into the box to stop the run. Now let Russ hit over the top on the nine rounds. It's one of those like, don't have to overthink it kind of things on that, right? Uh, Megan, thank you for, again, another donation. Megan, thank you so much. I know you're in some pain, but I appreciate all of the donations on the channel here tonight and uh, for hanging in there as a mod tonight. I'm sorry about you and being in so much pain. She says, 12s, I'm having a very hard time keeping up due to the migraine and badly painful shoulder. Please keep things civil in the chat and I will try harder to keep up. Oh, thank you, Megan. You're doing just fine. And uh, we've got as many people as ever in the chat. So folks, if things do get a little bit wild and and ornery at times this off season and things, Megan does all she of course can, but uh, we're going to definitely be getting our share now and into the future as stuff happens uh, with the trolls and whatnot. That's going to be a little bit of the downside of the great growth that we're having here on this channel is that uh, you're going to pull them in like, like flies to crap. You know what I mean? But uh, Megan, if you got to go, I understand completely. No worries on that. Um, I wouldn't expect you to be even doing any mod stuff with your shoulder where it is right now. It's got to be hurting. You got to relax that and just keep it kind of immobile and, you know, so I understand. No worries if you do on that, but thank you so much for the donation. I really do appreciate it. Brandon Moody says, Brandon, Brandon was spot on. We're going all in. Did you hear Pete hype up Gino so much at the Combine? This is Pete's grand finale. He wants to let all our fireworks off. That's right. You don't want to, Grandpa don't want to leave none of them in the basement. He says, that's been in there since 78. Get that sucker out there and light that up. Grandpa, isn't that going to be a little bit dangerous? Yeah. That's how we did it back in my day. We did a little bit of dangerous firework play. And you will too, boy. That's how you grew up to be a man. Look, you just spread a little chest here right there by me saying that. So yeah, let's go. Grand finale of Pete sounds good to me. I, I, I've had to wonder with this offseason whether you really believe that they have the stones to go all in or not. Look at it a little bit like this, Seahawk fan, if you're a little bit reticent to think that they could take the approach that I'm, I'm sort of prescribing. We don't know where this team's going to be at a year from now. A year from now, we could be on the verge of seeing this team sold. And that would mean Coach Carroll, whether he's looking at retirement or not, uh, that could mean John Schneider are, are looking at the proverbial end of the road if they have a team that is in a middle, middling state. If, if they have a new owner who's taking over and he says, okay, you guys, you got the Super Bowls a couple, 10 years ago. It's great. Since 2015, what exactly is it you guys have, you know, completely done here as far as making yourself into a lead team again? I mean, it seems like you've kind of struggled to get back to that spot. So if they've got something on they can resume that they can hit with the new owner and say, hey, look at this. Look at what we just did on the back of this rebuild. And I don't think they're going to be a necessarily bad reputation by a new owner. That that means that they get fired 100%. But as I've said in the past, I also do think that owners have a predilection towards wanting to hire their people so they can take their share of the credit should there be any success. Uh, So I would love to see it. If this was a finale of a fireworks off with Coach Carroll, if this was his last ride, let's go. Let's go and let's go all in. Let's fire every gun, shoot every bullet. And then let's see where the dust settles. When all the smoke clears the lead, let's just see where it all falls. And let's not forget this NFC is wide open. Wide open. Megan, uh, another $2 donation. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate all the donos. She says, stepping away, I'm having a panic attack. Oh my goodness. Well, hang in there. Just breathe and uh, breathe and relax. I'm sorry, hon. Don't, uh, yeah, just, just get some relaxation there. 
Uh, Chase Stern with a five dollar dono. Thank you, Chase. Says, do you think Pete's done after this year? I, I think it's hard to say exactly on that, Chase. I do. I think it's a little bit of a year year by year thing with him. And it probably depends on maybe the way this year goes. You know, uh, if the year's a complete horror fest and the team takes a step back, yeah, probably his last year. If the team goes out and wins a Super Bowl, yeah, probably his last year. If the team goes out and they, you know, win a, a division and they get to the conference championship and they lose, is that his last year? No, he's probably coming back. Oh man, we got so close. Let's break through next year. I, I would think that he would think of it like that more than anything else. So probably br- the outcomes will probably vary on that. It's on the table on certain outcomes, Chase. On other ones, he would he would be returning, I would think. They get in the playoffs, they win the first round, still be trying to return, I would think. You know? But Super Bowl, that'd be probably a pretty glorious sunset to ride off into. But even that's hard. This is hard for me to predict on this chase because he's the kind of, again, one of those coaches I always thought was like, I mean, he'll go when you force him to go kind of things for good and bad, you know? So he's a tough guy to predict on that because he's never really given any indication at all that he's even looking towards the end or that he thinks he's even close to the end. And he still seems to get really amped up. You haven't seen really a loss of energy or that he seems like his spirit has, you know, dimmed when it comes to his, his fervor for coaching and what he does. Jonah, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and thank you, Chase, for the all the for the donations. Mega, thank you for all your donations too, and hang in there, hang in there, sweetie. Uh, Jonah, Patrick Mahomes was taken because they couldn't pass him up, and he was supposed to sit behind Alex Smith, but then Alex Smith got hurt, and the rest is history. There you go, Jonah. There it is. I I do think Jonah he got a full year, and I think Mahomes got hurt. I thought the next year, or maybe it was the end of the 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 first year, but he did sit at least I think a lot of that first season to kind of sit and, and sort of learn, but you're right. I mean, that you've got a guy in, uh, in, in Geno Smith, I think that was very close around the age of where Mahomes was or where Smith was. And when you got 30, 32 years old, going to be 33 years old in October, you know, there's a, a higher chance you could get injured and having a really talented guy you could draw off the bench, especially for a Super Bowl contending team is not the worst route to go. Sean Hines, Hawksnest, did you hear Sean Kemp, the Sonic Superstar, was booked into Pierce County Jail for a drive-by shooting at the Tacoma Mall today? Holy mackerel. No, I didn't. That's sad to hear. Oh, oh lordy. Brian Meyer says, Sean Hines, my report says, same birthday, same name, different guy. Oh, Jeez. <laughs> okay. So hopefully it wasn't Sean out there in Tacoma. We got some Niner fans in the chat today. All right. Now I see why it's now I see why things are stirred up a bit. Uh, Church of Sacred Cacti. I say we take Richardson at five unless Carter's available. Richardson is one of the kind talent you only find at the top of the draft, which Seattle never is. 
Use 20 and second rounders for lines. I think it's a, a smart approach, Church. Uh, even though it wasn't in my dream offseason necessarily, I still say it is still a very smart approach. And I think that there's not just one pathway to slaying this dragon. The Seahawks can go down, you can go through the, you know, the forest of quarterback love. You can go through the, the hills of defensive line talent. You can go through the mountains of offensive linemen, you know. You can go a lot of different ways and get around to that dragon and slaying it. So uh, it, it ain't just one path. And I, I've warmed up to Richardson. I think that the combine performance on top of what you see from him on tape is enough to pair together, along with knowing you have the situation, to give him what is really necessary in drafting Richardson, which is that time on the bench, at least one season, to learn, to mature, to, to just figure the position out a little bit better. And then he's going to be good to go. So uh, I, I'm with it. I'm in favor of it. I'm okay with it. And uh, be a good approach. Kurt Bernard says, I like it, but that's a lot of draft picks. Has anything like this been done before? Hmm. Uh, no. No, no. I would say that it's, it's not really been done in this respect before. Let me see. How many picks did I end up with in the second round? I had... Uh, so I had one, two, three, four, five, six picks in the second round, I guess, total. So that's quite a bit, few picks. So definitely nothing like that's been done before. And that is an awful lot of picks to do something like that in that round. Um, but I think the reason that you don't see it done is not necessarily because it's not a, a potential smart process for teams to do it in. I think you don't see it done a lot of times because most drafts aren't somewhat, to me, in my opinion, built like this draft is number one. But number two, what I've really built that arsenal of picks off of, Kurt, is moving out of five at the top of a draft. And if teams are going to move out of that five place, they're going to tend to move out of that five place or move out of that top five pick and move way back. It's, it's going to be to accumulate really those future draft picks, the future first, the future seconds. You're not going to see as much pairing everything directly to that year's draft. And if you have a team that's committed to move back a couple of times, and I would argue that, Kurt, if you have a team that's picking up at the top of that draft, they don't have sort of the built-in goodwill of Schneider to be able to have the, the, the sort of the stones to move back that many times and know that they're not going to be questioned by ownership. But I think in John, he knows he can move back those times because the town of the draft, once I move back even to nine, uh, the guy I'm getting at nine is not that different than the guys we saw at, that I got at 16 and can't see, you know, can't see in the level of player I got at nine was not a big difference, but there might be one guy like a Quentin Johnson, the Packers want to move up for or something there. Right. And so that, that draws them to come up or another team to come up at that point. But that's on the backbone of what allows it to happen really is the majority of those picks come from there. And the two picks we already have built in from the Broncos in our own. I mean, that, that right there is basically four of those picks in that. So you already have two to start things off, which kind of gave you that head start on a little bit, but that's the, that's the benefit of being able to move back in that way. But it's also such a unique position that most teams just don't have. If they move back that many times, Kurt, I feel like they'd be very highly questioned by their ownership for doing so. But then this, our ownership won't because I think he Shiner can go to Jody and be like, look, the, this is, this is a weakened draft. Once we get outside of the first, you know, really five picks or, or eight picks, it's like, it's just not there. You know, we can, they're good guys. There's some solid guys here, but they're all in the same kind of um, mix of talent, you know, talent level, potential, all that. Brian, who's in for trying to sign Jason Kelsey's a free agent? He ain't going to leave the Eagles, my guy. There's no way he's leaving the Eagles. Clamp God, we ain't scared of Lance either. How did the trading three first and two seconds work out for you? Or, oh, you're talking to Denver. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, we got some trolls in today. Was it my thumbnail? Thumbnail bringing out the trolls. I love it. Diego donated though. You're not a troll, Diego. If you donate, you're not, not a troll at that point. Maybe troll in the chat. Garth, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. I do appreciate you. Says uh, at Megan is like a defensive back in the chat. She says she's leaving, which baits the trolls and then steps in for the pick six. <laughs> I love that. That's a great metaphor. I love it. Uh, these Aussies are slick. Uh, I love it, Megan. Let's go. She's got that footwork, Garth. You know, she can swivel with the footwork. I love it. You got to be reactive when you're a cornerback, you know? She gets in that drop and then puts that foot down, plants it, and goes. So, we, she, she, we, we got a lively one with some folks in here today, Megan. I don't know what it was. I think my thumbnail was something about my thumbnail. <laughs> Must have caught some folks. <laughs> oh, Lordy. That's hilarious, Garth. Uh, Megan setting up those quarterbacks, setting up those trolls like that. Can't think there's a space open. Nope. Shut. Gotcha. Um, Chase, another $10 donation on top of the Fiverr, man. Thank you for the double dono, brother. You're very kind. Very, very kind. Says if Pete retires next year, is there any candidates that catch your eye? That's a good question. Admittedly, I've never really done the deep dive of of who's out there as far as uh, a really, you know, great coaching prospect that's out on that market that is a younger guy maybe that I need to be more aware of that's on the rise and people are really like, this is the next guy. Um, I, I do gravitate now that Peyton's off the board to kind of the second guy I've always sort of looked at that's going to eventually come back to the NFL at some point, and that's Harbaugh with Michigan. Um, I think that he would be a guy that that certainly to me would um, would be interesting to add him here, uh, and I'd be in favor of that. Um, I'd like to see how Lincoln Riley continues to progress as a USC coach. I think that he has um, a lot of upside and potential. I don't think that he's necessarily quite there to be ready to be an NFL coach yet, but he definitely is, I think, in the, you know, he, he's in the lane on his way. Um, beyond that, it does get a little bit lean for me as far as having good options. If Mike Tomlin was ever to head out of Pittsburgh, that you know, if that becomes a situation that doesn't last, that'd be somebody that I would take a look at. But aside from those guys, I don't have a lot of great, great other options. Um, there isn't just a, you know, ton of guys sitting on the open market that just make a lot of sense as, as sort of no-brainer kind of options out there. I'd have to do more of probably a real look into who is the hot assistant coaching commodities on the rise you know, like your Desai type was, you know, last year, you know, who's that guy coming up? And I don't know yet right now on that one, Chase, I don't. But I think Harbaugh would be great if you have a Super Bowl-ready team already, you know, you're not just building something, and he's ready to come in and get the most out of that team. I think he could. Um, and this this might be an attractive spot for him at that point if you could kind of uh, offer that, especially if he had his quarterback already in place here, you know. So it wouldn't be the most popular among Seahawks fans. There's a lot of people who hate Harbaugh, and I get that. But uh, from my standpoint, I think he just, I think he is a quality head coach. Um, and I think he did some really good things with the Niners at the pro level. You know, I, I thought as, as much as he's done good work for at the college level, I do think he's kind of a good, uh, I, I like, I like the areas he brings as a pro coach. You know what I mean? But I'll try to keep my eye a little more chase on guys that might be a little bit more jumping out to me that I hear about. They're like, how about though? Maybe this guy over here, you know, maybe that guy over there, you know, uh, 
Garth with another $5 donate. Thank you, Garth, for all the donations. It says, uh, if and when Pete retires, he'll sit alongside Ryan Seacrest on Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve, being excited to see the newest boy bands perform. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He's earned his retirement at that point, Garth. He can he can do whatever he wants at that point, you know. I don't know if he leaves the, uh, you think he goes back to California? I don't know. I think he, I think he uh, Garth, I think he stays Pacific Northwest. I think he probably just kind of hangs out. I think he's going to want to still, even when he's retired, Garth, he's going to want to like be around the facility and still come check things out, you know. There's no way you're keeping Carol, I would think not, uh, you know, away for long periods of time with that. <laughs> yeah, hey, Dick Clark, Pete Carroll, forever young, Garth, right? The ageless ones, they who do not age. <laughs> uh, get them chat get them Niner fans <laughs> uh, for those listening in we're having some lively 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 discussion down there on the uh, chat with some of these Niner fans goodness gracious Yeah, we got trolls in the chat and I'm sure you're making my mods spin in circles trying to keep up with your stuff. Like, yeah, I understand that trolling's fun and all that. You're free to do it, but we're definitely, as far as the Seahawks channel and me here in particular and most folks who come into this chat, we're really not in that lane of football fanship. I mean, you can provoke people and push people out with it if you want and it's it's whatever it is with it, but it's certainly not something we're trying to roll with here really. You know, we're trying to have good, honest football discussion. I mean, I'll talk to a Bronco fan about your team and no no shade thrown just let's talk let's talk personnel let's talk the team you know it doesn't accomplish much with the just throwing stuff at each other kind of thing you know but i understand that's a little bit of the way on the normal online mode of some channels with that Red Ace says, how high would you take Mozzie Smith? I know last Davis went in the first. Not sure where Travis Jones was drafted. Travis Jones was a third rounder, Red Ace. I, I think that uh, Mozzie's not got the upside offered of Jordan Davis, who went last year in the mid-first. Um, and he's closer aligned to Travis Jones to me. I think he's probably a mid to late second rounder to maybe even early third. He doesn't give you a lot as a pass rusher. So, you know, I love him as a run stuffer. I drafted him in my mock. I think he's the best zero tech run stuffer maybe in this draft. And that's going to provide value. He does give you a little bit as far as a pass rusher, just doesn't give you much. Uh, and I don't think he offers a whole lot of upside with that either. But um, he is a wall in the middle of a defense. And we do have to, at the at the forefront of this offseason, look at 
you know, not only improving our trenches, but getting better at stopping the run. Megan says, uh, Pete is the same age as my dad when he passed away six years ago. So please wrap Pete in a bubble, wrap and keep him safe. Exactly. Well, it's hard to keep Pete in the bubble, Megan. He keeps kicking, you know? Diva Martzell says, they're saying it is Kim. Oh, wow. Megan says, Pete's like Ollie on scooters. That's for sure. He's got that youthful energy. Why do I say Seattle many times trades down in the first, but if Seattle's stuck for cross at nine, you wouldn't think they would stick for Carter or Anderson at five. If they do trade down, I think it's for a big haul. Uh, no, no, I do definitely think it's a possibility. They just stand pat and take who they take there. Why do I? I do. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, I, I certainly would probably present maybe a little bit more presentation to do on this would be to say, well, here's what I think John Schneider's likely to do, you know, to make this happen. Um, and you might be right that that would be what they do, but do remember with that, that picking of Carter last year and, and that really great article that we saw that that's still available online that was written by, I think it was boiling that got us a chance. Why do I to be able to see what there was going on in the draft room? And at the time, at the time in the draft room, when they were, when they were still having picks before them at nine, they were putting some feelers out there about trading up, um, you know, or trading down. Um, both of those were options that were on the board. They just didn't get what they wanted. And so I think that they're going to be open for business with this, but you're also right in that I think it's going to take quite a big haul in order for them to, you know, make that move at that point, especially if they have an elite talent on the board like a, a Carter or like an Anderson. Um, but I do like the thought process of collecting a lot of second round picks and just building that core up out of this draft from that more than any one guy at the top of the draft. Really absent Carter, but then even with Carter, there's those character question marks that, you know, now have risen a bit more and pa- get provide a little bit of pause potentially. But um, if they want to go that route, I wouldn't be against it. Kurt Bernard says 71 is the new 55. There we go. Megan says, I wanted to be Pete and John, but my anxiety wouldn't have, would have had me burst into tears in front of them, which would have had me crawling into a hole. <laughs> That's right. David says, we need the linebacker position addressed, but I haven't heard you or Brendan talk about Trenton Simpson much. Is he just not that good? No. No, he's good. I think it's a timing thing. I can't speak for Brendan on this one, David, but I, I, for me, it's a timing thing in the draft for where Trenton Simpson will go. And so if I do like I did in my proverbial scenario where I move back a couple of times and end up picking around 14, 15, 16, that would be the theoretical place that you would take a Trenton Simpson. But if I have Kalijah Kansi sitting there on the board in front or a Brian Breezy, I'm probably going to go for the defensive lineman over the middle linebacker at that point. They're, it's, big, it's more of a need and they're, they're, they're maybe even, if not better, they're at, very, at the very least equivalent players as far as talent level to Simpson at the middle linebacker position. 
There's a big question with, with Trent Simpson when it stands on this that's very important. And that's, you go back to the 2021 tape and he looks great, but he's really running out. He's really doing what he's doing from the outside. It's a lot of edge rush stuff. It's a lot of, you know, him him basically kind of flowing all over the defense a little bit. And when they moved him now, David Moore, to the middle linebacker role this year, it was a bit more of a mixed bag. He wasn't quite as impactful. He was kind of still learning the position there a little bit. He's got the physical tool set that's elite and that we'll see him drafted in the first round. But if I've got a little bit of those questions and then I've got the Cansey there or Breezy there instead, I I I think you... You go with the defensive tackle and rather in that realm of it. Uh, even if we talk about 20, David, and we're sitting there and it's it's a Breezy or a, or a Simpson, I think that there's a draw to take Simpson there, but you really got to hammer the defensive line, I think, first and foremost. And you can come back and get a middle linebacker talent in the second or third round, David. You're not really going to be able to come back into the second or third round, and at least in the late second round and third round, and probably get uh, that kind of talent of a defensive tackle. Uh, you know, is, is there a big difference, David, in Daniel, Dan Henley, who I get in the mid-second round, to Trenton Simpson at the end of the day? Not really. Pretty pretty close from a player standpoint there. Um, and, and in certain respects, Henley might have some better attributes to him at times. Um, it's just that with um, Simpson, he provides the pass rush ability off the edge. So I'm not anti him, but I, I do think that there's it, it's just the way the, the draft kind of unfolds a little bit. Dreamforge Contractors says, live stream every other night. You're a legend, B. Hey, my pleasure, man. That's the hope here is that we eventually are able to do this uh, just about every day. So uh, that's, the, uh, that's the goal. That's the, uh, the vision. And I'm marching towards it. Brian says, how could we do a, f- a fan round one mock during a stream? Sounds fun, eh? Yeah, I think the way we've got to do it is I would have to do... I'd have to open up the Discord channel first and foremost because if we're going to run, if we're going to run, uh, you know, if we're going to run a um, poll, I got to run a poll with like all of the potential names that we can pick in those spots. So I'm going to try to set something up like that, but that's the way we're going to have to do it is that people are going to have to operate off of that because if with the YouTube polls, you can only run four options which makes it a little bit tough when we're talking about a pick of, okay, here's our pick, you know, I'll take these four options and, you know, you, you're just not getting much. We can kind of maybe do some creative ways around it, but I think I'd have to do something like that. I'll try to set something up with that, Brian, that's a little in, in, before the draft, something we can put in place with that. I wish YouTube would just give you more options, you know. Chris says, I think, they, I think they take their first four picks, but might trade the first, but that's it. Could be. And again, this is a this is an offseason for my Kurt. This is just my dream offseason. Might not be the way they go, but they could absolutely go the way I went if they wanted to. Um, but I get what you're saying. That might be the, that might be likely. Uh, Megan says, can I have some Howard for my nerves B? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls strap yourself into your seat because this Seattle Seahawks team is about to launch like a rocket into the stratosphere into this offseason of promulgation exacerbation and delineation they will come to find themselves at the top of the heap best of the pops the best and most elite team within this NFC structure after this offseason do 
to the cantankerous, indubitable spirit of John Schneider and his ability to work like a warlock from the Renaissance era. The magic that was once castigated as dark and would see men burned on the stake. John throws caution to the wind, money to the fire, draft picks to the future to round out the Seattle Seahawks team into a Super Bowl contending squad for the 2023 NFL football season. There we go, Megan. That was not, that was not bad today. He's feeling good. He's got his team ready to hit the Nas button. Let's go, Mr. Diesel. Appreciate you, Megan, though. <laughs> Hopefully ours are right today. Uh, Trung Du, thank you for the $2 donation, Trung. I appreciate you. Very kind of you. Uh, Garth, uh, Garth Knight with another $5 donation. Thank you, Garth. Uh, it says, Niner fans, I sent Brando the autographed Ricky Waters 8x10. Both our fanboy, both our fanboy, both our fan bases enjoyed his talents. We're all in this together. <laughs> sounds, sounds like the Niners are firing some shots at us today. Don't make no mistake about it right now. You know what happened is last night, some of the Niner content creators, they gassed up all the Niner fans with some Lamar Jackson top. We all know right now what they're going through right now, right? Where you have, you have basically a nightmare scenario if you're a 49er team where you have a Super Bowl ready squad but you have a complete, I mean, I'm talking, you know, they talk about that garbage pit that's swirling around in the Pacific that's the size of Texas. And that's kind of like what the 49er quarterback situation is right now. And so, you know, that's going to cause you to get emotional and be drawn in a lot of different ways, you know, and you're going to, and then they, they start inward in themselves. They're attacking each other. And so somebody brought up Lamar last night and we're going to trade Lamar for Nick Bosa. What are you crazy? And they're, they were going at it. So now there's been all that fighting between them. And now they're just, they go to their second place. Now they you know they go to their second attacking spot, which is of course us. You know, I mean, you know, they're coming at us next. That's just that it's just what they do. You know, they try to kick the dog. We always, we always duck up out the way, but it doesn't stop them from trying to still kick, you know? So they're going through some, they're going through some intense emotions right now, you know? Garth, they definitely are. But uh, yeah, we both had Ricky Waters. I'm going to say that he was more ours though, just because I would like to flame the Niner fans a little bit more today. So he's ours more than he's yours, you know? As far as I'm concerned, if he goes into the Hall of Fame eventually on the Veterans Committee, then, you know, Seahawk helmet. Yeah. Sorry, Niners. Shouldn't have given him up. How about that? You valued him so much, don't let him go. Hmm? <laughs> Just a rock star. And thank you, Garth, for all the donuts, brother. But thank you as well for the, the autographed Ricky Waters deal. Man, that was awesome of you, bro. Justin Rockstar with a $2 donation says, what free agent linebacker would you take? No Bobby. Okay, so I absent, I can't, I can't bring back Bobby Justin. You're saying who would be the guy that I would look to jump on top of? Um, I think I would go one of three different routes. Um, I think I would look to lean back to Levante David as option one. If not Levante David, then I'm going to look to spend probably the big money at that point and going after Tremaine Edmonds uh, from Buffalo. And if Tremaine Edmonds proves too costly, then my third option would be to go back to Pratt the Cincinnati linebacker is a little bit of a less costly, not quite as good option 
at that point is a third. So I would go one, two, three like that. And if not those three guys, Justin, we're SOL. Because <laughs> it's not, a, it's, it's not, I mean, it, at that point, it's like Denzel Perryman, you know? Some, if you're going for some just kind of mid, very, very, very mid kind of linebacker on a cheap deal, just trying to, just trying to basically tread, tread across the water until Jordan Brooks eventually comes back at that point. But those would be my three I'd go with, if not Bobby. Thank you for the donation, though. Uh, Trung Du, uh, thank you for another $2 donation. I appreciate the double donation, Trung. Says, top three scenarios at five. Carter, Wilson, or Anthony Richardson as the third. So we've got Jalen Carter, Wilson, top three scenarios. Yeah. I Trung, I think you're right on the button. You're, that's right with it, man. There's... If you're not, if we're not saying that there's an option there to move back, you got to pick who's there, who's likely to be there at that point. Be real and being realistic. And I think in your proverbial scenario, you're being real realistic. Uh, those are the three guys that I would be looking at mainly at that spot. That that's who you jump on there. Um, you know, depending on which one we value more. And so, uh, I, I any of those three guys we walk away from at five, very happy with that. You're, you're not reaching for a player. You're not grabbing for somebody who doesn't deserve to go there. You're not getting a guy who doesn't have crazy high upside. You're not going for some high floor, safe player there at the position then. You're going for the big swing. You're trying to put it up in the second deck. And that's what I'd love to see. And if you're going to pick high, if you're going to make that selection, if you're not going to move back, then, then swing from your heels as far as I'm concerned. And certainly those three guys would be swing for your heels kind of uh, draft pick selections, Trung. Thank you, though, for all the donations. I really do appreciate it. Why do I says, what's more likely, a tight end or wide receiver round one or two? Uh, JSN is my ideal pick at 20 and can be a big impact game one. And that's, uh, of course, John, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba that he's talking about. Um, I think why do I it absolutely is more likely that it's a wide receiver slash. I would even tell you why do why that wide receiver is probably the pick um, absent the Hawks making some move at tight end, some other place. They, they, they're not going to roll with four tight ends on the active roster. And that's why I had Noah Fant being moved for saving the six and $6.8 million is because of the fact that, um, you know, it is because of the fact that you have to make that move to then go pick a tight end. I don't think you can take one and, and roll with four on the roster at that point, unless you're committing to making Noah Fand a wide receiver, you know. Um, so I think wide receiver certainly is probably the more likely one. And that also is one that why do I, when you're running the mock simulators and you're running through the different potentialities here, you arrive at the pick 20, for instance, and you're likely looking at maybe the second best wide receiver in this entire draft when you're at sitting and looking at that selection, which you know could, would only then draw you that much more likely if you're operating from a BPA, best player available, to then taking the receiver. That could be very the most highest rated guy you have on the board. And there is a need here with Jackson because of the fact that he's a slot-only guy and you have a needed slot right now. But of course, the last part of this is that you're making that pick, acknowledging at that point that Eskridge is done and that you're kind of out on him because Eskridge is also only a slot guy. So that's the one thing that that pick would inform you of if you do make that selection is neither of those two guys are playing on the outside at the NFL level. I could see it. I could definitely see it. 
John Catalano says, I want to trade down and take Kalijah Cansey. Well, John, you and I are of like mind. That's exactly what I did in my trade down scenario. I moved down twice, grabbed myself Cansey with that pick right off the top, right off the top of the stack. I went, give me my Cansey. Give me my Cansey. Greg Kemp says, why are people still trying to hype Michael Mayer to the Hawks when every tight end on the Hawks roster has 33 or 34 inch long arms and Mayer has only 31 inch long arms? People have been really high on Mayer oddly to me for a while now, Greg. I, I do see him as a late second round guy because he's got a very good, well-rounded skill set. But I, I, I've when you look at especially how he ran at the combine and whatnot, you kind of go, what did he put up? It was pretty like a really slow time, wasn't it? 4740 at 6'4. Um, so, yeah, and 32 and a half inch vert, 118 broad. So, explosive numbers aren't, weren't there with the, you know, 166 10 yard split. He, he just doesn't give you any kind of burst or speed that you would like ideally from the position. But a lot of people do love him. I, I don't know why, though. I think, I think people just kind of fell in love with him early in the process on that, Greg, you know? Megan says, love Coach Riley. He smiled and waved at me at the Trojans games. I went to LA. I went to an LA. You know, I've been big on him, Megan, and I'm going to track that guy. That's one of those young coaches I do kind of monitor on seeing his progress and what he continues to do. Um, but he is a, he's definitely on my radar as we go into the future. Ethan Urban Meyer. I'd probably stay away from Urban. Mr. Isaac, good evening, Brando, in Hawaii right now. Go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks. I got to get over to my, uh, I got to get over to my mom out there in Hawaii. It's about time. Megan says, Coach Riley said he loved my accent, but he's second in my heart to the silver-headed God. <laughs> Fallen Delta, what about Shane Waldron as the next head coach? Uh, yeah, I guess I need to see a little bit more from him, Fallen. He's, he's laying some groundwork. He's shown some things, but I need to see a little bit more. John Catalano says, uh, Kalijah Kansi is potentially almost as good a prospect as Carter at defensive tackle, maybe better. What do you think? Um, I don't put him as better, John, um, but you have to understand with me and Cansey, I'm, I'm extremely high on Carter. Um, that's my number one prospect in this draft from how I see it. Absent the character stuff on pure raw talent, that's just where I see Carter. I don't think that you're wrong in the first part of what you said with this, is that he's almost as good a prospect as Carter for different kind of reasons and how he wins. Um, the echoes of him to Donald are not lazy comparisons. They're very apropos, and those guys have more in common than they have discommon. But I don't think he's quite to that. He, does, he doesn't have the power and the length that Donald has. That's the two missing quotients within Cansey's game. He might have everything else, but those are the two parts that aren't quite there as much. All that being said, I have Cansey John as my number two defensive tackle on my board. So, you know, when we talk about whenever we get to the point, John, of trying to, to pull apart the prospects that are at this close of a level, at this high in the draft, you know, we're, we're really at that point not not nitpicking, but you know we're just we're splitting hairs a little bit. You know he deserves to be right there with with Carter in many respects. I just like Carter a little bit more, but as, as I did in my mock here, John, and as you can see in this mock over over here on my shoulder, I traded down twice. Cansey was the first guy I went with, so you know there's there's no doubt about it that that is when it comes to this draft that was my certainly a guy that I looked to target. And when I was sitting there at 15, that was the value on the board. And I think John, if you traded down twice, he would be there. Because here's where you get the upshot of his slight arms. If Cansey has 33-inch long arms, he's guaranteed to be a top 10 pick. At 30 and a half inch arms, now I can get him at 15. 
And and that's I think that's that's the rub. Caleb Yost says, top options for Seattle to pick five or take Carter or trade back for a future first if you can. Well, that's what I did, man. Carter wasn't there on my board when I was picking, so I moved my, I moved my tail back a little bit. Nate, Dan Quinn. I'm not as high on Dan Quinn as kind of others are, Nate. Um, I mean, he, he had a solid first run with Atlanta, but I'm not quite there. And um, I, I would really probably prefer bringing in an offensive-minded coach moving into the future. I think it's the easier way to win in the NFL is having an offensive-minded guy. And he'd fit in, Nate. I mean, Dan Quinn would be a fit here. He knows the area and stuff. But if you look at the NFL teams that, that are winning right now predominantly, you know, the defensive-minded head coaches are not doing as well as the offensive-minded head coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not quite there with Dan on that. I'd want to go for, I think, a bit bigger swing if we moved on. Seahawks Blue and Greens, does anyone else think Lamar Jackson should sit out the season until week 10 and screw the Ravens season unless they trade him or give him a long-term deal? I know Megan probably does. Yeah, I... I can't really uh can't really fault Lamar at this point if he's got to play some dirty tactics in this situation um I'm not really sure what the Ravens are kind of doing to be honest with you and maybe it's just a matter of the fact that the Ravens can't get any really true value for him as far as they see it because whatever team trades for him knows they got to pay him that contract and nobody wants to pay the guaranteed money he wants and so it just doesn't allow for a deal to be able to happen at that point but you know, the guy won an MVP for you. He's won the games. You you should have already have paid him by this point. You waited kind of a year longer. I sort of feel like Lamar last year was sitting out at the end when he could have played. Like if Lamar has a contract last year and the Ravens at the end of the year, you know, if he's in year one of a new deal, do you guys think he sits out the end of that season? Or do you think he goes out there and plays in that playoffs? You know, and if it's come to that point where the Ravens are hurting them own, their own self in that by by insisting on that value back that they get in some kind of deal... That's that's where you got to kind of the S or get off the pot, you know. And and they're not they're not really choosing to do one or the other here a little bit. This is about the this was a bit echoes of the game Dallas was playing with Dak, where it's just like, well, we really like him, we don't like him so much, we want to pay him, but we really like him. And I get that the whole guaranteed money throws this stuff askew, but you you come down to it, you have a year, two years, three years to decide on this. Like, make your decision, go and pick a pick a direction with this. I think he eventually gets moved here and he's not going to get as much draft capital back for the Ravens as they would like. But all that being said, you know, um, we're hearing more about, about a lot of these teams just being out on Lamar that they just don't want to pay that kind of money. Which I get. I get. You could be looking at Lamar right now going, his best days are done and he wants $250 million guaranteed. You know? People are saying like, oh no, it's a, I'm hearing a lot of talk about it being like uh I, especially a lot of these former players are tweeting this out that it's collusion. Oh, the NFL owners are colluding. Da, 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 da. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. 
Deshaun Watson got paid a stupid contract by Jimmy Anslem with the, the Cleveland Browns owner. And, you know, this is the fallout of that. You know, he made a dumb decision. So all the rest of the owners, by their measure, should make a dumb decision because he's put, he's now created the, you know, he, he's created as, as a regularity now rather than something that's completely looked at and viewed as silly and stupid and dumb. And in retrospect, after the year of Deshaun Watson there, looks even more dumber. Dumb at the time and dumb in retrospect. Um, and it's something that Lamar's chosen to insist on getting as an equivalent. So I get Ravens saying they don't want to pay him, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to come off your first and second round pick and just understand you you stretch this out already a year too long. You probably, if you wanted to maximize the, re, the returns, you should have done it last year. You got to know at the right time to move the guys. And they've, they've kind of lost that thread a little bit in this situation. And it's going to come to a head real fast. Uh, John Catalano says, I'm determined to get my collage cancer question answered. How do you feel about trading down from five and taking him? And, and John, I'm really sorry about, um, I'm behind on the chat a lot. I usually have well over 300 people in here. And so it does, it does put me well behind the chat sometimes as uh, we get a lot of questions and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, as you can see here, this was my mock draft today. You can see it in my thumbnail for this video. I had, um, I had our Hawks trading down twice and taking Kansi at 15. That was my, that's my move. I think you and I are in complete alignment as far as how much we value this guy and, uh, and think of him. Love him. I, I would be highly in favor of doing it. I don't want to take him at five, John, but I'll definitely take trade back a couple times and do, do it from there. You know what I mean? Uh, Trung Du, thank you for another $2 donation. Says, best player available at 20. Give me Bijan. I want Anthony Richardson, DK, K9, Anthony Richardson equals wow. Hey, he does equal wow. Um, it would be hard, Trung, if you go five a Anthony Richardson, if you go AR there, and then you were to go Bijan at 20 because you got to deal with the defensive line at some point and going offense twice like that might be a little bit hard. Um, I don't think Bijan lasts till 20 either. I think he's probably a top 15 player where he's picked in this draft coming up. Um, but if you get him at 20, that'd be great value if you could pull off there at that. And I love both of those two guys. So uh, I love I love your picks as far as the two players, for sure. I do think they're going to try, Trung, though, to make three of the first four picks minimum be applicable to the defensive side of the ball. And I, I can see him taking one offensive guy. I don't know if I could see him taking two, though with how much they've got to kind of take care of on, unless they just completely address it in free agency, the defense. But uh, that'd be a tough crew, tough, tough crew to uh, defend. If you had a, uh, Anthony Richardson, DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, Tyler Lockett, tight ends you got across the board. Good luck on that one, huh? Good luck. Thank you though, Trung, the $2 donation. Garth, uh, appreciate the five dollar donation man thank you for all the donos bro on, on the chat man he says brando where is jalen carter going on these pff mocks are the mocks adjusted to the current news no not yet garth i think the pffs are not really sure of where the adjustment lies and i'm not sure either you know does he drop to the 20s does he just have a couple drop spot from potentially being a one two three guy to now being a seven eight nine guy which kind of feels about right to me, Garth. Like that feels like maybe around where he'll now fall to a bit. But my feeling on this feels a little bit like if he got to the Lions at six, I just don't see the Lions passing on Jalen Carter. So I feel like that's his minimum floor point of going there. 
I could be wrong on that, but no, it's he was up um, in, in a lot of my mocks. That I ran a couple of different little mocks, Garth, and he still goes in the top five on mine on that. So they they haven't built in the uh, the racing devaluement yet for Jalen. But I, like I said, I understand why they haven't too. So I, I don't know if you can exactly accurately pinpoint where's where's that spot that he's going to fall to. How far is that fall going to happen? Is it going to happen? I mean, do do some NFL teams look at it, Garth, and they go, well, it's two misdemeanor tickets. You know, young kid, blah, 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 most talented player in the draft. Let's call it a day. And that's where I think kind of teams end up going to with it, Garth. I mean, that's where I think they end up just going, boom. Yeah. Let's take it this way with it. Garth, thank you for all the donations. I appreciate you. Soon Soon says, I think John Schneider says no to Carter at five. Remember his character comments? I do. And I think that you're valid in applying them here. Um, it depends on what they, I think they look, how they view Carter. I and mean, we all have a viewpoint on him at this point with what we've been, had reported to us. But where does the team sit with that at this point is a bit of, is a, is a big question here. Um, and I don't know that that part is certain yet. But uh, that could be something that certainly he drops him down their boards or takes him off their boards by some of what he said in the past and certainly with the history of Malik McDowell and, and his um, sordid past. Jeffrey Nicholson says, who do I think pays the big bag for Lamar? Oh boy, hard to say. I, I mean, I, I'd love to be able to make a better prediction on this, Jeffrey, because of the fact that uh, you'd start to hear teams out there rumoring the round saying, hey, we're, uh, this team's interested in him. That team's interested in him. Instead, what you're hearing is the opposite. This team is unwilling to pay all this money for him. That team is unwilling to pay all that money for him. You know, it, teams are getting hung up on this, this bag situation being, you know, Lamar wants the Deshaun Watson contract. The league views the Deshaun Watson contract as absolutely dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb on so many levels. And especially if you're going to apply the Deshaun Watson contract to a quarterback of the type of Lamar who has a very high risk of injury of, you know, you, you give a guy that money guaranteed and they have an injury that destroys their career. You've, you sunk your team for not a year. We're talking years, years. So who's the team that, that does decide to eventually come and, 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 you know, jump on that grenade a little bit. I don't really know. I don't really know. It's going to have to be a team that's going to have first an owner with the purse strings. So you're not going to get one of these cheaper franchises out there that doesn't want to spend money. I've long thought Atlanta is the team that makes kind of the most sense when it's all said and done. Um, or Miami, if the Ravens can come down off their asking price. But remember with Miami, they don't have a first round pick. I don't even, do they even have a second round pick right now? I know they don't have a first round pick. I think they have a second round pick, but you know, you might be in a position of half to accept two second round picks in a, for Lamar, you know, two seconds in a future one or something. But that'd be my two teams that I think would be the likely ones. Brian's a scenario. Carter there at five, but then we trade down to a team really high on him and add some draft picks this year and next. I could see it, Brian. 
both that and a quarterback, you know, causing the team to want to come up and do it at that point. So I could. I think John's looking at that fifth pick with a with a very stark eye towards wanting to see a trade happen and move back and to get the future first round pick in the next year's draft and to keep this Russell Wilson trade ball rolling on into the future. The trade return ball rolling. Risen says inside linebackers haven't been going that high in recent drafts. I feel a top inside linebacker would be taken not before pick 20. It's possible. And there's only going to be, even if there is one that goes that high, there will only be probably one middle linebacker taken in the first round, Risen. I would be surprised to see there more than that. There will be taken one, but it, it could be, it, it's hard to say where Trent Simpson goes exactly. You know, fifth, he'd go anywhere 15 to 28 wouldn't shock me. Megan says, I won't be able to join the mock as I can't use Discord. We might, I might try to find a different way if I can, Megan, to um, potentially apply it. Maybe I'll uh, see if I can maybe post some polls through the community post. YouTube just needs to give you more options on that one, you know? Gar says, by the way, I saw Kemp is allegedly involved in that Tacoma situation. Crazy. That is crazy. I hope it's not true. I hope it's not him. Seahawks bleed, uh, Seahawks blue and green. If I were the Jets, I would lean towards Lamar over Rodgers. I could, I guess you could make an argument for that. I, I could be probably talked into that. Um, Yeah, my, my my issue really doesn't come down if if you got if we just got to make this judgment on Lamar the player that'd be one thing, but it's the it's Lamar coming with that I want two hundred and fifty million dollars of guaranteed money in my contract, Jackson. That's the part of that that that's the hurt. That's the part that hurts. You might be giving up almost equivalent. You'll be at this point according to what we're hearing for the Ravens, Seahawks, Blue and Green. You've got to give up more draft capital than you're going to have to give up for Rodgers, and then you're going to have to pay more money than you have to pay for Rodgers. And more commitment into the future and more risk into the future. Um, like I said, you could talk me into it, but I can understand I can understand the Jets leaning in the other direction for some of that blowback in, in on the front side of that one. But John says, I know you don't like Madden, but you got to do a Hawks realistic bit rebuild. I'll track what they do this year, John. If they've got a, you know, it's just, it's, it's so not even in the vicinity of realistic. So it's like, I'd, we'd be, I'd be running trades where I'm like, well, it says we have here $60 million of cap space, but we actually have 10, <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll do something like that. I just, I didn't even buy last year's game, John. So I didn't even play last year's game. It's been, I just haven't enjoyed it the last couple of iterations I've bought of it even. I got to enjoy the game to buy it. Um, Red Ace says, I believe that this draft will be fundamental for any potential Super Bowl run. Give the new pass rush coach the Seahawks hired a bunch of rookies to develop. That's just what I did to my mock draft, Red Ace. I stacked up the defensive line, brought in an edge. Just what I'm looking to do. 
Ethan says, Brandon, my guy, in your dream offseason mock draft, you traded with the one and only Jerry Jones. What was that conversation like? Must have been intense. Oh, it was. It was. Jerry called me up. He said, hey, hey there now. Johnny boy, what you doing now? Hey, Jerry, I'm busy right now. What's, what do you need? We're, we're trying to make some trades. We've already made two of them in the first round. What, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're still picking in 20 now, right? Well, I mean, I am for now. I've, you know, I've got some calls here on the, on the line. I understand you got some calls here now, okay? Well, right now you're talking to the Cowboys. You can put them calls on hold, all right? Everybody waits for Jerry, okay, John? Okay, okay, Jerry. What, what do you need from me, man? I won't trade on up now, okay? I won't trade up, but I want you raking me over the coals now on this price, all right? I want, you tear, I want you to tear my ass open like an armadillo on the Texas concrete, okay? I want something nice and tasty as far as a deal for 2026. I just want six measly little spots. Come on, Johnny. What you say, Johnny? Give me that pick, Johnny. You're going to have to pay for it. Like I said, I'll give you uh, a, <clears throat> uh, I want a second rounder for six. S- second rounder for six? Come on now. Six spots for a second rounder? What do you think I am? You think you're talking Bush over here? I just, I'm Jerry Jones, okay? Come on now. Remember which Texan you're talking to here now, okay? This is Dallas Cowboys, America's team. You're going to fleece America's team? Why would you do that to us? Come on, Johnny. Why would you do that? It's not a fleece. If you want up here, you want that receiver, which I know you're trying to pick. How'd you know I want a receiver? You're very easy to predict, Jerry. I'm not that easy to predict. I'm not that easy to predict. You take a receiver in the first round like once every three years for the last 20 years. You're pretty easy to predict. Shut up, Johnny. Shut up. You go give us that pick or not now. Yeah, I'll give it to you if you pay the price. Okay, here's the price. First round pick this year, 26 overall in the first round, six spots back. And then a third round pick this year. How about that, John? How about a, fe- a first and a second? Damn it, Johnny. This is negotiations. This ain't negotiations. You're holding me over a barrel here. Well, you need a receiver, don't you? Yes, we need a receiver. What does that have to do with anything? Just give me the trade. So he was, he was flushed and flummoxed and hung up at that point on him. And John was just sitting there giggling, just laughing after the call. In fact, John, John lit up a cigar in the draft room at that point. Pretty, pretty incredible. Greg Kemp says, Kalijah Kansi has 30-inch arms like Lockett and is a three-tech and a four-three, so you're not only projecting he can succeed within, with limited arm length, uh, but also that he can play in a three-four. Where would he play in a Where would he play in a three-four to you? Yeah, I, the my my thought process on, on this is Greg. He's got about an inch and a half shorter arms than Aaron Donald, approximately. Right? When it all bell boils down to it's about an inch and a half shorter arms, thirty-two and a half versus thirty and a half, maybe two inches, I guess. So is two inches arm of difference for a skill set that's very equivalent off the board? Enough for me to negate a guy in a scheme of another guy of that size with that quickness skill set at the very least, who also is able to play not only within the, the, a three-four scheme, but within exactly the same three-four scheme that you currently employ. So that's what that boils down to, Greg. If we're talking about Cansey not being any kind of fit into this defense, and that 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 two inches less that he has than Donald, because Donald's shorter than thirty-three bites, like thirty-two and three-fourths or something, thirty-two and a half, whatever it is, but just barely shorter than thirty-three-inch long arm mark. So, you know, is that two-inch arm enough for me to be negated by that? To to distrust that, um, you know, to distrust that that ability of him to be able to do the same thing that Donald's been able to do as a three-four defensive end in this defense? No, it's not. I think he can. Um, I could be proven wrong like that. 
But I think that there are certain players who might have those short arms that have such a specialized, uh, such a, um, a highly talented other end of a skill set. And in, in Kansi's case, Greg, it's his explosiveness. It's his suddenness. You know, it's not just merely him being a little bit quicker and a little bit faster than the opposition across from him. It's him being two, three steps faster than that opposition across from him. And that he can negate that arm length by that quickness in very much, I think, at times the way that Donald is at times when he's been matched up against guys that might have 34, 35-inch long arms and he's down a couple inches and he's still able to not have that stuff necessarily impede him all the way. So it's a concern. At the end of the day, Greg, I'd like to most transition just back to a 4-3 defense. But I just couldn't come down to the bottom line for me, Greg, being two inches less in arm length than Donald means that that's now a guy that can't do it for a guy that did it, and again, did it in the exact same 3-4 defense that we currently run. That was just my, my lookout on it. Yeah, soon, soon, I think you touch on the, the bottom line here with it is perhaps there's a valid debate on both ways. I think there's a, a valid debate both ways with this. Um, I think soon, soon, your, your initial point on this is right, is that if we're talking about not what each of us personally think here, but if we talk about what we think is in John's head and where he's looking at the situation, having the recent Malik McDowell history happen here would definitely be a part of the process is going to be a little bit of a hesitancy applied. How much is applied? We don't know exactly, but certainly to some degree, some hesitancy to Jalen Carter's applied because of the recent Malik McDowell situation. And there's no way that John's not having that in the back of his head somewhere. Cause when John Schneider hangs him up, you know, when he takes off the guns and puts him up on the wall, you know, sits back unwinds and retires, he's going to look at the Malik McDowell pick as one of his greatest misses. Because he could have avoided it, because he could have, because he could have seen it coming. There are misses you have in the draft you can't see coming. The guys that just have a huge injury when they first walk in, or you just weren't aware of this or that aspect of him, he had no way of finding it out. And then you do, and then oh man, he ain't it. But when it comes to certain other guys, you can see it coming. So I think you're right. Since there's a there's a point to be applied here on both sides of it, and that's why I say that no matter what your opinion is on Carter, whether you're completely out on him or whether you're completely in favor of him, I say let's trust in the groundwork being done by our front office and their private investigators and their scouts and their connections and their contacts with the Georgia program and at the local Georgia scene. And let's let them do all of that groundwork and let them come out of it and make that decision. And if they should pass on them at that point, we'll understand that they've done that and there was a reason to do so. And if they don't pass on them at that point, then we'll know that they went and they looked at it and they said, look, this stuff is, uh, the stuff with the racing or the stuff with the work ethic stuff is not a good look but that is not who this kid is. We came to find out he is this is an actuality. And I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in whatever decision they come to find out with that, um, knowing that this is not one that they're going to get hit uh, on their heels. Because of the Malik situation, that's going to put them up on their toes here and have them doing every last bit of due diligence that they could be doing on the Jalen Carter situation. Sparing no expense, if you were, if you will. Garth says, oh man, if Ricky goes to the Hall of Fame with a hawk helmet, that'd be sick. That would be sick. <laughs> Wilbert says, y'all know we need to help our corner position because Woolen was the only one showing up. Well, I do technically in my mock draft help our corner situation out a little bit. I did take, 
I do take Makai Black, uh, Blackman uh, in the fifth round in my mock draft, Wilbert. And then I took Jamie Robinson, who's actually, he's listed as a safety, but he's also a really good slot corner as well. That would then move Kobe Bryant to the outside. So I've increased the outside corner by a couple of margins and I've upgraded my slot corner position. John Ruiz says, if Wagner returns, we need linebacker. Even if Wagner returns, we need linebacker help. Yeah, I'm. you guys, I'm on it. See, you guys can see how I was on it with my draft with this. So we bring back Bobby, as I proverbially say. And then in the second round, I took Dayon Henley. So took care of the linebacker core within it. Boom, 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 boom. Joker, uh, Leonard Floyd, linebacker from the Rams. Would I would I go after him? Ask Joker. Eh, not unless it was really a depressed cost thing, you know, where you're getting him for a, a real lightened price. I think he's probably going to be potentially moved by them at the end of the day. Um, I think both, he, they may have to cut him, but I think that they might find a trade suitor with him like they're going to probably find one for uh, Ramsey as well. Sanchez franchise tag lock. <laughs> What's up, Sanchez? Good to see you in the house, man. Jeffrey says, think of Anderson and Uchenna on each side. Hey, sign me up. Sign me up. Mr. Grub90, I celebrated my 51st birthday yesterday, and I was five years old when the Seahawks began playing. All seven of my kids gave me gifts related to the Seahawks, which tells me I raised them right. You did. You were a good, I don't need to know anything else about you as a father to know you were a good father, but that detail. Okay. So I right there, I know. You you did you did not only your your communal service as a father and, and having the kids right and ready to be a, a, a you know, contributing member of, of society. But you also in, indoctrinated them properly in the understanding of what they are as a Pacific Northwest child, what that entails, what that means. It's a burden. Make no mistake about it being a Seahawks fan. You, you wear a burden. Some fans get to go into a stadium and they just get to sit there and watch and just enjoy the action. They don't partake. They don't participate. They just stare, mouths agape, watching quietly as their defense struggles to wave their arms and get them louder. Not you. You've got to walk into a stadium and you've got to work. Your kids got to go in there and work. Their dad's birthday comes. They got to, got, they got to find creative Seahawk gifts to give because he's already got a lot of Seahawk swag. That's the reality of life. That's the reality of life of a 12, the Seahawk fan. It's a little bit more different out here up in the north. A little more different than you folks down there in the South. Just a little, little different. Uh, Ryan Ball. Brandon, can you do Chris Catan, A Night at the Roxbury? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I, I have to watch the bit again, but I could probably do it after I watch the bit again. It's been, it's been a while on that one. But I'll, let me watch, uh, I'll watch the YouTube on that one and see if I can uh, do that one. I used to do that one. I used to be able to do that one a little bit. Everybody used to do that one when it came out, you know. Do me that? You want that? Okay, okay. I can do that part of it, yeah. The little head bob. <laughs> Brian says Leonard Floyd might be a nice for gold price. Yeah, I mean, if you get for for a good price, you meant not gold, but good. Yeah, for a good price. But I am paying him, you know, market rate. It's got to be something. That's got to be a little bit of a we call it depressed value. 
Ethan said, screw it. If we trade Fant, I'd take Darnell at 20, especially since John Michael Schmitz had an underwhelming combine and we could more than likely get him at 37. Boy, I tell you what, like I often say about my chat, it's sometimes like we're on a little bit of a psychic uh, front with things here. You know what I mean? Because Ethan, look at my mock, you know? So my mock has me taking Darnell Washington at 37. My mock has me moving one Mr. Noah Fant here in a trade with the Lions. You know? So that's exactly what I do. And hell, even my mock even got John Michael Schmitz. You're mentioned in there as well. So I, I covered it all, Ethan. I got it all covered in my mock. Michael White says, Brandon, which three teams sh we should and shouldn't trade picks with if we don't trade? Which three teams we should and shouldn't trade picks with if we do trade? Sorry, I'm reading wrong tonight. God, they're turning just lexic tonight. Um... Um, which three teams should we trade with and which three teams sh shouldn't we? Well, that's a great question. Um, so if we're talking about really a trade, I guess, in the way you're meaning it, I suppose you mean by like the first round pick, I guess, is what you're kind of asking that by. Um, as far as like the team trading behind. So brand three teams we should trade picks with. So yeah, I guess you're meaning like, who's the team we trade back with and for a future first round pick that we're hoping that future first round pick is going to be tasty and you're going to have your you're going to land yourself a, a high high selection in a next year's draft and if i'm looking at us picking from five i think if you're targeting the raiders the panthers potentially the falcons if they were in play for doing it and if the if the Texans hadn't taken a quarterback early than the Texans and then even the Titans and the Jets, I know I, that's a long list of guys, but I mean, everywhere from 13, absent the Eagles, from 7 to 13, any of those teams I feel good about making the trade back with because I'm going to take my chances with any of those teams going into next year. I, I don't think the pathway is set for either the Falcons or the or the Panthers to be necessarily the front runners in that division next year. Um, the Titans are, are moving off from a variety of players. Sounds like they're trading Henry. If they were to make the trade, I certainly would trust in their first round pick the next upcoming year. If the Texans don't take a quarterback early on and we trade back with them, I'll trust in them not being good next year and that pick to be good. And uh, the same thing with the Jets in that division they find themselves with where Bills are tough. J uh, Miami's going to be tough. Looks like you never know if the Patriots are going to start to try to rise up a little bit. You know, and I know the Jets have been doing a pretty good job of filling out that roster overall, but you know, again, if I'm trading within these teams for them to end up with a rookie quarterback starting, and that's the key here with it, is not only do you have teams, Ethan, that are likely not to be good next year that you trade with to get that future first-round pick, you're trading with these teams who also are then going to be starting a rookie quarterback the next upcoming season, which to me doesn't exactly set them up for success, which then, again, opens everything up that much wider to the possibility of us having a really, really, really high pick in the draft. So I don't have a lot of teams that I'm I'm hesitant to want to move back in that fashion you'd have to be moving a lot further back in this draft if you're talking about uh, eagles or uh, you know the chargers or the ravens um you know jaguars i mean like these are the kind of teams like you're going way back in the first round if you're talking about moving back that far so i just wouldn't want to go with them but everybody back in the near distance to us let's go i'll do it i'll do it John Ruiz says, if Seattle doesn't fix the interior defensive line, it won't matter who is on the end. No, it won't. And I definitely dealt with that, John, in a big time fashion in my free agent period and my mock in this, in this scenario. 
Henry Locke wants to play now. Could we sign the commander's quarterback as a backup to Geno? We could, but I don't think that they're going to, I don't think that's likely to happen, Henry. With the money you're spending at quarterback already, you're going to want to go cheap with your secondary option. Cheap meaning probably a rookie um, more than anything else or a guy that's on a vet minimum kind of contract. Sanchez says, grab Stenson in the sixth, cheap and massive upside. I do that in the sixth, Sanchez. I do that in the sixth. I do it probably even in the in with one of the fifth round picks we have if they want Sanchez. John Catalano, I wish I could donate to this channel. I have literally zero dollars in my bank account. John, it's all good, brother. No worries. I as I always say, if you can donate, you can donate. I certainly ain't. You watching, hitting the like button, being subscribed, you're doing you're doing God's good work for me in that respect. And that that is all I ask for. If you can do that, then you're doing you're doing right by me, man. So I appreciate you watching. No worries. We're in a we're in a like quasi recession with insane interest rates and depressed salaries. Like I get it, I I get it. So no worries, man. Always remember, John. I love what I do on this. So it ain't it ain't nothing. It ain't work for me. Seahawks blue and green drafting Hen and Hooker would make a lot of sense. Just what I did. I had a lot of second round picks in my situation, but that's just what I did. Is grabbed Hendon in the late 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 second rounder. Blue and Green says Snyder will draft Hooker, calling it now. See, like I said, you guys, chat's, chat's like, what, well, these folks comment, haven't seen my stream yet on this, and I posted my, uh, my, my mock, so they're just reacting to it, but we're on point. We're right there with it, I'm telling you. Uh, Save the Geese says uh, Hooker is basically Geno Light. Yeah, I like that. I like that comp. That's right. Might have a little more more uh, that he gives as a scrambler, maybe a little bit, and then Gino a bit more as an arm talent guy. Hmm, like that. Brian Myers DTR no better than a fifth. Uh, Tyrod Taylor Light. I'd go fourth for him, Brian, but you're in the you're in the neighborhood. Um. Garth, uh, with another $5 donation. Thank you so much, Garth, for all the donations, man. It says, Brando, in a cat football draft, would you trade up to take Pumpkin at number one, being a right tackle, protecting a left-handed quarterback, or hope she slides? Um, you know, when you have this kind of special lovey cat, you, you can't, you got to grab that. You got to recognize the value of that, you know? It's, it, there's, there's definitely an inclination here to, you know, just try to stack up you know, draft capital and think you're going to still get it, but then you're going to find yourself missing out on this little bundle of orange love and joy. And if that happens, Garth, it's a tragedy. You know, there's certain people you got to come out of with the draft. There's certain players you got to come out of with the draft. And uh, I'm like Kevin Costner in draft day. I've written them down on my hand just so I keep me reminded. My hand's a little pumpkin. That's what's written, Garth. <laughs> Us lefties need those kind of orange cats for that protection, man. We need it. Appreciate you though, Garth. You're awesome, brother. And uh, I love that Ricky Waters deal you sent, by the way. It looks perfect on that back wall. Perfect. Spectre 7 has been a member of the channel for 16 long months. Thank you for that longtime support, Spectre 7. I really do appreciate it. He says, I'm glad I kept my membership progress. Thought I lost it. Oh man, I'm glad you did too. Sometimes you two can be a little bit weird with that if like card expires or they have you try to accept new terms. And if you don't, then they'll just kind of shut it off. But I appreciate you being a member for so long, man. 
I really do. I'm going to continue to try to keep adding on to these membership benefits and to all the members of the channel. I am just wrapping up about the next week or so. I'm going to draft, I'm going to draft draft guide 1.0, which is the draft guide with about the first 160, 70 names or so in there that'll be in there, the guys I've scouted the draft so far. And then I'll also be redrafting it with an update probably about a week before the draft. So look for your community post if you're a member of the channel as that will be dropped in. It's a pretty thick, it's going to be a pretty thick draft guide. So uh, strap in. I've, I've tried to really work on this one pretty good and, and uh, provide some expansive thoughts on this class. Mark Sanchez has been a member of the channel for four months uh, and uh, some big time support of the channel at that as well. Thank you so much for that, Mark. Says, hey, Brando, are you going to team up with Brendan for the draft? <laughs> um, maybe. I'm kind of, uh, yes. Well, I mean, we will be doing it like this. Um, so I think we'll be doing a post-draft coverage thing each day. Uh, I'm going to do my daily draft coverage, go through it, and then we'll do, pro then after I've done my stream, we'll probably be bouncing over to his or his, him bouncing over to mine. So we'll be definitely doing some in-the-moment draft coverage of the stuff on it. But when I'm on my draft day, like, for me, Mark, you know, I'm like, I'm locked in on draft day for just like what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm in on my, like I'm in my, I'm in my mode a little bit. So it's kind of hard where it's the, where I'll set this up. I'm, I'm going to be trying to have some graphics and I got my little sounds I want to play and stuff. So like, I'm kind of setting up with that where it'll be have my specialized stuff. But yes, I think the way we'll do it is each day we'll have a, a wrap up. Day one will be on one of mine and then day two on his and then day three on the other. So kind of roll it like that a little bit. So yeah, it won't be in the, it won't be live, Mark, in the in the uh, in the moment when it's going, but it'll be definitely on the day of. But thank you, man, for uh, all your support to the channel. I appreciate you. What's up, Mike Glennon? Good to see you in the chat. Uh, Jonathan Magana says Charles Chandler Zavala. Chandler Zavala. It's a great name. Chandler Zavala. Uh, Jonathan, I've written down that name. I'll uh, I'll track him, man. I'll take a look at him. I haven't I haven't had a chance to scout him yet. Big Country says I can I can sense Lamar's career ending soon at this pace. I don't know. You just got he's got to come down off that amount eventually, and understand nobody's paying two hundred fifty million guaranteed. In utero, this draft isn't just about next season. John Schneider, Pete Carroll, always thinking long-term success. We're drafting AR at five if he's there. Makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. Greg Kemp says, I'm taking Darnell Washington at 20 over every wide receiver considered to be a number one first-round pick in this draft. All the wide receivers in this draft are locket size, have under 32-inch arms, and aren't fast enough to make up for it. Beautiful take, Greg. Wonderful take. And uh, I would agree. I would agree with all that. If you took Darnell Washington in the first round, I'd be okay with it. He's one of my, one, he's one of my kind of top guys in this draft at the end of the day. And I can, I would definitely put a first round um, talent point on him. Uh, Jonathan Magana says, if Brian Breezy is available at 20, should we take him? Even if we get Carter or Wilson? Yes. Um, you can see in my draw, in my draw, my mock that I ran, I had us taking Cansey at 15, and then I did trade back off 20, but at 26, I was still able to get Brian Breesey. So I just to, even though it's a different from your scenario a little bit, I still did kind of what you're or what you're saying what I'd be willing to do, which is go back to back on that defensive line with the first two picks. And the answer on that one is you better bet your bottom dollar I would. So 
yeah, I would, I would certainly go that route. Even if it wasn't 26, if it was 20, I would still do that. I thought with my mock, I could drop back a couple picks and still get breezy, which I was able to do. Betty Slugs, what do you think about Anthony Richardson? What do you think Seattle, what do you think Seattle will go for at number five? I think Anthony Richardson's in play at number five, Benny. No doubt about it. I don't think that the team is simply blowing smoke right now. A lot of people would say, well, hey, they just had this meeting with them and they're, they're feigning interest in order to um, get teams to trade up and give more for them who might be in love with Anthony Richardson. There's really an outside chance right now. You're starting to even hear some scuttlebutt about the potential of Anthony even going higher than five, that he might be even a guy to go. Potentially, I know this, hold on to your... Hold your horses. He might actually be going number one in this draft. It's an outside chance, but there is some talk. There might be some team willing to move up to do that and make that move. If he's there at five and Seattle can pick him, Benny, I'm okay with it. I, I believe he's overall the most talented player in this draft. At the end of the day, he has the highest upside. So getting the highest upside quarterback at number five in a draft is great value, um, especially considering Geno's a little bit older and you, are, you do need to look towards the future of your quarterback position to some degree. Um, you don't just wait two years and be caught blindsided with no real options at play. So he's an option there. What do I think they'll do at that point, Benny? I, I feel like they're going to probably trade back at the end of the day. They're going to find a team that loves Richardson, move up for, that will move up for him, and they will move back. But if there isn't that team that gives them the assets to move back and really give it, that they will be absolutely willing. I don't think it's smoke. They will absolutely be willing to make that pick of Richardson at that point. <coughs> Inutero says, Hawks in a perfect position to sit AR and develop him. They are indeed. Uh, Joker says, do we take Bijan at 20 if he's still there? I'd be open to doing it, Joker, if I was running things, but I don't think that the team will be would be willing to do that. I think they're going to be addressing some other positions at that point. I also don't think, Joker, he's going to last to 20. I think, he's, I think he's top 15 in this draft, minimum, potentially top 10. Ethan says, yeah, notice how the franchises that are folding and giving the big quarterback contracts to the players have something in common. They are dumb franchises. They are indeed. They are indeed. It's, uh, it's not proving to be the smart decisions throwing this money around like it is. And as I always say, it's desperation is oftentimes a big driver of this, which is not intelligence, but desperation. And that doesn't lead you to smart decisions. And it doesn't with a lot of these teams because of that. Daniel Jones money is just, I can't believe he got that money. I just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted why New York wouldn't. I, I, they wanted to get the franchise on Saquon, but the franchise tag on Saquon, but whew, that's a lot of money. Brian says, how can a team looking to advance in the playoffs waste a number five pick on someone who isn't expected to see the field for two years? Ridiculous. I, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's ridiculous, Brian. I certainly say if you're looking to try to get your ultimate maximum compete point this year, it makes a lot of sense not to do it. But, and I'm not saying I'm advocating for wanting to do this, Brian, as you saw with my mock and the way that I do it, if I was running things, I wouldn't go this route. But if the team does go the route, you can understand them doing so, being that I, it, may, it may take them two years to get there. I think that if you have, Brian, a situation where after this year you wanted to go to him and you thought he was ready, and even if at that point you looked at it and you said, all right, we're going to run a lot of the Baltimore Ravens, Eagles concepts early on until he's ready as a quarterback to do the full gamut of things, you could do that too in addition to this. 
Um, so it's it's the the thought process comes back to Brian is that if you look at that, there's going to be something that needs to be done at the quarterback situation into the future. You could have a team that w- that is a perennial playoff team at that point with Geno Smith basically either at a point of being near retirement or eroding skill set to where now you need another quarterback and you don't have a clear pathway to getting that one at that time. And now you're in that same boat of a team like Minnesota was right where they had to go out there and get a Kirk Cousins where you're stretching to go get a guy who's not very good and talking yourselves into him because you don't have any other better options. And so I think that that's a little bit of what would inform that again, saying no, Brian, I'm in this, I'm in the same boat as you is that I wouldn't want to necessarily do this, but I, I can see where there's a logic behind it. Benny's lugs says Anthony Richardson will get snagged before Seattle touches. He might. Greg says, Brando, would you pick who Brandon, who would you pick to back up Gino DRT, Jameis Winston or someone else? I'd prefer to go young. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson would be an ideal guy. I think, uh, who was somebody else I was thinking of? I, maybe Max Dugan, if you want to wait later, or Stenson Bennett in this, in this class would be an option too. I, I don't think, Greg, you're going to want to go for a veteran option that's going to cost you 4 or $5 million on a one-year deal, which I think Winston probably gets something like that as a backup. Or somebody in that equivalent point gets something like that as a backup. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go that realm with route with it. Um, but DRT, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Seahawks blue and green. I think the second round is a big in this draft. Would we be all right trading back a little bit to pick up an extra second round pick? Have a lot of holes to fill and depth. We do. And I would do that or would be willing to do that. Megan says, as long as we don't take him B, as you all know, I'm good. <laughs> Um, Joker says, or go Tyree Wilson and maybe Bijan pick at 20 if he's still there. I'd be down to do it, Joker. I'm a big Bijan guy, so don't get me wrong. I love Bijan. I just don't, in trying to predict Schneider and how he'd approach this draft, if I think he's at 20, I don't think even if Bijan's there, he's necessarily going that route with it. Sam the Grace has been preaching to fix that defensive line. You got to do it, Sam. We got to get it done this offseason in a major way, not in a, just a soft stroke. You've got to just. Take that paintbrush, dab it into the bucket, splash it on the page, dab it back into the bucket, splash it on the page. We got to just hammer this thing. Jonathan Magana. Hey, Brandon, what are my thoughts on J.L. Skinner and where could he go? Um, I think J.L. Skinner is probably one of the biggest hitter, if not the biggest hitter at at safety in this draft. He's legitimately big. He can run. Um, You you love that part of him. Um, He's not very good in coverage and the further he gets away from the line of scrimmage the worse it gets so he really to me is your traditional in the box safety kind of player um so you know he wouldn't really fit to our defense anymore jonathan of course what we used to run when cam was here he'd be a perfect fit but uh to what we run right now and to what we ask from our safeties right now it, it doesn't quite work in that realm of things uh he tore his peck if he didn't tear his peck, he probably would have been a late second rounder with the torn peck. He's probably a late third rounder, mid to late third rounder. Where he goes is going to have to be to a team that has a defense that runs their safety up around the box 80% of the time. There's not a lot of defenses that really do that. So who who would be the one where he'd go to? I could see going to something like maybe a Carolina. Or not Carolina, but a Washington football team, Jonathan. Feels like kind of a fit for JL. Maybe. Something like that. 
John says, I heard nobody was interested in giving up two first rounders and paying Lamar. Maybe he's asking for an unreasonable contract. He is. It's where some of these players are bristling about collusion between the owners. And it's like, these former players sometimes have this big blind spot that's just so silly. It's like, I get that you're being pro player and it's like, you're like getting to signal how pro player virtuous you are, which is great for you. But just think about it from an ownership team building standpoint. Like I got to give up two first round picks for this guy, Lamar, and then I'm going to pay him a fully guaranteed deal where I'm going to basically reset the quarterback. No, (laughs) no, I, I, I get it. There's so many other smarter ways to go at with it. Like that's just a double dip of stupid decision-making. So I, I, I get that Lamar's asking for it. It ain't that Lamar doesn't have a right to ask for the money he's asking for, but you know, your market is what people are willing to pay. And if no one's willing to pay it and, and look, you could take the two first round picks off the board. I still don't buy that. There's a team that wants to pay $250 million guaranteed contract to Lamar or more than that. Cause I'm sure he wants to beat Deshaun Watson's deal. I, I don't think there's going to be a team out there willing to go that far with it, even absent that. But yeah, I mean, John, it's makes complete sense. Ravens are going to have to come down far, you know, far off that cost and understanding whoever he goes to has to pay this huge deal to him on the other side of it. <laughs> Megan says, trying hard not to doze off, bees, so may fall behind the chat. No worries. I think the trolls have kind of shaken out at this point. They got they they got bored finally, so they they moved on. You beat them down. You got to beat down too much, Megan. <laughs> Your sword and shield was too strong. Um, John, if Carter is available at five, Seattle will take him. I I'm not against it, man. I'm not against it. Deadly content says, what do I think of Van Ness? I'm, I'm a guy that's a low on Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Uh, I, my comp for him has been Ryan Kerrigan. There's a lot of people in love with that guy. Um, he had a pretty good combine overall and helped his stock out and, and showed things with the explosive scores that weren't really there as much on tape. Um, he's a, you know, he's a high motor guy to me. There's not a lot of pass rush moves there with him. There's not a lot of dip. There's not a lot of bend. There's no first step quickness. He's a power guy. You know, and he wants to stack and shed guys, and that's the way he's going to get off blocks, which works at the college level. I don't know if it's going to work as much at the pro level. And maybe he's just freakishly powerful enough to pull that off against grown men, but I, I, I remain skeptical about that. Now, he probably has a high floor to him, deadly content, and he's a guy who could probably come in and out the gate, be a really good edge run stuffer for you who gives you four or five sacks a year. He may just only ever end up being there at his top end. So probably a high floor, low ceiling guy. Maybe that's the way I want to describe him. Yeah, that sounds right. Seahawks Blue and Green says Lamar must be a smart guy to represent himself where he doesn't want to give away that extra 10% to an agent or whatever it is. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, yeah, we've seen these players trying to, a few of these players trying to do this now. Some have had some varying levels of success with it. But when you want to get a deal done that's a unique deal that's not been seen in the NFL absent one time in the course of its history in the salary cap era, you probably are going to want to have to get an agent to get one of those kind of special deals done. 
And you can see why this thing has been tripped up on a couple of different levels. Where were we? I wouldn't think too much about character concerns when it comes to Carter. They just gave Gino a contract like 14 months after he got arrested for a DUI and reckless driving. It's a great point, my man. Great point. It doesn't for me. So uh, I'm, you know, and some of what I'm trying to do is predict a little bit ahead of time, but you're right. They may look at it in that way. That's why I say it's hard for us to kind of exactly pin down where this one's at with them and their assessment of Carter and uh, if they would or if they wouldn't. Nate says, can Seattle get defensive line and for agents? If so, who's some cheap options to help out and can, and can still grab uh, Anthony Richardson and perhaps a third wide receiver? There's a little bit you can do in free agency on the defensive line, Nate. Um, in my scenario, I had them swinging at Hargrave and bringing him in. I, I'd say, quite honestly, there's really not a, what, what you would want where you're saying, let's get a couple of bodies. There's a lot of kind of older guys or underperforming guys. So, you know, you, you Akeem Hicks, older guy underperforming last year. Greg Gaines, young guy out of Washington, but not coming off his best season, hasn't been playing his best ball as of recent when you do some research on him. The defensive line depth in free agency is pretty light, Nate. It is. The place to attack defensive line is in the draft. That's where would be the strength of it if the team really wanted to go there instead. If you're going in free agency this year with the NFL, with the defensive line talent, defensive tackles in particular, you're really then at that point going for guys that you're paying max prices on for lesser production is what I would say to that. But I did have them taking Hargrave, Nate. So I think you can do a little bit of both where some drafts, some of it's free agency. John says, if I were the Patriots, I would be clamoring for Lamar with that defense and no receiving playmakers except a tight end and a power O-line. That team was built for Lamar. I think it would make a lot of sense, John. I think Bill would definitely do that. I, I think that the cost to pull in Lamar, though, for the picks is beyond anything that he's ever shown in his past that he's willing to do. He might give up one first-round pick, but he's not, I don't think, wanting to give up two. And then the thought that they got to pay him that contract. I think if, if we weren't talking about that, that guaranteed money here, it, there'd be way more heat on to it. There'll be way more heat with Lamar. But the fact that the fully guaranteed stuff, it's just going to get a lot of teams out because it has them then to sign that contract would have them leaving their philo their team philosophy in such a major way that just teams, teams would just dig their heels in not to do it. That's why you're hearing the lack of interest coming out so publicly. Joker says, from what I've heard, Tua is taking jujitsu lessons to help fix his falls. So I don't know if that will help, but he looked like an MVP before his head injuries. Uh, yeah. I mean, Joker, the only thing, this is a little bit of one of those issues where it's like, you know, it is what it is, you know, and he's a slight quarterback. He's an undersized quarterback. He's, he's going to get thrown around. It doesn't matter how many ninja sessions he wants to try to do. When a, when a defensive lineman that's 350 pounds gets their hands on a guy that's sub 200 pounds and throws him around, you know, it's going to look like a car crash. And, you know, that's, there's not a lot that you can really do about it when you're that size. Uh, this is one of the reasons, Joka, I'm, I'm really anti Bryce Young as well, is it's just, it's those smaller guys have to move around because they can't see behind the pocket, but in moving it around, they then expose themselves that much more to the likelihood of having hits and getting ragdolled and getting broken. Um, he got broken college often. He's gotten broken pros often, Joka. This wasn't his first injury in the pros, right? With the head injuries, there's been other stuff already here. He's not exactly played a long career. The injuries aren't going away with Tua. 
it's it's a part and parcel of who he is and what you deal with if you're going to have him as your quarterback. Um, which is unfortunate for the kid, but it's just the reality of the road with him a little bit. Nate says, why haven't the Hawks made moves to get more cap space, like cut Gabe Jackson and et cetera? I don't think that there's any rush to do it necessarily, Nate. They can create the space when they need it, and they don't have, they don't need it at this point because we've not gotten to free agency yet where you're signing deals. The other thing is if you create the space in advance, Nate, you're, you're signaling to agents how much space you actually have. So let's say I have Gabe Jackson on my roster, and I have a player that I'm competing with another team in free agency for. And that, that agent comes to me and he says, you know, we want this contract. And I say, look, this is the cap space that I have. And then I have to do this to that and that to that, you know? And then that agent goes, okay, well, you're right. That's all the space you have. And that's where you can go, but that's the best offer we're getting right now. So we'll just take it. Now you sign that player. Now the next move you make the next day is you cut Gabe Jackson. So you, you always, there, there's a, a thought process. If I'm a general manager that I'm always wanting to sort of stay theoretically kind of around where my my top end cap is, but with the flexibility to always be able to create more around as I need to. So that agents can't be like, we know you got more money. Come on. You've got 3 million more of extra space there. So anytime it can happen. Uh, Joker says Madden's 24 is make or break for EA. They said earlier this month, but I think Madden has been a steady decline the past six years. I think that's pretty accurate, Joker. And I've heard the same thing that they've said that this is a make or break year. We'll see if that's the truth for them or not. But, you know, the bottom line with it is that the game's been in a crap shape for years and they can decide to address it or not. They need to go back and, you know, reinvest in Dynasty and understand that there's a big segment of the fan base that plays just that. Um, and once they do that, they'll see the game get some growth back again. But it's going to continue to die the longer they continue to sit there and hope the whales can carry them through on that product. John Wee says, I like Anthony Richardson, but the interior D-line is on life support and sinking fast, so we must address it and must be the best talent available. <laughs> John, this is the approach that I took as well. Uh, as I said, I can understand going for Anthony Richardson. I didn't go that route with my dream off-season off scenario because I'm thinking like you're thinking. The defensive line needs to be attacked and attacked in a major way. Jonathan Magana, Keanu Benton's a fourth-round steal. I don't think Keanu Benton's last into the fourth round, Jonathan. Not after what he did, I think, at the Senior Bowl. I, I think he's a late second, probably early third is his ceiling on where he's going. Nate says, don't Hawks still have Al Woods and get a DT at 20 and still rock Anthony Richardson? At, uh, they, yeah, they do still have him on the roster. Keep in mind with Al Woods, he, he only is going to play about 20% of your snaps when he's playing. He gives you a good 20% snaps, but he's not going to eat up as much of the snap count as he could when he was 27, 28 years old. He's 35 years old, so... You're definitely going to limit him a little bit with that. But, yep, he is still on there. Megan says, Armadillo on Texas Cement. Love it. <laughs> Save the geese. Uh, I can see the Cowboys wanting to take a receiver at 20. See? I, I, I was trying to be realistic with it. Save the geese, you know? I was trying to keep my this proverbial situation in, in realism. Uh, Seahawks Blue and Green, watching the games, our weakest area was defensive line. That should be the focus early. Are we getting rid of any of the guys there from last year? Yeah, I had us bleeding out all the way from that. Um, look at my depth. Here's where my depth ended out with the defensive line. Um, and you can kind of see the full expanse of Seahawks Blue and Green. You can see my full expanse of thought, thoughts on this at the start of the show, of course. But I ended up with my, my defensive line rotation, my defensive tackle rotation when this was all said and done through my offseason was Javon Hardgrave, Kalijah Kansi, Brian Breesey, Maze Smith, and Al Woods. So that means I'm getting rid of everybody else. 
Puna Ford's a free agent. I'm cutting Quentin Jefferson. I'm cutting Brian Monet. And I'm calling it a day on all that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm snipping. Lots of snipping. No, we shouldn't resign Puna Ford. Jonathan, he's a 4-3-1 tech, not a 3-4 defensive end. Jade Apex, how come the Seahawks haven't had to cut anyone? How come they haven't cut anyone? Because yeah, they just don't have to. I just kind of, as I just kind of explained on there, Shade Apex above. They just didn't have to right yet. They haven't reached the point where you're, you're driven to need to do so or need to create the space, but they have the flexibility to do so whenever they want. Day Hotel, 90% of my mock Sims end with number five, Tyree Wilson. Uh, number 20, Breezy or Cansey. Number 37, Darnell Washington. Uh, number 51, Dayon Henley. Uh, number 83, JL Skinner. Uh, Moro Ojo at 153, Jacorian Bennett at 56, Yasir Abdullah at 197, and then Alex Forsythe. Uh, we're pretty much, we're pretty close. I mean, oh man, I mean, we're we're not far off with what we both did. I, I came out with Cansey, Breeze, which you had an option at 20. I came out with both those my first two picks. Obviously, I didn't take Tyree Wilson, but I did go back and take Darnell Washington. I also got Dayon Henley in my, on my mock here. So, Pretty close, pretty closely in the lineman there, Dayatel, as far as what I was looking to do as well. Jonathan Mangana says we've got to re-sign Ryan Neal. I think he's a restricted free agent. So you just you bring him back on a one-year restricted deal. You don't have the money to sign him to a multi-year deal. Greg says if you land at 11, you can trade back again and get an extra second round pick. Pretty much what you did with your mock. Exactly. Exactly. That's how people were asking me, how, how, has anybody ever done this before? And I just feel like, Grug, nobody ever has the goodwill to be able to do it. Like, they could do it. There, was, there would have been the, the teams willing to make the moves to get the trade, the trade capital to get all of those second round picks. But what the problem is, is that then you got to come back to your owner and be like, yeah, we didn't go for some of the prime talent in the draft because we just want to stack up a bunch of these second round picks. And not a lot of owners, I think, are necessarily going to sign off on that. Say nothing if you've got a general manager who might be on a little bit of a hot seat, which pretty much... That's what half of the general managers in the league are always on a constant hot seat. So it's a little bit of the benefit of what you're getting. You're having a general manager who's really embedded in this position to be able to make those kind of moves. DJ says these Jerry Jones impersonations are fire. <laughs> Jonathan McGonna, the uh, idea JL Skinner 83 or Jamie Robinson. And I went with Jamie on mine. JL's a good player. John Reese says, Al Woods was alive when dinosaurs roamed. We need some blue chip talent at the position. Don't forget 300 yards allowed by one running back and 400 plus, 40 plus points from opposition. Can't skimp on talent. No, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> You're talking to the Cowboys, now you hang up on the phone? Nobody ignores the Cowboys. We're America's team. See, I'm and green. It'll be interesting if they draft a player like Skinner. That that to me means they don't trust Adams and got his replacement. Me too. <laughs> me me too. Oh shoot! Sorry, a little over on that. Some donos here. I'm staring at over here. Uh, Dwyer, thank you for the $10 donation. I'm really sorry, a little late acknowledging. I was getting into the chat, man. I sometimes get like a little uh, little narrow-sided narrow there on that one a little bit. But thank you for the $10 donation, O'Dwyer. You're awesome for doing so, my man. Appreciate the support in the channel. 
Nicholas Newton with a $5 donation. Thank you, Nicholas. Says, B, possibly broke my leg today at work. Ow. Got to work tomorrow. Double ow. Wait, wait a second. Why are they making you work if you just broke your leg? Like, are you going to have to sue them? Uh, he says, John Michael Schmitz or bust. He's the one guy out of the whole draft I want the most. Well, jo- Nicholas, take care of that leg. And if it's broken, don't work on it. Don't forget, Nicholas, this is a young man thing here, okay? Young men will go back out and they'll be like, oh, I'll just work through this. I'll walk it off, you know? But remember, if you don't let that thing heal, it ain't tomorrow you're going to feel it. It ain't a couple months from now. What happens is you'll be about 44 years old and be like, why is my leg hurting for no reason all of a sudden? Why is that leg that I broke 15 years ago hurting right now? And, and why is it suddenly now snowing outside? Does my leg now know when it snows? That's what happens when you, you, you know, that's what happens when you don't just lay it up, take care of it. You know, if it's broken, get it, get it wrapped up. You know, your work should be paying for that. If you worry, if you get hurt at work, they got to take care of that. Somebody's got to call OSHA over there, Nicholas. Um, as far as your, your talk about John Michael Schmidt, 100% with you on that. Um, and as I, I, it's a, I kind of a common refrain I think I'll have with my chat here today is like I say to you guys, as I always do, uh, I really feel like you guys are really intelligent in your approach. Um, I'm, I'm having people present a lot of things here in the chat that are really well, not just like kind of close to what I was doing in my mock, not just in the vicinity um, of what I was trying to do in my mock, but you guys are literally saying players that are who I had taken in my mock in my dream off-season scenario. So I, I think that we are all in this, not all, but there are many of us that are in this very much like-minded approach in how we view this. And the one, the guys, the players we want to come out of this draft with and the guys to pick at the right places. But in my mock, Nicholas, I had us taking John Michael Schmitz. Um, between him and Dayon Henley, actually, those are two guys, if you want to talk about, man, I just want to come out of this draft with these two guys, find a way to do it kind of thing. Not take them in the first round, hopefully, be able to get them from the second round onward, but just find a way to come out with those two guys because they could really, really help out our team in a way that is really needed, you know, in, in what is right now a glaring hole on the team. But uh, we're, we're of like mind, man. Schmitz is, I think, above and far above and beyond the number one center in this class. And uh, I certainly would be, I would be ecstatic to be able to walk away with him. Risen says, hot take. I would be okay if we traded back and took Skaronsky because it's closer to certain he'll be a guard. Me too, Risen. Me too. I love his upside. And he can he provides you a lot of versatility where you could probably play left guard, right guard, center, and even maybe some right tackle for you as well. So positional versatility is there and and, and he'd be a plus player at any of those positions, I think. So I I'm I'd love your I love what your thoughts thought is on that. I'd I'd go right with it, man. Sign me up. Bloom Green says, uh, Tua already shows he's going to have concussion problems going forward. He might be the first player that the league forces out because they don't want the liability. Could be, could be. Very possible. Megan says, B, did I ever tell you, B, I am exactly four months younger than the Hawks' first game at the Kingdom. Oh, wow. Came in just to be the perfect, to be the Seahawks fan at just the perfect time. Megan says, Ollie is a second generation 12. Thanks to Aunt, Auntie Meg. That's doing God's good work over there, Meg. I just picture the look on your brother's face too. <laughs> he's, oh, he's got a, he's got a cringe. He sees his son talking about the Hawks. 
Jonathan Magana. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brando. Are you completely out on Saiki Aka or could we steal him if he falls to the third round? I'm not out on him, but I wouldn't take him past the fourth round at this point, Jonathan Magana. I mean, the guy ran up, what, damn near like four and a half, five and a half, 40. You know, he's just, he's slow as, he's just slow as molasses. And he's got short arms on top of it. You know, I, I, and that was with him getting down to like what would have been a good weight for him to actually run like somewhat legitimate because he wasn't up at the 350. I think he was down like 330 at the combine. So I, I'm not out on him, but not in the second or third round. There's better prospects to me, Jonathan. And I think he's going to get overdrafted. Nate says Clowney and with Uchenna would be a nice duo, especially for a one-year deal. That's what I'm thinking, man. It's exactly what I'm thinking. Jonah says, Tacoma situation, what happened to Kemp? Um, we're hearing some back and forth of whether or not it was really the true Sean, Sean Kemp of Sonic lore, but uh, supposedly there's a story going out right now that there's a Sean Kemp involved in a drive-by shooting out there in Tacoma. I'm not, not sure of any of the veracity behind the report, but uh, that's what people are mentioning in uh, the chat. Data tells us, I, would, I wouldn't take Skaronsky and hope he can play guard. Would rather get Miles Murphy if we trade down. I'm okay going that route too. I think I, I feel pretty certain he can do the guard. I don't think it's much of a question mark. He can play it, but I get what you're saying. Go for more certainty. John says, think Ika gives us more than Monet for cheaper and he is younger. I don't know that he does though. I don't know that he's that much. I don't know that he's better than Monet. Greg says, Brandon, I get Donald only has 32 inch long arms, but he also did 35 reps on the bench. So he's quick and strong. Do you think Cansey also has that same kind of power? Well, I guess it's the it's the tough part with Cansey on this, Greg, because the you're making that we make the comparison between Cansey and, and Donald, which I think is apropos. There is way more that those guys have in common than there is that they have that is dissimilar. Um, the two dissimilar points are the points you mentioned, though, um, in that Cansey does not have the power of Donald, um, and he does not have the length of Donald. Um, and Donald's not a long guy, but he doesn't have the 32 arm plus length that's it's it's rightful to bring that up um but what i could also say about this on the other side of that greg is that i really feel like aaron donald's going to end up being the best all-time three tech defensive tackle in the entire sport so if cansey can give me and become 85 percent of what aaron donald did is that a great pick if i'm taking cansey at 15 or 16 yeah do i think that he can get to becoming like what 85 percent of what donald is or has been I, I do. Do I think that he's going to be able to maybe, Greg, I guess, to get to more detailed-centric approach on your question, is he going to be as good maybe as an early run defender on early downs where potentially he could get pinpointed and attacked at the point of attack at that point um, and, and then teams can kind of go after him then? No. But that's also why when you, when you look at my depth chart here, Greg, and what you'll notice with this is that on early downs, I have the guys to stack out there on my defense to take care of the running game without having to have them on the field. Where early on, I can rotate him in there as a as a as a you know, rotational defensive tackle, pa- defensive end pass rusher essentially, or moments where I'm having him shoot the gap and maybe put him a little bit more in the positions to succeed. Um, there is definitely going to be uh, you're getting lesser than what you got with Donald. I don't want to put him in that same Donald territory, Greg, and saying that he's the he's not that talent. He's not that guy. But um, I do think that the the next the 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 I'm just trying to think how to put this the the way that he is such a difference maker and a separator with that quickness 
is so special for what you normally get inside versus other guys um, that that's the part to me that will allow him to overcome some of that stuff. Just not to the level that Donald can because to your point, he's not going to have the strength and power of Donald. He's not going to have the length of Donald. But it still doesn't mean that he can't be a really useful player and a, and a tremendous pass rusher from the inside in this league. Why do I kind of want to? Is so quick and so fast. Short arms aren't going to... Pro, uh, I think you mean Cansey, I guess. Heard him from being such a great passer, but it makes it hard for him to stack and shed or taking on two teams in the run game. Exactly. So you might, you're going to have to protect him more in the running game than you would do Donald, which is maybe a, the main thing with it. Nate says, if the Hawks cut Gabe Jackson, the Hawks get $6 million. Who else can they cut to get money back after spending on Geno? Uh, Nate, there's a couple moves that they can make with this. Um, and the moves that I've prescribed that they would make this offseason would be as follow. You, rele- you release Gabe Jackson, like you said, and save $6.5 million. You release Quentin Jefferson, you save $4.5 million. You release Brian Monet, you save $2.67 million. I would convert Shelby Harris's final year of his deal from base to bonus, which would then at that point, and add a basically a dummy year on the back end of it, which would then provide me uh, basically half Shelby Harris's amount this year. So I'd save $3.25 million on his contract. I would trade Noah Fant for $6.85 million. I would trade Daryl Taylor, save a million and a half dollars on him. And then I would convert Quandre Diggs' base to bonus money this year as well, saving another six or $7 million. So save all the money from that at that point to have some money to go out there and spend a little bit in free agency at that point, Nate. Uh, Nicholas with another $5 donation. Thank you for the double dono, Nicholas. I do appreciate it. It says, B, I'm 41 and didn't tell nobody. I get up and walked it off, laughing out loud. Got hit by a car in 2017 while my motorcycle, my same leg tell me when it's cold. <laughs> hey, I broke a hand back in the day and it does the same thing for me, man. I know when my I know when it's gonna get cold because my hand will my hand will definitely tell me. So that sucks, man, because getting hurt at 41 too is just you walk good luck walking it off. You walk stuff off at 25. At 41, you just deal with it for a couple of years. So, oh my goodness, man. Well, take care of yourself. Let them know you did it too. Don't don't tough guy that one out, man. You're getting older now, you know? They need to they need to take care of you at the work if you get hurt, you know? And you probably got a dangerous job of some kind. So, you know, and boy, that's uh, that's brutal. I got hit by a car and a motorcycle. That's, that's scary too. Boy, that'll mess you up big time. That'll mess you up really big time, but... Yeah, it's funny how I, you can tell the weather, isn't it? <laughs> well, at least go get it checked out, man, because you don't want that thing at 65, man, where you're walking with a little limp because every time it hurts, you know? That's my only worry for you is I've realized that when you're young, you don't think about it, but then you guys are getting older, like, man, this might hurt forever. This might now be a part of my life. I might be just living with this now for just, this is now my reality. This just always hurts. Enjoy your youth, kids. You start getting older and you start getting those things popping up where you, those thoughts start going through your head. You're like, okay, just always in pain. 100%, 100 times, always of the day. Okay, new reality in life. Let's go. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> Sucks getting older, Nicholas. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh Oh, you're talking to D Nugget about something, but is that D Nugget? Von Miller even confirmed that. Number three hasn't been himself since Moab passed on. Thank you for the $5 donation, Garth. And indeed, uh, it does seem like something didn't, 
maybe change a little bit with Russell um, when he did lose a little bit of the the sports mental mental coach guy that was like his best friend, you know, and he lost him, passed away to the cancer really quickly, kind of almost overnight a little bit there, and uh, um, definitely I think probably caught and, and certainly in the case of Russell, it's understandable because he did lose his father too as well, so that's something that he's dealt with in his past already. It's a little like PTSD, right, where you. You go through something like that and then you have somebody else close to you after you've lost your father in that way and then they lose them and that's, it's going to rattle some cages at that point. That's not just something you bounce back and get over the top of. Um, so understandable that it's uh, been hard necessarily if it has been for him to maybe get a little bit past that a bit. Um, it would be for me too. We'll see if Russ, uh, you know, kind of starts to find his footing here a little bit. There's nowhere to go up. There's nowhere to go up now but up. I mean, Russ is definitely have to have hit the bottom point at this point. And there is nowhere to go but, and the, the redemption story would be, uh, it'd be a cool one. You can come back off this. Justin Rockstar, thank you for the $2 donation, says, Yo, B, would you take edge or interior first? Well, I, I think it does depend, Justin. I mean, like, oh, sorry, kitty. I, I think if you're talking about the number five pick and just picking from there the best guy, I mean, I, I'm still going to go with a Carter over... Uh, a Will Anderson. So I'm still going to look to go inside defensive line. But if you have both Carter and Anderson off the board, then I certainly would look to take a Tyree Wilson over a Miles Murphy. So it's a little bit of the difference in, you know, it's a little bit of the difference in who's available and where we're picking Justin a little bit. But I would look in general terms to go to the defensive interior. So even in my proverbial scenario here with my mock, I moved back a couple times but I still address the defensive tackle, the interior defensive tackle being the first place to go after then at that point. And then I went right back to it with the second pick. And then I went right back to it with the fourth pick. So you can see with my mock that there was certainly a, a high drive inside of me to really deal with the interior of the defensive line first and foremost. We've got Boye Mafe, Chenna Nuosu, Daryl Taylor. Um, I think you could easily add somebody else from the outside and for agency to help out that pass rush off the edge. You need help inside. And Justin, the help on the inside is not really there out there in free agency. Absent making a big swing for a Hargrave or Deron Payne that's very, very thin out there on the defensive tackle. Uh, just, the, just the value out there is very thin um, from free agent standpoint. So got to go draft, got to go early defensive line, interior defensive line especially, I think, by the way that this is going to go. See, Blue and Green, I, I throw like Tim Debo, long arms reaching far back. I'm accurate up to 40 yards with some zip, but I would get strips like crazy. Oh, there you go. I only got a really strong arm. I had a pretty quick delivery, but not a strong arm necessarily. I could probably get a 40. I could probably get a 50 yards if I had a good jump. Justin Rockstar, we still don't know what the cost is of Geno going to be in the first year. The numbers have not yet come out. So there's some numbers being reported about what he can make in the first year and what we don't still yet know what the exact first year cost is going to be. And I do think it's going to be below $25 million.
Why do wise is waiting till pick 51 to pick a center seems to be the play. Wait till 83 and the four or five solid ones will be gone. Maybe why do I? I don't know when it comes to Wilper, Tipman, Patterson, they're all late second, third round guys. So I think they kind of all go in that realm. But when you're talking about Schmitz, yeah. I think you could still get a guy in the third round. Why do I? If they, if they waited that long. Ethan says, yo, Brandon, if we wanted to trade back, but if we wanted to stay in the top 15, could we get three first round picks from any of these teams? What if all, all top four quarterbacks were gone except for A, Anthony Richardson, three first? What if all top four quarterbacks were gone except for three firsts in a trade? I, I don't know, Ethan. I, I don't know on that one. I, you could get a team to maybe trade from the teens up at that point to do something like that. I'm kind of not really sure what you were saying in your question because you, you, so let me read it out loud here, Ethan. What if all top four quarterbacks were gone except for Anthony Richardson? I don't know. What you, can you see how that's confusing a little bit and how you worded that just a little bit? I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I'm sorry. It confused me a little bit on that one, bro. Ryan Ball, Brandon, what are your thoughts when Pete and John drafted Russell Wilson? Did you see him as a possible starter? 100% I did. Yeah. I was very excited by Russell Wilson when he was selected. Um, what The one defining thing that stood out to me at the time that Russell Wilson was selected that really got my attention at the time was I was, I was one of those guys that was kind of early on looking at the analytics aspect and how it could be applied to, to football. And it was early in the days of analytics starting to kind of take hold a little bit there at that time. And at that point, there was a projection service with Russell Wilson that was projecting out, you know, that did this with all players, projected out what they did in college and took those numbers to extrapolate what they could be in the pros. And it was one where they had done a lot of players coming through that time period. But I remember the time, and somebody in the chat will remember this as well, Russell Wilson broke their calibration system because he was projected out to have the, like, one of the highest projections they had ever have on their on their chart. And they were like, we don't know what to make of it. We just put the numbers into the machine and it spit this out. And I, I really thought that was, especially when you get this guy in the third round, having that kind of deal and knowing that those analytics were not ones that you're seeing this happen on a yearly basis where some third round flyer quarterbacks being viewed in that, that light by this projection service. That jumped out to me. And then you watch the tape on him and you saw he was mobile, which you were seeing more of a need for mobility in quarterbacks at that point in time. And then you saw that he could make all the NFL throws, and he was coming from an NFL-style offense, a pro-style offense that he was playing at at Wisconsin. And then he had had all that starting experience going back to his time at the other college. You know, you put that all together, and yeah, you got, you got excited about him. Did I know he was going to be what he was going to be, or did I think he was ever going to be what he became with us? Um, I didn't think I thought he was going to necessarily get there. I didn't have that view of him. But I was definitely excited in his uh, potential and that knowing that this isn't just your everyday, typical third-round quarterback guy. And I was buying completely in that time to the whole process of, you know, it's like John Gruden said at the time about him. There's this famous clip between John Gruden and Mel Kuyper talking about Russell Wilson. And, and there's one point where Gruden's like, you know, Mel, you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me the difference between Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Does this matter this much? From him being great, you're gonna tell me that. And 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 Gruden's just giving it to him really snarky. 
Um, but it was just a great little moment of television. But I absolutely felt that at the time. Like, no, this, he's close enough to what he is in Drew, in Drew Brees' size, and he's got a similar kind of build and similar kind of you know traits and how he delivers the ball. And his footwork at that time was really clean coming out of school. Modeled his game after Brees, in fact, in a lot of realms. There's a lot to do, a lot to be feeling good about him, Ryan, on the upside game of things and what he was. Again, not thinking necessarily he's a star. Ed Armitage says, first three picks, Carter, Cansey, and the defensive tackle for Michigan. Well, Ed Armitage, I ran a mock draft. You can see here over my left shoulder, I'll post it here again, is with my first three picks or first four picks. Of my first four picks, I took three of those guys you mentioned. so Or two of those guys you mentioned. So uh, as I've said quite often here during the stream, we are of like mind, my fellow chat, in many different ways here on this one. Ed Armitage then drafted the Wazoo linebacker with the fourth pick. So there we go, man. Just what I did as well, Ed. Megan says, not sure about the sword and shield, B. Can barely lift my arms. What a true, true warrior spirit, Megan, you know? Beaten down by the battlefield, nothing left, you know? Will she give up? Will she fall now? You mount that one last little bit of, oh, a bit of strength and energy to, to make it happen. Wicked says, there's no way we take Carter at five. No way. Dayatel getting ticks to my first CU game. Opener with Deion Sanders as head coach. Go Buffs. Hey, there we go. Little Shotter Sanders. Check him out, mate, for your future Seahawks quarterback. Uh, Greg, uh, Brandon, last stream, you asked about fullback. Have you heard of Hunter Lupke? Uh, I have heard the name, but uh, I haven't looked him up or anything. Put down his name and look him up. I didn't have much chance to do much scout in the last couple of days. I looked at a few guys. Johnny Jung Bido's game. Sean Camp going full gangster. Yeah. He, whoo, Sean. I agree in utero. I think there's no wrong move to make there at five for the most part. A lot of different ways you can go to be successful in that spot. Uh, Megan coming in. Uh, Gok Roger coming in with another $10 donation. Thank you, Megan. She says, six years after my father's passing and my PTSD is worse than ever. Lost my uncle, grandfather, age 97, a friend of suicide, and my father all within five months while finishing my BA in psychology. Oh my goodness. That's a lot on the plate, you know what I mean, in that moment. And yeah, I've, it's a spot that Megan, I don't have a lot of history with. I have both of my parents, you know, alive and I, I haven't had a lot of, you know, death and loss necessarily in my family in that way. So it's hard necessarily for me always to uh, um, kind of know what that feeling must be like, because unless you're going through it, it's, it's, there, there is no really explanation for it, I'm sure. But uh, it's a place where, you know, there hasn't been as maybe much given to, to Russ on that um, benefit of the doubt with that on that, that being a bit of the part of impacting him and, and a little bit of what he's gone through there. But would certainly make a lot of sense as to that being a, a thing that's not just something that you just, you know, it's like a pebble in your shoe. You just take off your shoe, drop the pebble, put the foot back, shoe back on and just go back to run on the road. You know, that's an easier said than done type of thing. And everybody's got to go through their morning process in their own way. And uh, it takes as long as it takes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's got to be tough. I, mean, I can only imagine. I can only imagine going through it. And I'm going to be a mess when I lose, if I lose any of my parents, you know. Thank you, Megan, though, for the $10 don't know. I do appreciate you on that. 
Uh, Voodoo Magic with a $5 donation. It says, does that Sean Kemp shooting affect his career shooting percentage? <laughs> he had enough attempts, Voodoo, that the, uh, that the six shots fired are, are not going to be enough to move the needle on the percentages one way or another. So, you know, he loses 0.25% of, uh, on his shooting percentage. It's not enough to, to impact him um, to a major degree. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the $5 donation though, Voodoo. <laughs> now he's at, now he's at 46.75% as opposed to 46.5%, 55%. So, you know, just a little bit of a loss, a little bit of a drain on that one. Appreciate you, Voodoo. Thank you, man. <laughs> I can't believe Sean did that. What was he thinking? Oh my God. I blame Tacoma. I blame Tacoma for this. I don't blame Sean. I blame Tacoma. I blame Tacoma for being Tacoma. Uh, Megan with another $5 donation. Thanks, Megan, for all the donations tonight, but always all the donations to the channel. You're always very, very, very kind. I really do appreciate it. She says, uh, and why things like uh, like what happened today shake me to the core. Happened today. Things that happened today. I'm sorry, I was a little, I was on just on the, the happened today. What happened today? Within, with the chat? I maybe I'm, I might be. I might've missed something on that one with that, Megan, but no, it's PTSD is a real thing. And it's built in and it's something that you don't have an effect over. And when it clicks in, it kicks in. I've seen it on a variety of other people. I saw it on my brother coming back from war um, and, and how that affected him when he was coming back. And it's, it's just not something you just go, oh, just take a break, get, take a breath, you know, get right over it. No, no, it doesn't, it's a easier said than thing. You just don't have that kind of control to do that in that way. When it affects you, like you said, to the core is a good way of putting to it. When it affects you, to, oh, sorry, folks. I don't know why my alarm's going off. Hopefully I didn't just make somebody crap their pants out there. Why do I have my alarm on? Off, off, off. No alarms. Sorry about that. Young Biden came from Clyde Aaron Curry's conversation. Oh, the troll. Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. The trolls be. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they were so hot today. I, I did a little bit of a different thumbnail, Megan. I think I got them with that a little bit. So they've been pretty quiet lately, but just suddenly today they were popping in big time. Did I tell, will the Bengals be able to afford to pay Burrow $60 million? Yeah. I, I, there, I think that they're in a position right now where the, there's no way that they can't. I know they're a cash-strapped organization, but that's one of those deals that you you have a quarterback like that he's gotten you that kind of success he's one of those rare guys in the sport you know you pay him all day long and you don't question it you don't wonder why you just do it um so they'll give him all the money yeah john says do it belichick always wanted to do a threat you, you better not throw up on me 
You, you, you seriously better not throw up on me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you dare. Why are you facing towards me as you're doing the vomit thing? Don't face towards me with the hairball cough. You're not going to exorcist me. You better not. <laughs> you better not. Daniel Bailey, would I prefer Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter? Uh, Jalen Carter. Big J bone. Byron D, $2 donation says, should we give Eskridge one more chance? Uh, you know, I just don't think you count on him at this point, Byron D. I don't think that he gets released at this point. I mean, you certainly can make that call in training camp. If he comes into training camp and he's injured again, then I'm done. But you can come into training camp next year and, and run him out there and give him a try and see if it's, you know, if he's cleaned things up and if he's ready to roll at that point. Um, but I wouldn't count on him and say like, well, there's our de facto slot moving forward next year. So, you know, he's certainly on thin ice at this point. I don't think that you should have a guaranteed roster spot next year just because he's a second round pick. He has shown little to absolutely nothing in the last two years since you made him a second round pick. And I really don't like the thought process of holding guys on the roster just because they're high picks, which is what we did with LJ Collier, and it was stupid. And it would continue to be stupid with Eskridge if he continues to show you what he's been showing you and the team not to move off him at that point, thinking, you know, let's 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 find find the the fixings and all this broken. Um, and there's a lot that needs to be fixed with Eskridge that go just beyond injuries. It's not simply, well, he just needs to get healthy and then he's fine. He doesn't run particularly sharp routes. He doesn't catch the ball particularly well. Doesn't sound like he's on the fine-tuned details of what he needs to do with the receiver position. Because even last year and the few times he was playing, I saw Geno Smith on the sideline having to fix and correct him on a route adjustment that he didn't make. So I'm very low. I was already low on Eskridge to begin with. I'm as low as ever on D. Eskridge at this point. I don't know really that there's a whole lot that we can count from this guy. And, and much like I said with LJ Collier, and much like I said with Jordan Brooks, and now I will say it with Dwayne Eskridge, Byron. My draft day assessment, my draft day night assessment of all these players, the moment after they were selected, and I looked at you guys in the camera and I said, here's what this player is. Here is that this player is going to be. I stand by every single one of my assessments of LJ Collier, Jordan Brooks, and D. Eskridge on the night of those selections, I think I hit those exactly on point for what those players are and what they'll what they'll continue to be in the future. So yeah, I'm not I'm not there with the Byron anymore with him. I'm I'm good on Eskridge. I'm not looking to cut him actively, but I'm not looking to count on him either. Garth, thank you for the five dollar donation. Appreciate all the donos, Garth. Uh, always appreciate, of course. Brando, what if all what if all you knew was Bijan's career would be would rival LT's without knowing anything of the other prospects. Would you take him at number five? Ooh. If I can get a guy that I know is going to mount up 13,000 yards uh, at one organization, for the most part, well, 12,000 yards at one organization, and I'm going to get that production out of number five, and I have that guaranteed over the question marks of anything else, I'm going to take that, Garth. Well, well for, the, for, for uh, you know... Nine-year career at 12,000 yards rushing and then another additional three, 4,000 yards receiving. Yeah, I'll take that certainty of knowing that, Garth, if I've got that in hand. Part of why I've driven, been 
been driven at times, Garth, to, to thinking about Bijan as even an option there. It's because I do trust in that that rivaling potentially of his career. Obviously, Garth, depending on where he goes as far as his landing spot. But he has the talent of Ladanian Tomlinson. He is Ladanian 2.0. And if you provide him the kind of lines that Ladanian had blocking in front of him for most of his career there, he will give you, I think, that kind of production. So, yeah, I, I probably would. I probably would. Especially because if I know that information, Garth, then I know I get to throw out the injury thing, right? That's the big thing all those people talk about why you can't take a, quarter, a running back at five or that high in the draft. If I can remove completely the injury quotient and say that I have basically a bionic man who will never get hurt for the most part, well, then the value is definitely there, I think. Risen says, I like how you picked Washington later, but sadly, I can't see him picked outside the first round. He's going to be special. I do hope we get him somehow. He's perfect for Seattle. He's one of my favorite players in the draft, Risen. No lie about that. And uh, you might be, be right. I have a first round grade on him. And so it wouldn't shock me in the least to see a team jump at that point that high for him. It would make a lot of sense. Jackson Romsberg, Madden 12 for Wii is the only Madden I own. <laughs> That's, it was still in pretty good shape back then, Jackson. And Udo says the main knock on Wa- Washington is his movement without the ball. He's my favorite tight end in the draft. Yeah, that was the wonder that you had coming into this. This is where the combine informs you. And this is where the combine rounds out a little bit of your understanding of a player and where you have a question mark on him. And then you go, okay, well, what does he show me in the combine though? What, what do I see from him at the combine that might either confirm or remove that and show when you go short area burst, what has this guy got? Well, he runs a 4640 at 264 pounds. And then he's got the 157 10 yard split. So that's, that's elite burst for a guy 6'7", 246. And so there, now you've got that elite burst that's there. He pairs that in with 123-inch broad jump, which is good for his size. He gives you a little, only 31-inch uh, vertical leaps. So that's not that high. Again, carrying 264 pounds, though. You're not going to maybe get up as high. But yeah, that's, that's the one part, a little bit with him. Um, but I thought that the combine kind of also diffused a little bit of those concerns as well. Uh, just a bit. Daniel said the NFL is colluding against Lamar Jackson the same way the midnight snacks collude against my waistline. Nothing about the situation is in my control. <laughs> Wicked Garden, any scenario at which Anderson falls to five? 100% Wicked Garden. Uh, four quarterbacks go in the top five. Some team falls in love. That, will, it's two things. Either four quarterbacks go in the top five, allowing you to have a chance of Anderson, or a team really falls in love with Tyree Wilson. And Tyree Wilson tested better than Anderson. So some team like that's a dumb franchise like Arizona talks themselves into Tyree over, over Will Anderson. That, that would also be another way that that could go like that. Brody says we should go defense with our fourth, fifth pick and use 20th for a quarterback. Sadly, there may not be a first round ready, worthy quarterback at that point, Brody, at 20. I think you're going to see all four of the quarterbacks that are first round ready or first round worthy in this draft go in the top 10 minimum, if not top five. Uh, Garth Knight uh, with another $5 donation. Thank you, Garth. Says, are we sure Sean Kemp isn't one of those guardian angel guys trying to clean up the streets? Oh yeah, he's like, uh, what did they, remember Remember, there was the guy, the Phoenix guy, who was the the real life superhero, UFC fighter, who used to uh, 
he he used to uh, walk the streets of Seattle looking to stop crime. I can't believe, I can't remember if he got in some trouble or something went down with that and that whole situation and how it played out with him. Okay, kid, you're making me hella nervous. Yeah, hella nervous. Um, I forget the guy's name. Something Phoenix, I think was his name. Phoenix something or, or rather. But uh, it could have been that. Maybe he stopped a pregnant woman from getting murdered. You know, we don't know. We don't know the details yet, Garth. You know, he could have been out there doing, you know, something heroic, you know, as he was driving by shooting. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to have to see what this story breaks out. It's, it's going to be an interesting story, Garth, on how, what, how this played out. Uh, DJ Jimenez, hey, B, is Miles Adams, Miles Adams still under contract? He is indeed. He is indeed. Garth, thank you for all the donos, bro. Appreciate you, man. Greg says, Brandon, how uh, is Seahawks looking at guard after this year's after this year's depth? I think they may need to pick one at some point in the draft or for agency, even in just for depth. Um, yeah, we do need Greg. Uh, I mean, Phil Haynes is kind of your, especially if you're going to release Gabe Jackson, you are a, a very, very thin there. I think you're looking at right now as it stands, Damian Lewis, Gabe Jackson, and maybe Greg Island as the one guy that you'd have coming in there um, as a feasible backup, but they're going to have to do more with it. Um, in my mock, I did address this, Greg. I had us taking Steve Avilia out of, uh, uh, Steve Avilia out of TCU. I also went back and took Ricky Stromberg later in the draft, who could maybe do some guard stuff for you as well, as well as doing some backup center stuff. But you're right. You're, you are going to need to address it. The problem comes into play on this, Greg, is that the free agent class of guards sucks. It might be one of the weakest positions in this free agent class. And then the guards in this draft class kind of suck. And there's not great depth. So it's, it's a tough position to fix as there's not a lot of active, really clear fixes out there to be had. John says, if they trade back from five, I want them to use the capital to trade for Deron Payne. I'd be okay with doing trade on that, John. I kind of came to the conclusion on my end of this that I'd rather just take a, a, you know, Javon Hardgrave, not have to give up the draft capital at that point, and then also spend probably five, six, seven million less per year for a guy that maybe gives you fairly close equivalency as far as a player goes. Uh, B, I need Sling Blade. Well, you're going to get that offseason real good this time. I'm going to tell you that. I like my, myself some, some tater tots. And I like good free agent signings. I want our Seahawks to get a real good player. A lot of good players. I hope Joey's willing to spend some money. Mm, she don't like to spend much. Mm, She's going to sell the team soon. Mm, I want to see us do something, though. Mm, haven't been to the Super Bowl in a long time. Mm, I like to go. Mm. Now, where are my tater tots? There <laughs> you go, Jack. Um... Seahawks Blue and Green, do you have a Russell Wilson impress, impersonation? Come on, guys, let's get this going. No, I don't have a good I don't have a good Russell. I don't. Mr. Unlimited. That's right. I can't. I've tried him a couple of times. He's hard. It's hard to it's hard to, to copy robots. You know, it's difficult. Arisen, why Brian Breesey? I'm worried about his injury, and I don't know. Uh, and I know he was on a stacked team, but the lack of reduction is a bit worrisome. Changed my mind. 
Defensive tackle production in college football is always going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. There are a few guys that put up a lot of tremendous production from the inside, especially when a lot of these defenses at the college level will operate with these sort of three-man fronts for a lot of the time period. Um, he's coming off two different situations this past year, risen with a torn ACL, and then he had a sister die, and I think both of those things kind of were a one-two punch for him. I'm anticipating that he's going to be able to bounce back off the torn ACL. And if you go back and you look at his 2021 tape, it's a lot more impactful. It's a lot more of him looking like a top 10 type prospect. So I think you give him a year off of that injury recovering. I, I think that there were still enough flashes this past year on tape. It wasn't as consistent as it was in 2021. But as you can see with my mock draft as well, I'm not taking Breezy in the top 10. I'm not taking Breezy in the top 20. I'm barely even taking him in the top 30 in my draft. I've got him here at 26. So there is a little bit of, uh, I'm, I'm waiting a little bit into the depths of the first round to grab him at that point. Um, but I do trust that he's going to be able to come back. There's been other defensive tackles in recent history. Richardson with the Titans being an example that tore their ACL in college and came back in and were able to bounce back and, and become still a, a really a talented, good, great player. I've got Breezy. My, my Breezy's my third defensive tackle in this draft, Risen, as far as value-wise. See, Hawks Blue and Green have, have, to, have to just be awkward the whole time and say, go Hawks at the end, end of it, Russ. We're just, we're really trying out there right now. We're doing a lot of good stuff and we're just trying really hard and everybody's working strong and working together and we're a team and we're just taking one play at a time and we're just trying to understand how to take that play at a time. And... I'm just out there leading us and I'm just doing it. And we're just going to show us how to get there. And we're trying to get there and we just want to win. And at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to do. And everybody's trying their hardest. And there was a lot of great players out there playing. Our receivers were running great routes, catching the ball really well. Our tight ends were out there just blocking, catching the ball really well too. Um, my left tackle was, was protecting my blind side. Uh, rest of the offensive line was doing great. They were on their job. They were getting it done. We're just one play at a time. Uh, just kept going throughout the playbook, staying on the plan, staying on the point. Never stopping. Go Hawks. I can't do a rest. Megan says 46 years old and old B and I'm feeling every old injury 1,000 times over. I'm saying to these young guys, man, when the young guys will get out there and they'll, they'll walk those injuries off, they don't understand the price will be paid for that injury later on. Take care of those injuries, young ones. Space, we should walk away some talented rookies with 10 picks. We should, Space. We should. Dayatel says, PFF gave you a D for Michael Schmitz laughing my ass off. Yeah, they don't like Michael Schmitz very much, man. I didn't even take him. I took him like mid-second round, too. Kyler uh, Makara, is there any possible way we get Caleb Williams or Quinn Ewers next year? Laugh my ass off. Uh, I guess maybe Quinn Ewers, not Caleb Williams. He's going to go number one overall, and I don't think we're going to be picking number one overall. Diego says, damn, dude, this is still going on. Let's go, Brandon. Get it. Say, that's how I roll. It's a short, short stream for me, man. This is a short stream for me. Nate says, Ethan Posick had one of his best years for the Browns as a center. Can we see a reunion with him back? Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I think he'd be good. I, I'd be open to it, Nate. I do. I was initially thinking about maybe taking him and for agency and, and giving a contract, I ended up leaning back to feeling like I could address the center position in the draft. 
But if they wanted to go with him and make that pick, I could understand it. It would make uh, a lot of sense for, for grabbing Ethan. Make a lot of sense. And go with it. He's not going to cost, I don't think, that much. A little bit. You'll have to give him a little deal, but nothing insane. D-Nugget says, did you f see Flemno video on Russ and how the death of Trevor Morad and neutral thinking has thrown him off? I didn't. I'll, I'll check him out, D-Nugget. Flemno, Flemlo does some good videos. Great videos. Red A says, that's a good point. Length and strength seems to be why Aaron Donald did so great being able to overcome his size issues. Absolutely helped him out. And it, it, he had the freakish strength to go with the freakish get-off, which is the two... You know, you, a player like Yancey will come on that'll have one or the other, right? But to have both of those in his back pocket is part of why you're looking at the guy that's going to go down as the all-time best three-tech defensive tackle in the sport. Or maybe one of the best all-time defensive tackles in the sport. You know, if not the one. Overnight, we better bolster this draft or your All-Seahawks going to be pissed. Yeah, you're right, we're going to be pissed. Chad Nordenstrom. Um, I'd like to get Leonard Fournette to pair up with K-9. We need another running back. We do. Um, he would be pretty cheap. He does seem like a guy that I don't know if has been exactly the all about ball kind of mentality that the coaching staff tends to look for in players. Does seem like kind of a guy that's sort of just kind of gliding by a little bit with his pro career versus where we thought he'd be coming into the league. But he would give you that hammer, Chad. He'd give you that short yardage kind of back that would be a, a nice pairing, to your point, with Walker. Pedro Mendoza says trading back five a few spots and getting Cansey is such a good start to the draft. I agree. And that was my start. <laughs> Hoodoo Magic says, yep, Sean Kemp, the rain man, was arrested after shooting at someone at the Tacoma Mall. He fled in his Porsche. Cops got his license plate and arrested. It's hard to flee in a Porsche, isn't it? If you're going to flee, you need to be fleeing in a Honda Accord or a, you know, Toyota Civic. You flee in the Porsche, it's just, it's very specific. <laughs> Yeah, Dea Hedel, I think you're right. I'd rather go Jamal Adams. If we're going open market for the short yardage back rather than the draft, then let's go with like a Jamal Adams. I don't know about Fournette wouldn't. Hard to, I loved Fournette coming out of the draft. Don't get me wrong. I did love him, but poof. Uh, CR says, for me, it's simple. We should address some needs before the draft. Get Woods for sure. Add Bobby, and we could possibly add one cheap one, two. Don't see the cap space for Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones is a draft pick, CR. Don't see the cast space for Dewan Jones, etc. Yeah, CR, definitely check out the front of my video on kind of some of the ways I was able to create some cap space without any real crazy moves. But I did find some ways to create some cap space here if Seattle does want to be aggressive in, uh, in this upcoming offseason. Nicholas Newton B, I'm a scaffold builder. Oh, goodness. No production, no productions then, right? You're an independent contractor. Oh my goodness, Nicholas. We'll take care of that leg, man. Don't, you know, at least get some ice on it or something, you know? Oh my goodness, brother. Yeah. 
John says there are a number of decent running backs in this draft. We need a big back who can pound through the line for a couple year yards when needed to complement Kenneth Walker III. Fully in agreement. It's part of what I did in my mock draft. If you look at this right here near the end, I went and got Chris Rodriguez, who I think could be that guy. There are certainly some other options available, but uh, uh, we are of like mind on that one. Marcus B28, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, my mock drafts, I can trade the 51st for Chase Young. I'd be open to it, Marcus. Especially if you could end up moving Daryl Taylor for a pick. Um, but I'm, I'm open to doing it as long as his knee's right. That's the key of them, Marcus. He took quite a bit of time to come off that ACL. Is everything okay with it? You know, is it 100%? Is he going to bounce back to what he was? Is he round where he were, was before? Be a little bit of what I'd wonder a little bit making that trade with it, but I'm I'm open to doing it. I like it. Gar says that uh, Gar for the five dollar donations is that D Nugget. What is the best chip? I'll go to my grave saying Cheetos. Garth has a hard time. I have a hard time disagreeing with Garth on this one. Bang for the buck, Cheeto. Um, I've got a couple contenders in there, but bang for the buck. Hard not to go Cheeto. I got my personal likes, Garth, but Cheeto definitely. I've got others I like, but I don't like them at all times. And I like them paired with certain other foods. Cheetos go with anything. So I, I think Garth's right on this one. I think Cheetos is it. Spectre 7, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. Says Wilson, obviously, you know, obviously we're trying to go out there and win. You know, obviously it's, it's a day at a time thing, obviously. And we're just taking it one day at a time and we just got to keep working, obviously, you know, and when we're working, we just got to stay on it, you know, obviously all the time. And it's a day by day thing. We just got to stay on it, obviously, you know, and then <laughs> uh, we have a lot of great guys here, you know, um, go Hawks. I mean, uh, let, let's ride. <laughs> Yeah, Wilson was the king, the absolute king in the early days of just saying, just talking and saying nothing, nothing. And like, that's what you train these kids to do. So it's not Russell being Russell. It's this is what you tell these young players to do because you don't want them to put their foot in their mouth and say something stupid. But boy, he, he was the master of it with just, you know, one day at a time. We're just working at it. We know it's a grind. You, you know, it takes time. You know, we got to stay on top of it. Just, we, we're all going to, everybody's on it right now. We're all pulling as one. Uh, team effort. One game at a time. <laughs> That's exactly how it was, Spectre 7. Exactly. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Roxanne Roll with a $5 donation. Says, Sean Kemp, a superhero? A guardian angel? Hmm. I do remember the man defying gravity up and down the hardwood back in the 1990s. That's true. It's true. And, and let's face it, Roxanne, what better cover for a superhero than a basketball player? You're gigantically sized, but you have an explanation for your gigantic proportions and your tremendous physical ability that seems somewhat inhuman. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what greater cover for Sean than to be a basketball player? Basketball player by nay. Batman by night. Now, cleaning up the streets of Tacoma, one mall at a time. And if you've been to the malls in Tacoma, 
you would know there's a lot of cleaning up that's needing to be done because those malls are a little bit rough. They had one back in the day where they like, even late when it was really still very wrong, like there was a part where they didn't know better in the 60s and 70s, like, oh, let's have a gorilla in a mall in a 15 by 20 cage. That's, that's good. That's great for the gorilla. And I remember going as a kid going, boy, this does, and the gorilla just looked unhappy and, but, but only in Tacoma, only in Tacoma, they have a gorilla in a mall for no particular reason. <laughs> but it's all coming together now, Roxanne. It's all starting to add up. The jumping, the athleticism, the speed. He's really a superhero the whole time. And Euro says Bijan would be awesome, but we can't get him. Yeah, I know. It's kind of where I'd come to with it. I do think it would be awesome, though. I do think it would be awesome. John Wee, Charbonnet would be nice to spell Walker. He would. In my mocks, I was driven a little bit to maybe go and take that pick with him uh, late second round. I didn't, but he would be a good hammer in there too. Yeah, Chad, Bijan 20 would be cool. I'd love to get him, man. I would. It's not likely to happen, as Brian said, but you know. A man can dream. This, this is all, this dream's all about dreaming. Jax is Anderson over Carter based on the character stuff. Understandable. Dayatel, Osiris Torrance or Nolan Smith? I'd probably go Nolan Smith. I got some worries about Osiris Torrance not quite being a very, just being kind of a run blocker at the next level. I like the upside of Nolan. 1023 is y'all, y'all acting like B. John Robinson's the next Todd Gurley or Adrian Peterson. My comp 1023 has been LaDainian Tomlinson. I think I'm on pretty solid ground. Go look at the production coming out of college. Go look at the combine scores they posted. I mean, B. John Robinson's right there step for step with him in the 40. They're there. They're, they had the exact same, I think, broad jump. Um, the exact same 10-yard split. They're within a couple of inches of each other on the vertical leap. I Very close, in my opinion. It tells us, remember when everyone said Najee Harris was going top 15? I don't know if I remember that one. I always thought with him it was a question of whether or not he was going to go in the first round. Brian Myers NFL Network compared Bijan to Ledeen. Yeah, it's an absolute, it's a rightful comparison. It really is. And he is the first comparison to Ledeen that's come along ever. There's no back that's been as close to Ledeen Tomlinson since Ledeen Tomlinson retired than Bijan Robinson. Ethan says, sorry, Brandon, repost. Let's say Bryce, Levis, and Stroud were gone leaving AR as the only top prospect quarterback left, would it be possible to trade back within the top 15 and get three firsts in return? Um, not probably within the top 15. You probably have to go maybe late teens minimum to get to three first round picks. And even then it's going to be hard. But then you probably could. 
D-Nugget says, Brando, your thoughts on the uh, Daniel Jones contract? It's another NFL organization, D-Nugget, being driven by desperation for the position and not by really thinking it through. This is also the problem that you run into as I harped on it again and again last year about not taking a quarterback first, getting the supporting cast in play, and then getting the quarterback. Because part of the reason that you give Daniel Jones this contract is because you go, well, he doesn't have any receivers. Well, we didn't give him a, we didn't give him a consistent offensive line for the majority of his time here leading to the end of this contract. <coughs> well, now you're unable to make your proper assessment of the quarterback, aren't you? Because we still aren't certain about what exactly Daniel Jones is. You might give him all that stuff. You might give him game breakers on the outside and come to find out that he's topped out. He is who he is. But you didn't make that assessment. You didn't provide him the right supporting cast early on. Now you're offering to, to bite the bullet and to, to pay the price. And you're taking a huge risk out of desperation. And this is what bad franchises do, and especially bad franchises when it comes to how they address the quarterback position and look at the quarterback position. So, you know, the, the Giants are driven in this deal by, by trying to think about what he'll be when they eventually get the talent around him, which now becomes incredibly hard, D-Nugget, because they're paying the kind of money they're paying to him. They're also back in the barrel of paying the uh, big money to the running back as they now franchise Saquon Barkley, further restricting them from going out and finding all these playmakers that they're going to put on the outside for Daniel Jones to really show out what he truly is. So I, I, it's, this, is, this is the issue with making mistakes at the front of the line, is that you still have to suffer from them years down the line from them. And you know the initial mistake, in my opinion, in the first place, is taking Daniel Jones as high as they took him in the first round like they did. Second problem was taking him before they had gotten the supporting cast in place. And now you're going to be paying them the money because you feel like you have to. I, I can't say how negatively I look at what the Giants are doing here with this Daniel Jones situation and how stupid a move it really is. It, it's, it's asinine. Absolutely asinine. Why do I says, oops, I meant centers might be gone by 83. And I don't know, Brando, from the different team pod and mocks I've seen, centers a league-wide need. For me, we'll be upset if they come out of round two without one. Well, I mean, I'm in on your point with that. Why do why? I mean, I guess we are kind of aligned in that because again, in my mock draft or my dream offseason scenario, I'd had us taking John Michael Schmitz in the second round. So, uh, you know, I do have us taking a guy in that spot regardless. It just to me feels really, really right right now. Dan Henley and John Michael Schmitz in the second round for our Seahawks feels really, really right. Feels like a real just pure fit. So I do see it going that way. Um, I, I think you would have a guy available to you. You're not going to have maybe one of the highest talented guys, but there's such a collection of those guys in that spot for me. Why do I? I think there would be one still remaining if it, if it had to break that way. But you're right. I, I ideally would like to address it earlier on. Nate, Ethan Bosick had a great year for the Browns at center. You think he'd be worth picking up and then getting someone from the draft? And who's perhaps a good third wide receiver to look at in either free agency or the draft. Um, yeah, I'd be open to taking Ethan Posick, Nate, in free agency, and certainly at that point in doing so, that would then open you up for not feeling like you have to take that center in the second round as I did. And he's not going to cost, I think, a tremendous contract, maybe three years, 21 million, something like that. Three years, maybe 24 million, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and yeah, I'd be, I'd be okay with having him come back. He had an outstanding year for the Browns, and uh, he would be better than what we had last year, I would say for sure. Um, uh, just to, again, go back. I know I'm doing this often, but a lot of your guys' questions like yours is, Nate. I just, if you if you have questions about what I would do this offseason, folks on this in the chat right now, 
do before you ask the questions on this, go back and watch the start of my stream. Because the start of my stream, I take 40 minutes of going through and breaking down exactly the moves I made. And I've got to say, on a lot of your majority of your guys' questions are what I then deal with in my off-season plan. So if you have a question about what I would do with this off-season plan or my dream off-season, please do, Nate, go back to watch the start of this show where I take that 40-minute time period and really do break down on the moves that I would make. Now, on the moves that I did make, and I'll show them here again over my right shoulder, but I'm just going to kind of shorthand this one because I obviously went kind of in depth at the start of the show on this. Yes, I went and looked at a wide receiver. I look at Robert Woods. He just got released by the Tennessee Titans. I signed him to a one-year, $5 million deal. He can play every wide receiver position within this offense. He has fluidity within this offense, playing the vast majority of his career with the Rams, using the very same playbook we ourselves utilize. As I said, he can play every single wide receiver position. So if you lose in a locket or you lose a DK Metcalf, he can slide out there and do that. He is only still 30 years old. I don't think he would cost a lot of money. I do think you could get him on a prove-it type deal, and that would be the guy that I would look to target. Absent something like that, there's really not a lot of guys in free agency, maybe absent Marquise Blair that I would really look, or Marquise Goodwin that I would really look at as far as another option there. Other than that, you're going to go maybe to the draft and see if there's somebody there that you would look at at that point. Um, in the draft, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of slot guys. I mean, too many almost to name in this regards, Nate, where there's there's a bunch of guys, short-arm guys that are only going to operate out of the slot that you could pick anywhere from Jackson, Smith, and Jigba in the, uh, you know, in the, in the first round all the way into the depths of the, the third or fourth round with guys like Jake Bobo out of UCLA. So you've got, you've got your pick of the litter. The one thing is with this draft is it's not strong with receiver, but it's very strong with at least slot receiver. So you can certainly find that, and that's a need for the team right now. So um, I would probably go with one of those two routes, Nate, but I do like Robert Woods quite, quite, quite a bit. Uh, Roxanne Roll has been a member of the Hawks Nemesis for 20 long months. Thank you for that long continued support, Roxanne. I really do appreciate it. She says, I lived in Tacoma from 88 through 94. So you know what I'm talking about. You, you know what I'm talking about, Roxanne. You know the mall I'm talking about. You know the you know the danger danger areas. There's there's always just been some some there's always been some shady places out there in Tacoma. I ain't saying it's all bad, but there's some spots that I wouldn't want to be out there in the middle of the night in Tacoma. And I'm just saying that. And my uncle used to live out there too, so I used to be out through there quite a bit. Garth, uh, thank you for the five dollar donation. I really do appreciate the double dono. You got another five above that as well. So thank you for all the donations tonight, my man. Does I remember a couple times being at the Tacoma Mall where I hoped Sean Kemp and the Porsche of Justice would show up? Who's Commissioner Gordon? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. Sean, where you at, man? Where you at? Let me hear those. Let me hear the, the engines purr as I know you're on your way. It's the sound, that's the sound of justice, the purr of those Porsche engines. <laughs> Thank you, Garth. I appreciate the $5 donation, man. I'm just saying, there's some good parts in Tacoma, but there's some, there's some spots. You know what I mean? There's some spots. Spots you don't want to, you don't want to be in. Uh, Garth, another $5 on top of that. Thank you again. All the donations, Garth, man. You're amazing, bro. Says, uh, Sean Kemp's Porsche of Justice needs to visit the New York Giants front office. Yeah, it, uh, uh, that's big facts right there. They're going to need to do something about that front office. They tried to move out already, Gettleman and they got their coach at least right now, but 
you you crap the bed on this these quarterback contracts and you can do everything else right. You could be almost perfect down the line. And if you get your quarterback situation wrong, the whole situation is messed up. And boy, for the Giants to walk into this situation and for them to logically go through this where we don't want to lose Saquon Barkley for nothing. We don't know what Daniel Jones is. Daniel Jones is due for a contract. Rather than then franchise him, though, we're going to just pay him so we can keep the franchise tag so that then we can franchise Daquan Barkley. I don't know how they look through that whole decision point and go, this was intelligently comprised. We came, we came through logical deduction to this conclusion. You know, doesn't it just feel completely like, you know, can't lose Saquon for nothing. He just finally gave us a value. We, we originally made him a top five pick. We can't just let him walk now that he's showing off of being a top five pick in his potential. You know, and that somehow informs you that you then have to pay Daniel Jones 40 some odd million dollars a year in a new contract. Holy Lord. Lord. And Power Code says, I think we need more mods, Brando. I would, uh, uh, with the trolls, uh, do, 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 okay, I guess, read those. Yeah, I, I do certainly think Megan's got a lot on her shoulders with it. So um, I'm definitely potentially open on that in Power Code. We, we definitely want to get some, have a good share of mods in here. I might do that. Let me think about it. Risen says, dream scenario, trade back and get both of Eagles' first round picks, then somehow end up getting Skaronsky, can't see Robinson. Washington, McDonald in the second round would be the cherry on top. I've kind of wondered if I was the Eagles, if the move I'd make is you watch the Giants making the move they're making is that, you know, it'd be ballsy. There'd be backlash. It'd probably even have some issues within the locker room making this kind of move but you're on the edge of paying $50 million to Jalen Hurts rather than do that. Remembering you just ran into this problem with Carson Wentz if you're the Eagles organization. To your point on this, Risen, why not move up from where you're picking at 12, get up to five, flip your other first round pick to the Hawks with the 12 pick, get your Anthony Richardson at that point, move Jalen Hurts for a first round pick at that point, and is your team not in better shape? Say nothing of the $50 million that you saved. I don't know. I've wondered on that. I have wondered. Daniel's thoughts on the signing of Gino is a, if a majority, even if all of the insensitive money, insensitive money, uh, incentive money you meant, uh, does not count against the cap. 25 million a year. Sounds great to me. Sounds great to me too, man. I think the more we're learning about the details of this deal, the better it's looking, Daniel. Let's wait until we got the final numbers. So let me find out what the final numbers are. Let me find out what the final bonus is. There's a lot of people talking about the numbers in this deal, Daniel, but nobody really knows how it all sort of works out quite yet. It does look better. It's looking better and better, but let's, let's see what the final true, true numbers are here. CR says, living in Germany, I've always have to get up at night to watch the stream. Good. I woke up early, finished four hours of work in HO, and now uh, bridge the time with the stream until the first meeting. By the way, 6.30 a.m. Well, thank you for getting up early, CR, man. That warms my heart that you do get up that early. I know it's, uh, it is, we got a lot of international folks here at the Hawk's Nest. 
And I know that it is uh, hard for you guys to get up the time. I mean, hell, we got Megan, our main mod in here from Australia. I know she's got to get up at the butt crack at dawn sometimes when I do my times. And I swear to you, CR, eventually we will be doing more of those uh, streams that are maybe a little at different times in the day, which might end up being more advantageous for some of our international folks. But uh, I appreciate you jumping on in the, uh, in the early hours of the morn, you know, to watch and whatnot and jump on the stream, man. You're awesome for doing so. I appreciate you. Detail Chubble will show us right away if next year is going to be a nightmare or not. Chubb. They tell us 2K needs to take uh, take the NFL contract. They've always done great with the NBA and MLB. Agreed, Day. I certainly feel a lot more in firmer hands with 2K and football than I do with EA. I'll say that. Donnie Pearson, Phoenix Jones. That's the guy. The guy named Phoenix Jones that used to roll around in a superhero outfit in Seattle and because Washington is what they call a mutual combative state, which means that if you agree to get in a fight with another dude, that nobody is going to be basically arrested if anything happens because there's been, it's like dueling basically, you know, you've mutually agreed to the, both parties have agreed. But Phoenix Jones used to go around the city of Seattle and downtown, you know, looking to stop crime (laughs) and full superhero regalia, full regalia. Megan says, sorry to bring down the chats, 12s and B, maybe I should just stay away for a while. No, Megan, it's all good. Not at all. We're talking about a relation to Russell Wilson, so it's it's uh, it's pertinent to what we're talking about. We go wherever the conversation leads in here, Megan. No rules in here. No rules. Did I tell sometimes I think Jerry Jones's dimension wakes up every morning calling Jimmy Johnson and telling him Troy Aikman is his son. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. <laughs> Gervon asks also, what happened to the Gervon Dexter hype? Well, I wasn't a big Gervon Dexter guy before the combine, which kind of showed off, I think, some of the problems with him. He has the slowest first step quickness of just about any prime, quote unquote, prime defensive tackle prospect you will see in this draft. And that's an issue. And then he's a run stuffer who's really slow off the line. So it's like, he, he's slow off the line, and he usually loses the fight initially off the line of scrimmage, but he's a great recoverer. He does great recoverer ring. And so he, he'll get bounced back a couple of yards. He'll flop, the, he'll flop the guard off his body, get back up in to go then make the play. And it works in college. My contention has been that that's not going to work at the NFL level. My contention has been that that's he's just going to get blown out of the hole and he's not going to recover like that. And by the time he recovers, the running back's going to be gone. But I never quite understood the Gervon Dexter hype myself. Just didn't, didn't quite make a lot of sense. The uterus is sometimes I think Jerry Jones died 10 years ago. <laughs> Steven's just propping him up like weekend at Bernie's. So he doesn't have to take any heat. So then his dad still takes all the heat, but he's been dead. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, Diego says, man, I came in here trying to hate on y'all, but y'all are okay people. Laughing out loud, laughing out loud. Stay up and honestly, I hope y'all don't make the playoffs. Ha ha ha. It's a common sentiment, Diego. We've got a variety of uh, Bronco fans, Niner fans. I got other fans come through here. And this is the unique place that I, I call my home here at the Hawks Nest. And that's that it's something that we all kind of tangibly decided we we're going to do with this and that we love football and we love really the ins and outs of football and the different layers of football and team building and team philosophy and, and, and how to fix things when they're broken and, and how to get the most out of this and maximize that. And all of that stuff has nothing to do with kind of the old traditional mudslinging that you get between fan bases when they go head to head, when you get two guys in a bar, uh, you know, a couple beers deep wanting to then go at each other because they're wearing two different jerseys. Um, I do have, we've got a, a voracious um, rivalry going on with the Niners here right now, no doubt about it. And, and there are times it gets craze craze with it as far as things get really heated and emotional. But at the end of the day, we're always going to run this channel and we're going to run the chat and our discussion through the through a paradigm of trying to be deep thinkers as much as we can on it. We don't have all the answers here, but we're seeking to try to get the answers. And we might not arrive there, but we're that's the aspiration. And I don't think you can get there and be a deep thinker if you're just being busy trying to troll each other or see who can dunk on each other harder as far as the the you know, the batter comments you can kind of post, so to speak. But I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the donation earlier, Diego. Why do I like your list of players, man? Those are all good players you listed. Megan, you're all good. Don't worry about it, girl. No worries. Brian Myers says, Kemp, Peyton, McKee, Sonic's best defensive team I've seen in 40 years. Love G. Carl. Great, great defensive team. And, and they did it with, the, you know, they had the guys that were individual stoppers, didn't they, Brian? But they were also so much about the team defense. Carl teaching and getting those players to get their hands in the passing lanes and keep their hands active for those type of things. And then to, to convert that into a fast break opportunities. And they were masters of it with Carl and he was real purposeful in teaching them in that fashion how to play that way. And we don't see that kind of uh, basketball played uh, anymore, that's for sure. Megan says, feeling in a Porsche is like, well, I'm not sure, but it would be easy to pick it out in the crowd. I, I do too, Megan, right? Like, you don't want that as your getaway car. You want the most, I mean, you want the getaway car that's fast if you're really trying to get away fast. But in his case, you just want the car that like, what was that car where the shots were fired up? I think it was like a, you know, it was like a Hyundai. Like, what was it? It was, a, a launch, it was like a Lantra Hyundai. I, it was really, it was gray. It was a Lantra. You know, you don't want the specific. Yeah, it was the, uh, it was the uh, the champagne colored Porsche. <laughs> you're you're gonna have a knock on that door. Officers will be at your door. Garth, you need to flee in the scene. The blue Subaru. That's it, man. Exactly. It's gonna be like, was that a? God, I don't know. Was that a Mazda? Was that a Mazda or was that a? You know, you want you just don't something is. It could be anything. You certainly don't want to be like, yeah, there was a 610 guy in a Porsche I saw. <laughs> he, had to, he had to lean his head out the Porsche because his head, you could just see his head was hitting. It looked like Sean Kemp in his face too. <laughs> 
Why do I? This is higher than some on Will Anderson. Drop-off season would have been others' career year. And getting two times in the SEC, he was yoked at the combine. Every bit of the 10 pounds of muscle he put on. I definitely love him. Why do I? And you know, for me, he's my number two prospect in this whole draft. So I do have him behind Carter, but I still do have him as my number two guy, even ahead of the quarterbacks in this draft. But yeah, people are kind of uh, sleeping on him a little bit. Why do I? And I think a little bit too is like initially his 40 time got reported as 469 and they corrected it to it being 46, which still wasn't an elite time for a guy off the edge with some of the other edge guys. But I doesn't knock him down for me a bit. Why do I? And <coughs> he's a sensational prospect. Joker Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Those are good too, man. And they are hot. I like the old school Cool Ranch Doritos before they took off some of the seasoning. They like half the seasoning about 10 years ago. When you get some of those deep seasoned Dorito Cool Ranches, those were next level. Ruffles, sour cream and onions, great, Sam. Those are great. Those are like staple chips. I don't know if go great chip at that point, but a staples chip. Nitro Hawks is Brandon. What's the most overrated food? I think the three most overrated foods are spaghetti, meatloaf, and uh, hmm. It's another one. There's so many overrated ones for me, Nitro. You know, it's a never-ending list for me. <laughs> It's the list that never never dies. Um, turkey. I think turkey's overrated. Turkey's bland, and we have to eat it at like twice a year at times. I don't think anybody would eat turkey unless it was some traditional, you had to do it. I know it's healthy. The healthy guys would, right? All the super health heads would, but I, I think turkey's tremendously overrated. Uh, Voodoo Magic, Tim's Cascades, Jalapeno for me. I go to Tim's every once in a while. I like it when they've got their specialty brands come out. I jump on those for that because they got some legit like next level specialty brands that are top notch. Top notch. Joe Biden's make wish Najee Harris is a beast. Would be awesome to have a power back like that to match K9's elusiveness. He's good. He's good. Great camp. Brandon, did you see the Hawks interview? Dewan Jones and Corbin Smith is saying move Abe to right guard. I know you don't agree with putting Abe at right guard, but would it be just for adding depth or injury concern? Um, no, if they if they bring in Dewan Jones at that point, Greg, they're either planning on moving Abe to right guard or they're moving Dewan Jones to right guard. The one thing I haven't wondered with this, Greg, is that, you know, the, the thinking seems to be that moving, we got to move, if we do draft Dewan Jones, that we'd have to move Abe to right guard. Why wouldn't we, have, why wouldn't Dewan Jones move to right guard? You know? Why is it? Why does it go without saying that Dewan's the guy that stays at, at tackle at that point over Abe? So I, I I would more lean to like okay I'm okay I'm down for doing it but keep keep Abe at right tackle and then pop in Dewan at right guard. I w- I would be more in favor of doing that. You know what you have in Abe. You don't know what you have in Dewan. You could end up bringing Dewan out to right tackle, see him struggle at right tackle, and then see Abe struggle also at right guard. So I think that I don't see the reason to to take that risk with it, but. Um, maybe the team feels differently with this. Maybe they're open to making that kind of transition and move. Uh, Mr. Alabijan reminds me of Adrian James. Uh, maybe. I don't know if Adrian was quite as fast or quick. Let's look at something. Because I've heard the Adrian James. Adrian James. 
Damn, Edrin, Edrin James ran a 4.3840 at his combine. <sighs> Holy mackerel. I guess I could see it. I thought he had ran a lot slower 40 time, but Edrin was pretty, that's pretty crazy for Edrin. But I have heard that. I've heard the Edrin comp too. Uh, Prince TY1, Brandon, with the date, with the fate of the universe on the line, you got to pick at five. Who are you picking? Jalen Carter, Anthony Richardson, or Tyree Wilson? Well, if I've, if my, okay, let, at least let me build in a little bit of this Prince so I'm not making this guess in the dark. If I've got my guys coming back to me and saying, Jalen Carter, if my private investigator and my people sources to Georgia, if my scouts that have done the groundwork are saying, you know, Jalen Carter's a little bit of a young guy, a little bit immature, but, you know, he shows the signs of being able to turn around and that this stuff is not, you know, part and parcel for who he is as a young man and that these are just bumps in his road, speed bumps in his proverbial professional road, then I'm going Jalen Carter. Um, but if they were to come back with me, Prince, and say, no, these concerns are legitimate. The character, the character concerns are real. Um, he is a ticking time bomb. What you've seen so far and what you've heard so far is simply the tip of the iceberg. Then I would go with Anthony Richardson. Tyree would be my third choice. Uh, I could see somebody else was mentioned in the comp of Ladanian to Walker. I could see that too. I, I, I could see that, that comp in there as well. Sayar says Daniel Jones signing was nuts. Rather let him go sign somewhere else like Garoppolo or Locke and draft a quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I would have done that too if I was the Giants, you know? I mean, your roster is, they, they kind of played a little over their skis this past year. You could say that they need to get things a little more developed along the pathway for the quarterback to come in that they could take advantage of on a young, on a rookie deal. Um, potentially at a time when they were doing that, by the way, where you have Dallas paying Dak and then you would have Philadelphia paying, <clears throat> paying uh, um, Jalen Hurts big money, whereas you wouldn't be. But uh, yeah, to me, the, the thing that makes it most nuts, CR, is that if you don't have Saquon Barkley in this situation, you franchise Daniel Jones. That forces you to franchise, though, not to be able to franchise Daniel Jones because you're so dead set on keeping Saquon. And why are you so dead, dead set on keeping Saquon? For though he comes off a really great year, you're now paying him up at, what, 11, 12 million on a franchise tag, uh, only on a one-year deal where you're very likely to lose him anyway after this year. So are you a Super Bowl contending team this next year if you're the Giants with the current roster or the current roster that you're going to be able to build this offseason? No, especially when you're paying Daniel Jones the money you're paying him. There are so many ways you can look at this Daniel Jones contract with the Giants into where it, there, it is just reeking of stupidity. It is absolutely just reeking of stupidity. And I would be pissed if I was a Giants fan seeing this. And I know a lot of the Giants fans are already trying to like <laughs> talk, talk, talk themselves into it being a good deal where they're like, well, you know, we can get out of the deal after two years. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean you like the deal. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're on board with it. Seahawks Blue and Green, I can't see the Bengals affording Burrow, Nixon, and their two, their top two receivers. If they do, 
Well, then their defense and O-line will be the worst in the league. Uh, correct. And this is also a team that's not exactly cash rich, are they? So Mixon's gone at this point. Um, no doubt that he's going to, he's not staying any longer. Once they sign Burrow, he will be out. Uh, the question comes down to T Higgins because they're obviously going to resign Lam- uh, Jamar Chase to a long-term deal with Higgins. Hard to say, hard to say on what they do with him with that, but you make a good point. It might come down to Higgins or being able to sign Burrow. Roland Jose says, Cancy and Donald, very close to each other. Juan B says, Steve Avilia has played center before as well. He has. He has. He gives you that flexibility. Pedro says, it would be awesome having two Washington State players in our roster. That would be cool. CR, are you fine with Bryant at nickel or rather go for Brent Skinner or Brents in the draft? Uh, well, you certainly aren't going to put Brents, Julius Brents in, in the slot, six, CR at 6'4". He's way too big. Um, in my mock draft, I went with a guy by the name of Jamie Robertson um, that I was able to get in the third round um, who is, would be a slot improvement for me over Bryant. And then I would move him back to the outside. So I would look to, if I could do that, I would definitely do that. Um, Sidney Brown out of Illinois is another guy you could do that with too. I don't think Skinner is that guy who's going to be able to play nickel uh, CR. I do think Branch can do it, but it's Branch, Jamie Robinson, and Sidney Brown that are your three guys that are basically strong safeties that can also play upper level slot corner play. And uniquely so in that way. You don't tend to see three guys like this in a draft come out with that skill set, but this draft has those guys. Uh, Guard Knight, thank you for the $5 donations. Is at CR, would you be willing to assist Sean Kemp in the Porsche of Justice if Interpol requires? <laughs> Sean Kemp, international man. <laughs> international <laughs> hero. <laughs> Interpol, we need you, Sean. We need your Porsche sharpshooting ways. I'm on the case. Joe Biden's what do you think about Robbie Anderson? Guy seems like a real rocker, locker room cancer, but Seattle is infamous for giving and being successful in second chances. I've never been a big Robbie Anderson guy to me, Joe Biden's make a wish. You know, he's a guy that flourished at a time when he'd be on a bad team that had to throw the ball a lot. So he got himself a lot of opportunities. But I already didn't really like his slight skill set as it is, as kind of a one trick, deep pony kind of guy. Doesn't have the best of hands. And then you add onto it, like you're talking about the locker room cancer spot where he blew himself out of Carolina with a very public spat on the sidelines with coaches. Um, I, I don't, I'm just, there's, and I was already anti him before that stuff. So I'm very much, eh, you know. Camper, Camper reports, is it's crazy how long you can stream for. Much respect. I wouldn't be able to last. I don't know why, Camper. I, I, it's a unique thing. I do hear from a lot of folks like, man, you're still on, you're still going, you're still alive. And uh, I don't know why uh, I necessarily can do it. The only thing I come back to for me, Camper, is, you know, my, uh, 
it may sound like I'm giving lip service to my chat a little bit, but I, I do tend to have people on this that continue to make me laugh, continue to make me think, keep the discussion with our Seahawks vibrant through these hours. As you can see, we maintain, we got, we're four and a half hours in. I've got 200 people in the chat right now. You know, so we've got people that stay very much, I think, connected to what we're talking about. And when you got so many people connected to something and, and, and so many subjects you can kind of go through, as I say, I, I, I can't, I blink my eyes and it's like three, four hours go by. And I, it's a, I've never, there's not a lot of things I've done in my life that it's like that. You know, it's like that when I play video games, uh, but it's not like that on anything else I do in my life. Um, part of why I say I love doing this so much is that it's just such an easy thing to do. Um, but you never know, man, you build up to it too. You know, I probably started out only three hours and we built up to like four five, six hours. So, you know, it's a process. It is a process. Wild Waves was a good time. It's the best thing about Tacoma, and it's not even in Tacoma. Yeah, the Bengals are going to be in a bind, Seahawks, blue and green. The, when they sign the bro contract, it's going to bind them because they're not a, they're they're already like tight on cash every year. Yeah, Mixon will be the first to go, blue and green, no doubt about it. Emma Iverson, I, uh, Lamar gets hurt way way too much. Any team that would give him that much guaranteed money would be absolutely foolish. Part of why I said Iverson that I don't think that this is a collusion situation and that that the players and they're talking this kind of talk are not looking at the situation correctly. It's not. It's about the situation you talk about. I have a player that went to a team and that team decided to use him like a running back through his first four or five years in the league. And he's already showing signs of wearing down from being utilized in that fashion. And I have a track record of players like Cam Newton getting worn down in their career prematurely due to the fact that they were used like a running back through the early part of their career. Then I got to give up two first round picks for this guy. Then I got to pay this guy $200, $260 million. Then I have to make all that money fully guaranteed. That's not collusion. That's a bad deal for any team going out there making that deal. That's way too big a risk. And um, makes sense. Yeah, Flag Sabbath, Wild Waves was, when I was a young 18 year old, Wild Waves was the way to go, man. I was the way to go. Go out there, mix yourself up a little drink, jump on the slides. I'm still all about water parks at 40 plus years old. I'll, I'll go to water park till I die. I love water parks. Seahawks blew the Daniel Jones contract's idiotic. He had one year, and of course, his contract year, only like 15 touchdowns. Yeah, they they paid a guy 40, what, 5 million years. 15 touchdowns thrown last year, folks. He had half the touchdowns thrown of Geno Smith. <laughs> Joka, I hope EA is a dying company. They deserve to die and be buried eight feet, eight feet under and never be dug up again. They had the world on the string. They had it all in their power and control, and instead they chose greed. Greed. Ethan says, I uh, just made a big trade in the MLB, the show. Uh, the excellent general manager that I am pulled off a trade to the Raves. Robbie Ray to the Raves. <laughs> My league contract, first baseman Shane McClanahan. The contract was too much, was too much money. I understand, man. Got to do what you got to do, Ethan. Got to get, like you said, younger and get some money freed up, man. I get it. Great Wolf Lodge. I've heard of that, but I've never been to that. Uh, Brennian Finnegan says, long-time listener, first-time commenter. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. 
appreciate you being a longtime listener of the show. Thanks for uh, checking, checking it out. And thanks for commenting. Please feel free to do more so. Sean Hines says, what do I think about Nolan Smith? A complicated prospect. Um, not a simple one to kind of break down. Took me a lot of film on him to kind of get my feel for what I was seeing from him. Uh, I think the bottom line is what you get from him from a floor standpoint, which is one of the best, if not the best, edge run defenders in this draft. That's what you get right out the gate with him. Now, when he posts those scores and times, you don't really see the freakishless level of quickness and speed coming off the edge that the combine scores would seem to indicate. And of course, he did it at 238 pounds, which is very light for an edge rusher. You're going to have to have this guy put on an easy 15 pounds. He's not going to be running a 4.39. It's going to be more like at that point a 4.5 kind of guy, but that's still very much tremendously fast and very much tremendously quick. Um, you know, he's played a lot of football there at Georgia. He doesn't have a lot of production or upper level production. Georgia's also then a tough defense to make this kind of assessment from because they have their defensive linemen do so much of the dirty work. I've pointed this out about Jalen Carter. This was something that, of course, tracked last year with Trayvon Walker, being that you cannot really look at the production from a Georgia edge or defensive lineman because there's so much blitzing they're doing. There's so many games that they're playing and running up front with their defensive line and the blitzes packages that those guys oftentimes are doing dirty work, which removes the number of snaps where they're truly going out there and having an opportunity to just pin their ears back and attack. When you look at Nolan, a lot of the time he's running five technique, you know, where in our scheme we'd be having him go the wide nine. He's running five technique heads up over a defensive lineman and he's got to kind of just set the edge first and foremost. So if you ask him to do a little bit more pass rush stuff, he probably has that in his bag to do it. I can't go first round though, Sean, for him. I don't want to go high second round, but mid to late second round would be a better value at that point for him, in my opinion. Why do I say great point? I was looking at the draft class and while it looks weak, there are slot receivers you can you can get around round three or later. Jalen Reed, Parker Washington, Tyler Scott. Uh, still want JSN though. Well, understandable that you'd want JSN because he's obviously the best of the best, the creme de la creme. I mean, he's not just a good slot receiver in this draft or even maybe the best slot receiver in this draft. He's probably the best pure slot receiver we've had come out in maybe a couple of years. Um, yeah, I would say your list is uh, your list is right on point with the guys that you mentioned. Just to add a couple other guys in there. I mean, Marvin Mims, I think, is mainly a slot guy out of Oklahoma. Kayshawn Boot out of LSU is another guy that I think is a slot guy. Cedric Tillman's got the body size to play outside, but I think with his, I think he's not very fleet of foot. And so you're only going to have to and be able to really kick him inside at that point. Josh Downs, I think is really only an inside guy at the, at the next level myself as well. Cause I don't think he has the length to operate on the outside. So it's, it, it's stacked up over there, man. There is a lot of, a lot of those guys. Uh, Mr. Fittigan says, longtime listener, first time commenter. Absolutely love your channel. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, brother. Who do you absolutely think the Seahawks' first pick will be? Well, uh, let me say this on the front end of this, Finnegan, um, Mr. Finnegan, where I will tell you that, uh, because I can't pronounce your first name quite right. I'm going to butcher it if I try. I know I will, but I don't want to do that. Uh, My first inclination here is that our Seahawks are going to trade out of five, that they will be moving back. Um, So that's kind of what I really do feel will happen. Now, absent that, which is it kind of the heart of your question, is that they don't trade back, they just stand there. I think that if they get a clean report on Jalen Carter, they'll take Jalen Carter and he will be there and available. But that's if they get a clean report on him from a character background standpoint. If there's not a clear back, character background standpoint, if they do not trade um, and, and, and he doesn't pass that, 
then I do think Anthony Richardson is likely to be the pick at that point. I think they will just say, we're not going to be at five anytime soon. No team was willing to give us the mighty haul that we wanted in return to trade back. Um, this is a pick as much for the future at that point. I, I think that they're going to lean into taking Richardson, that the value is just too good there for that quarterback. And, and especially if they fall in love with his upside, which uh, Brennan, uh, that's, uh, I absolutely could see them falling in love with his upside. He's got the highest upside of maybe any quarterback in this class. So first at the head of this, I think they try to trade back, but absent that, Carter with a clean with a clean character recommendation or as clean as he can be. Uh, and then beyond that, then I think it is Richardson. Sean Hines, who would you who would be a better fit financially and seem wise? Eric Kendricks or Bobby Wagner? Well, unlike Bobby Wagner, Eric Kendricks has been steadily declining over the last couple of years in his play. And when you look at the Vikings being bad last year defensively, Eric Hendricks is one of those guys you're going to point as and point at as to as the reason as to why they weren't particularly good. Um, Bobby's been able to at least provide a functional good level of play. I mean, Bobby's level of play in 2021 when he was in Seattle is last year, where everybody's like, "Well, Bobby's falling off," and uh, still posting a 70 plus PFF grade, which would would blow out of the water any of the um, any of the linebackers we had playing last year. Um, so. You know, I, Bobby's a vastly superior player at this point. Maybe vastly, he's still a, he's still way better of a player than Ken, Kendricks is right now. I think Kendricks' age is starting to catch up to him very quickly. Bobby's being able to somewhat maintain. Jacob Haas, at this point, Jerry's kids are just waiting for him to kick the bucket so they can fix the Cowboys. <laughs> That's probably it. It's treading water, Jacob. It's all they're doing is just treading water. Uh, Michael Slicker uh, with a $2 donation says, what was the story with the sauce situation? Um, so sauce Gardner came out initially and said, um, you know, yeah, I had this meeting. I don't even know why it was brought up and what question the reason the question was brought up with it. But, uh, he was asked about, you know, meeting with Pete Carroll and whatnot in the pre-draft combine process. Um, and, and how the meeting went. And he was like, well, Carroll was making him a little uncomfortable because Carroll was like really close up in his space in his personal space or something is what he was trying to say. And so then Coach Carroll kind of clapped back at him here the last couple of days where he posted actual like screenshots from the meeting where he's over there sitting over there on a chair and like Sauce is standing up in front of them talking to him. Um, but he's nowhere near Sauce or close or in his personal bubble or in his personal space. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's a little elder Carroll, you know, firing some shots back going, oh, really? Oh, you thought, oh, okay, you know. And I like Feisty Carroll for the record. I like Feisty Carroll. Joka says, I think if the 49ers lose again in the playoffs, they fire Kyle Shanahan. Maybe. Kind of depends on what happens with their quarterback position, I think, a little bit. In utero, I love the story about the draft card being ripped from Jones so he couldn't draft Manziel. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Why do I says here I can talk about how I watched 50 hours of college game film and podcast this last few weeks and not looked at as a psychopath. Not at all, man. It's completely normal behavior. You're, you're, you're one of many psychopaths if that's the case in here, you know? <laughs> Megan says, funny you said Hyundai B. My family dealership sells them, laughing out loud. Hey, if I need a car that I need to be incognito that you, nobody's going to be able to remember the make or model of, I'm going Hyundai. You know, half the people that see the car will think it's a Kia. The other half will think it's a Honda. And I'm going to get away Scott clear. If only Sean had, if only Sean could just roll with a little less of the flash. 
Sam, the grace is the BMW will break down if you run away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus with BMW, you don't have to pay that subscription service so I can make it go to a top speed. Didn't I hear about that? You know, I'd forget to probably pay that top speed monthly service charge. And so I'd be trying to get away and it'd be at 45 and then the needle would just stop. <laughs> I'm running from the cops, phone on, trying to pay my bills so that I can get the RPMs back up. In utero, Will Anderson would be perfect in our new defense. He would be. I'd love Will Anderson in our defense. He'd be great. No issues whatsoever with taking Will Anderson. None at all. Sushi, I can't even eat sushi. So I'm with you on that, Sam. Jokers is honestly, Mazdas are better, are good cars. I like them better than BMWs. BMWs are a pain in the butt. Everybody I know who's owned a BMW is a... Need a turkey sandwich is the day after Thanksgiving. Mmm. Big country's got to tur cook turkey right. Maybe I just had people cook it wrong through the years. It could have been that. Alfredo pasta is the only great pasta, says Sam. I'm, I'd go with that. I like fettuccine Alfredo. But yeah, spaghetti and meatballs is way overrated. The best part of spaghetti and meatballs, let's 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 be let's be honest with each other here, okay? Can we just be honest? Can I pull down the curtain here? The best part of spaghetti and meatball is the garlic bread. Right? The garlic bread, even the ones you get from the store, though isn't that the best, isn't like isn't the best quality bread, but you got that store you put it in the oven. That was what you were eating. You know, mom made you eat the spaghetti and meatballs, but you're like, can I get some more of the garlic bread? That was pretty good. Why do I have cheddar cheese sun chips? I could never get to sun cheese, sun cheese chips, sun chips. I tried for years. Why do I? I was like, people are loving this stuff. I couldn't get it. I couldn't do it, man. I tried. Joe Biden's make a wish. When, why move Abe when he balled out at right tackle last season? Made his case as being one of the best right tackles, best tackles out of the draft. It's the part that I don't understand either, Joe Biden. I'm, I'm kind of flummoxed and frustrated by the talk of Abe, ja Abe Lucas moving into right guard. I, I don't understand it on so many different levels. I love Dewan Jones. He's great. But, you know, moving Abe in like that is not putting him in a position to succeed. And he just went out there and, you know, he had a better season at right tackle than even Charles Cross kind of had at left tackle. Like, I, I <laughs> why? I, I don't get the, I, I still don't get the why of it. Like, do, is Dewan Jones going to be like a Hall of Fame? Or do, is, is Dewan Jones or Dar, Dar, Darnell Wright? I've heard both of these two mentioned. Like, are, are they going to be Hall of Fame talents that we're moving Abe in the right guard for at that point to do that? Otherwise, it ain't worth doing, in my opinion. You do remember the King Dogs? I do remember King Dogs. And those were always good. I had a, had a dog at the stadium when we went with Megan this last time. It's good. Seahawks Blue and Green says, I get the feeling Carter went home to sober up after the wreck so he wouldn't get a DUI. Still messed up by not staying at the scene. Character issues for sure. They're there. It is a worry. Will Valdez, what about Adetwame Adeware at 20? He's Kalaja Kansi with 33-inch arms. The problem with Adewari is when you turn on the tape, it doesn't match to what he's done at the Senior Bowl or what he's done at the Combine. 
The tape is really underwhelming with Adewari. When you turn on the tape with Kansi, he's popping off the tape. Popping off the tape. Adewari's not popping off the tape. Adewari is, he's got these long arms, but he's not using them on tape. But then he's flashing great hand usage at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's a kind of a tough prospect to make evaluation of coming into this draft a little bit, Will. But I do believe that Kansi is a far better player than him. I, I think Kansi's a legit first-round prospect. I think Adewari is a second-round prospect. Um, it's not to say Ottawari doesn't have value or that he isn't going to be a good player in the league, but the tape doesn't match up. And stuff does sometimes go beyond just what you measure at and what you test at. And I am always going to be a guy that comes back to the tape as being the thing that that, is, that I'm going to hold at the forefront. I'm not going to put combine scores at the forefront. I'm not going to put measurements at the forefront. I'm going to put the tape at the forefront. And I, I ask you, go back and watch Ottawari's tape and watch Ottawari's tape not as a highlight reel, Go literally just watch his tape on snaps and watching game film of it. And I think you'll see that there, there's just a lot to be kind of underwhelmed by with him where he just sort of disappears and doesn't do a whole lot. Now, Ottawari was also, yeah. So that's kind of where I am where I am with him. I think he's a good prospect, but I, I really like Kansi. Uh, Megan says, we're still taking Carter B. Wow, the Ravens jersey's looking better every second. <laughs> CR says, what problems you Americans all have with German cars? German engineering is a thing you just have to be nice to them and follow the instructions for service. We just don't like, we don't like high maintenance stuff here in America, CR. You know, we're busy people. We got, we got moves we're making. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, have to tend to my car like, you know, like, like somebody, you got to tend to your car like you tend to your woman. She needs that active love and care you know like no i'll do my oil change once every five thousand miles and we'll call it a day you know what i mean those those things just it it's the oil pan it's that this fell off it's the this over here and i mean cr i've had a lot of buddies that own cars that know how to own cars they're not negligent negligent in their owning but who just like it's just constantly something going in disarray or wrong with it or whatnot but look when they run they're great and they drive their sensational cars. I'm getting a lot of agreements on the Daniel Jones contract. Yeah. CR says, so guys and girls, it was a pleasure. Now I have to start working with my coworkers just to get up, going to drink a few coffees, and hopefully I'll stay awake in the meetings. Hey, you hang in there, CR, and thank you for the great chat, man. Appreciate you watching from Germany over there, man, and holding it down from your end of things. Dayatel, I still like Alex Forsythe as a steal in the seventh. I got to go look him up, Dayatel. Haven't had a chance to check him out. Yeah, don't be a stranger, CR. Come on back in. CR0, Nob, Julius Prince is an outside cornerback, but he has an impressive six foot, 10 inch wingspan. Best in the class. Yep. Crazy wingspan, but definitely an outside only corner at the next level. Blue and green cars shown more than. Luckily, they both. Uh, Blue and green says cars shown more than Jones, and I'm not a fan of car. Car to me is mediocre at best. Both teams made dumb decisions. Luckily, they're both in the NFC. Luckily, they are. And I agree with everything you just said on that. Car is better than Jones, but at the end of the day, they both suck. In utero, anyone know what the Hawks' plans for Trey Brown will be? No. Nobody's, nobody's certain on that. And Zao Zero, I think Brent's with his combine performance and senior bowl performance is probably going to push himself up into third, fourth round territory. I think that's where he's probably going. I would like to do more of the fifth round like you're talking though. Because the tape for him, another guy like Ottawari, 
The tape doesn't match the senior bowl and combine performance. Make of that what you will. But that is the case with Brents, and that's the case with Ottawari. Dad tells us Trey Brown should be moved to slot. I'd like to see them maybe try it out there. And at, at, at the end of the day, your your bottom line's like where I'd like to see, which is get Kobe back to the outside. Prison says quantity or quality. Carter or Cansey, Breeze and Mozzie. I don't I know we need a stud, but there's potential in grabbing a stud through quantity. Trading back may be the best for Seattle. Well, Risen, as I've said on my mock, I mean, what I posted to start this out today was here's my mock. You know, here's what I would do as a dream offseason. Here are the players I would take. Here's how active I would be in the draft. And I was very active. I made a lot of moves to get a lot of picks around the second round territory of things. And within my selections, to your point of that, is coming away with three of those four names that you mentioned on your list. So, yeah, it's at the forefront of my mind. It's what I would do. It would be, it would be my approach. Um, and I think it's an approach that would bear about a lot of success for this team into the future if they were to take it. Garth Knight with another $5 donation. Garth, you are wonderful. Thank you for all of the donation. I really appreciate you tonight on the stream as always. Brandon, you called what nobody else had the courage to. Garlic bread is what makes any Italian entree work. It is. It is. I'm sorry, it just is. It's the best thing about it. And, you know, you can do the, especially fettuccine Alfredo, where you get the sauce and you do, you get a little bit of the bread and you put it up into the sauce and you get a good, just a good, oh, look at that. Oh, oh. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. But the bread makes it work. The bread makes it all work. And certainly when it comes to spaghetti, you know, I could clear all that spaghetti off and just t- take two big pieces of garlic bread and I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to be a happy camper. More of a happy camper than if I got to get through all that spaghetti with those weird ass meatballs. You know what I'm talking about. You bite in that meatball and there's like two chewy spots where you're like, oh, that's definitely a kneecap. Oh, wait, no, that's a little, that's a little bit of a nose. That's some nose cartilage there that I just chewed on. You know, don't get any of that with the garlic bread, do you? Nothing but pure just garlic butter and it's got that crispiness to it, right? Where it's in the oven, just baked right. It's wonderful, Garth. It is wonderful. Michael Slicker, no worry, man. And rest in peace, Mama Blue. Space to sound like Sauce got creeped out. I think just Carol asked him some uncomfortable questions. He's like, oh, you're going to make me play the, you're going to make me play clean technique I can't grab all the time. Megan says, I hate water parks. Sorry, B. I grew up on him. What can I say? Gar says, I think Wild Waves is Tacoma, but they make sure to claim Federal Way. They do. <laughs> they do claim Federal Way. <laughs> they don't want to scare the people off, Garf, when they look at the address, you know? Water Park in Tacoma. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Dea Dell says, it's so ironic how EA Sports moniker is, it's in the game. Well, they said that before there was online play and before they learned that they could have people open up virtual base football packs to build their super teams and they could earn double and triple the money of a from a, a person off of just them buying the game once. Um, greed does that, you know? It, it gets you to leave outside of the designs of what is pure and true and right. Um, and they they leaned into it fully. You know, Day, they leaned into it fully. But they've there's no doubt about it. They're now in a place where there's a lot to fix on their end of things. 
Michael Fosdick says, I am upset we paid Gino and we're not aggressive towards a trade for Lamar. I again think it comes down to our ownership. Um, well, the Gino Truth deal is looking better and better as the days go along, Marshall, because I think we're seeing that there's not as much guaranteed money here. There's not as much, it's not as much a pure 35 million on average per year deal. Um, the Lamar deal's got a lot of stuff that trips it up from being able to happen. And I mean, Marshall, you're noticing there's not a lot of teams lining up for Lamar's services at this point. And there's, there's multiple reasons for that. Um, multiple, you know, um, off the rip, you know, he's a guy that has been used like a running back since he's come into this league and he's not built like a running back. He's a quarterback. He's going to get worn down. He's going to get injured with that playing style. It's not sustainable. And he even got injured at the end of this last year. So there's proof to my putting on this. And this, I don't believe that's the only injury that he's had there in Baltimore throughout his early part of his career. So he's not going to get healthier as he goes forward. He's been at his healthiest as he will be in his entire pro career through the first part of this career. He's also not taken steps to, you know, really advance his game in a way where he's going to get to now lean away from his legs and become more of a pocket passer and sort of grow into that part of it. That's not his game. Then you have also the aspect that the Ravens are demanding two first round picks for him. Then you've also got the part that he wants a new contract. Then you've also got the part that he wants a new contract that he wants fully guaranteed. There's so many little things that could trip you up on making a deal like that. But when there's six, five, six, seven things, um, it, it goes to me more than ownership on this, Marshall. And I think if he was as hot a commodity as, as, as you're kind of saying with this, then you would see a little bit more of teams being into more of that bidding war for his services. But it, it does not seem to exist there with that. Um, this might be a bit of a different deal, Marshall, if you're just talking about paying on the money and they're not giving up the draft picks. But as exciting as Lamar is and as exciting of a player as he has been, the, the track record of quarterbacks playing the position like this, like a running back and holding up for a long career and being able to sustain that, especially when you pay them a fully guaranteed contract, which means that if they break down, get injured, or have something that now removes them as a player fully, you're still on the hook for all of the money. So it's, it's a tough deal on this one with Lamar. And it's been made tougher by his camp and, and having his mom be his agent and by the insistent on all the guaranteed money. But it's not a simple, easy deal to get done, unfortunately, because of all of those parameters. Joker says, have the Giants not learned from the last contract extension, Kenny Galladay not ring a bell? I guess not. But when it comes to quarterbacks, people get desperate, you know? Jack says, Carter, Richardson, or Wilson, it will be one of those guys at five. If we stay at five, it will be one of those guys. Five is alive. Five is alive. That's a short circuit reference for you old heads. Uh, number five is alive. They tell someone will be willing to give us a 2024 first and a second to move up and get Richardson. And I'm thinking so as well. I'm thinking so as well. Prince T.Y., hey, Brandon, how do you feel if we bring back Frank Clark with Bobby Wagner and Jadavian Clowney? Um, the, the latter two, Bobby Wagner and Jadavian Clowney Prince, are exactly what I did in my mock in the moves I made this offseason. So you can see here with the free agent signings that I made here, Daniel just did a donation. Thank you, Daniel, on that. But as you can see here on the uh, free agent signings that I did make, I have Bobby Wagner coming back and I have Jadavian Clowney coming back. I do not want to have Frank Clark coming back. Uh, Prince, that he is a guy that's often brought up to me so very often, especially with these the Chiefs releasing. And um, he has been a guy, Prince, that seems to have a really, like, really, really warm affinity 
in Seahawks fans' hearts. Like, there is a revelry for Frank Clark as a former player, unlike that that I've really rarely seen amongst any of our former players. And I don't really quite understand why. He's not been a good player for the Chiefs. And at times in the playoffs, he's turned it on and he's looked wonderful. And maybe from Seahawks fans' standpoint, we traded Frank Clark and then you never really got to see him during the regular season. And then you see him in the playoffs and you watch him ball at the playoffs and then you go, God, he must be an awesome player still. He's not. We, we've, got to, we've got to stamp this one down fully and it's not you, Prince, I'm doing this too, but it's again, it's, it's, it's I, I, I probably hear it brought up about three or four times a stream, especially since he's been released now. We've got to get out on Frank Clark, folks. You, if you're going to be in on Frank Clark and you have a love of Frank Clark and you feel like, man, Frank is the man. He's awesome. If you feel that way, then do the deep dive on it. Go in and look at what he's done statistically over the last four years since he left the, left the Seattle Seahawks. Really look into it. Look at what he's done as a run defender. Look at what he's done from pass rush efficiency standpoint. Look at the sack numbers he's presented. He's not been a good player. And when I say not good player, I'm talking about at one point he was ranked 84 out of 88 defensive ends in the sport over a couple year period. Um, it's He's just not good. So we've, we've got to really put to bed here, in my opinion, the, the, the enamored view we have of Frank Clark. You know, he's not good. I don't think the team's going to sign him at all because they're going to recognize the type of player he really is and where he's at in his career. Um, it does get mentioned a lot, and I get it on that, that, that he's a guy that former players were going to like and that for some reason he's just a guy that's kind of like the apple of a lot of people's eye, but he's not a good player. I can't, I can't reiterate this like enough. He's not good. He's, 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 he's not a good player. He's not going to help us win football games. There's a reason why the Kansas City Chiefs are moving on from him. You know? Uh, Greg says, after Carol de- destroyed Sauce on Twitter, it took Sauce five tweets, the other four deleted, to make a reply. He then went on to rant about it on Twitch. I generally don't like Sauce. Woolen beta. <laughs> he rubs me the wrong way, too. He rubs me the wrong way, too. Megan says, I like sauce at first, but Carol played it so perfectly. I lost all respect I have for sauce. Yeah, me too. He definitely played him. He played him on that one. Why do I says, I think 65% they signed Bobby. I don't want to hear any film junkies tell me how bad that is because I'm all here for it. Fingers in ear, la, la, la. I can't hear you. I, the film junkie thing I don't get. I heard it too. Why do I, people talking about when he was released, like, oh, I watched the film and Bobby's not doing this on tape and he's not doing that on tape. I turned on the tape of Bobby last year. I watched the same all 22. You know, I, I, I don't know what they're seeing. I'm not saying that he's a difference maker or some guy that's like the best middle linebacker in the sport anymore. But the way some people have talked about Bobby, it's like, you know, he, he's basically out there in a walker trying to make tackles, you know. And, and instead, you're seeing a plus player on the football field still. You're seeing a guy that benefits a defense regardless of the defense he's on by being on the football field. I Yeah. But I've heard the same thing, man. I have heard the same thing. I don't, I don't quite understand it. Sam says, plenty of starting inside uh, offensive linemen in this draft. P. Carroll need to hit another two starters up like last year. Agreed, Sam. 100% agreed. 100% agree. Risen says, best part of spaghetti and meatballs with a sauce and meatballs and garlic bread, so I make a meat, meatball sub coming all three, combining all three. That's a good way of going at it, I guess. There you go. The meatball's got to be done right, though. 
Got to be done right. Diego says, get a new car, Brandon. <laughs> I go for functional. Tony says, unfortunately, American cars aren't too much better. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't crow about Ford or anything. You know what I mean? I ain't saying ours are all that great either. So don't get me wrong there. Why two cases? Bobby, a defensive line and offensive line, is that doable in the offseason? Then hit the same spots in the draft plus one wide receiver in the second or third. Absolutely doable, bro. Absolutely. Dana tells us I like Lion King until I dated a girl who watched it every week. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Was it the live? Hopefully not the live action. At least it was hopefully you got the, it was the, it was the, the artist one. Why do I says, I think many are making assumptions with this Broderick Jones thing. Teams do this all the time. Talking to a guy, seeing what they, seeing the player, what the player envisioning could be unlikely looking at him as a guard. It's possible on that. Flag says Lion King every day. That's a massive red flag. That's a huge red flag. Fun P says, that's a beautiful mock draft. Thank you, Fun P. I tried to think this through quite considerably and really go through it, you know, all the moves, all the steps. Try to stay within realism as closely as I can, being a dreamer. Risen says, another hot take. Val Kilmer's a better Batman than Michael Keaton. Ooh, that is a hot take. Michael's the OG though, man. He's the original. It's hard with that. Well, I guess Adam West is the original. Risen, you're getting some blowback on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stefan Jones, what's your take on defensive lineman Adetuari Adewari, Northwestern from the Combine? Also, how do you view Daryl Washington impacting offensive playing time? Um, uh, so yeah, Adewari, we we're just kind of talking about a second ago there, Ostevan. Um, He's a guy that has had a great senior bowl and he obviously lit up the Combine and that those are two really good feathers in his cap. The problem comes down with Adetwami is that the, the, the film doesn't match what he did at the Senior Bowl. It doesn't match him being the difference maker at the Combine and the scores he posts. It just doesn't match. So you have a lot of underwhelming tape, and then you have this good side on the post-evaluation process. Well, isn't it what we always say to ourselves about this process of, you know, don't let yourself run from the tape. Don't let yourself get too far away from the tape. Don't let the tape get nullified by you getting your eyes brightened up by what they're doing from a testing standpoint or up there at the Senior Bowl. Um, after all, this is something that a guy like LJ Collier caused our own team to fall into a line of failure. LJ Collier had okay tape coming out, but then he goes to the Senior Bowl and he wins 90% of the time in the pass rush win one-on-ones and it blows Seattle away and they fall in love with LJ Collier and then they end, up, they end up picking him because of it. I think there's a bit of a worry there with Ottawari that that same thing could be kind of applied a bit here. Now, he is a better prospect than LJ Collier, I think considerably. I do see him as a second round grade, Estefan, so I like him. I think he's probably the fourth defensive tackle, the fourth best overall maybe defensive tackle in this draft, give or take a couple of guys who can slide in like Mozzie or Keanu Benton ahead of him. But um, he's not on the same level of a Kansi. Not the same kind of player. Jacob says, I enjoy Wild Wave.
Jacob says, uh, I enjoy wild waves. Unfortunately, last summer we went, it started raining and half of it was blocked off. That sucks. I'll go back there at some point. Uh, Flags Abbas, wasn't there a smaller water park out towards Bellingham? That sounds right. That does sound right. Uh, yeah, Enchanted Village is still connected to wild waves, I think. In Udero. That sounds right. Uh, sorry, we had a couple donations here. My bad. Uh, Spectre7, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you, brother. And as well as being a member of the channel. Made some homemade Seattle dogs for Super Bowl snacks. Holy hell, it was perfect. Seattle has one of the best hot dog styles for sure. Mmm, that sounds delicious. That's a good way to go game day, man. It is a good way to go. It's hard to go wrong with a hot dog. If I'm doing the home style on it, though, Spectre 7, I got to go whole hog with it, you know? I might have to get some extra fixings. And I'm not a big fixings guy, but if I'm doing the home style hot dog, I got to get a little extra. I'm going to have to go a little bit more, a little bit more harder with that. A, little, a couple of extra additions in there I think I'd have to fit in there. But that's a good one. I like that. That sounds tasty. Good super. That's a good super. That's a not, not a lot of people go to the hot dog on Super Bowl, but it's kind of a straightforward call there. Appreciate you, Spectre. Thank you for the donation. Make me hungry for a hot dog. Uh, Daniel Bailey, thank you for the $5 donation as well. He says, I heard some talking heads say Carr will be the second best NFC quarterback if Rodgers retires or is traded away. What happened to what have you done for me lately? It sounds like a uh, Colin Cowherd kind of take to me, Daniel. That sounds, that sounds just like something Cowherd would say. Um, yeah, uh, second best quarterback if Rodgers retires in the NFC would be Carr at that point. Yeah, I, 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 the, the Carr love that he gets for somehow like everything is the fault of the Raiders organization and Carr never taking that step forward over this past 10-year period is completely on the Raiders. It's completely on every coach that's come through there and all of his offensive coaches who've given a try to take him a step forward. And even when they give him a lot of playmakers on the outside and he's got a guy like Jacobs in the backfield, like it's still, his, it's still the Raiders' fault. Like that's what a little bit of what that somebody to call him a second best quarterback their mindset is looking at Carr in that way and to me that's such an incorrect viewpoint of him where he's got his share of responsibility in this situation too for his failures for not taking the step forward you know for sometimes shrinking in those big moments when he needed to step forward from it um but not the best second second best quarterback and Geno Smith is better than him right now he's better I don't know if he's better than him at six years ago I don't know better than him when he first came I don't know all that I know right now though Smith is better than him and so not I wouldn't even say he's close to the second best quarterback um, even Dak is better than Carr and I'm not a big Dak guy but even he's better Dak Jalen Hurts is better try and go through who else I might be thinking here I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one, Daniel. That sounds like a coward take. I, that definitely sounds like Colin would say that. Uh, thank you, though, for the donation, brother. Appreciate you. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you as well. Val Kilmer is way better than Keaton as Batman. Better than Bale, too. Well, I mean, the tough part for, for Val is that when he came along, you had the, the director going full, like, heading down that crazy town mold where you had left, you know, Keaton got to have a, a guy with the vision and I'm not even a big, uh, whatever his face, Tim Burton. I'm not even a big Tim Burton guy necessarily. 
But Tim Burton at least has a very unique vision in what he does, which was going to put Keaton in a good spot to look good with and all that. Whereas Kilmer was given the director he was given, which was like, you know, the showy guy that ended up putting like nipples on the bat suit, right? So uh, we'll forget the guy's name, but um, that's what hurt Kilmer. It wasn't Kilmer's fault on that. He just got put into a schlocky kind of movie. Um, you give you give Kilmer Tim Burton and you let him work and he might be better. Um, and I'm not the biggest Bale guy either. Um, he, he could pull off the, he could definitely pull off all of the Bruce Wayne stuff. But when you asked him to then have to actually like carry the Batman character, I, I wasn't as, I wasn't kind of as buying it as much with him. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't, he didn't stand out with it either. I still maintain Garth that there's not been a preeminent Batman yet. There's been some guys that have come close. There guys can do certain things that are good about what you need from the character, but there's nobody that's truly really just nailed it, you know, in the way that I think that we kind of look at the Joker character, like Ledger kind of nailing it, at least nailing a certain iteration of it. But I could, I could be talked into Kilmer being better. I can be talked into that. You can only deal with the director you're given, right? Story you're given, the screen, the screenplay you're given. Diego says, all these contracts should be guaranteed. These guys put their bodies on the line for this game that we love. They need to be taken care of. God knows the league makes their money. It's a tough situation, Diego. I, I don't, full, I, 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 I'm kind of torn on this one myself um, because I would initially be predisposed to agree with you on that. And so you got you to gotta agree this, that this, it's way different than baseball and, and basketball, which have the guaranteed contracts. But part of, part of the dangerousness of the sport and part of the way that the bodies get racked up and just and hurt, you know, you start saying there's no contract, you start saying there's, or you start saying that these contracts are guaranteed, then that means that you now have to start to take away a salary cap. And if you're going to take away a salary cap, you know, now you're giving the players this huge amount of extra more money of the, of the pie and taking that from the owners, which the owners are not going to ever give up in that way. Um, but the problem comes down to is that the injuries are never going to be out of the NFL and that you're giving a guaranteed deal to somebody now who can't play. Well, you have to go now find somebody else, which needs you need the other money to go do that. But if your money's tied up to this other player on a salary cap situation, you can't go do that. I think it's a complicated problem to try to fix. Um, I, it's not necessarily great as it stands right now, um, but I don't know if it's as straightforward as just saying you guaranteed all the money of all the players and that that's your fix for it because you know, you can end up with the owners losing a way bigger slice of that pie versus other owners and other, other franchises at that point, um, which they could come back and make the argument of why should we lose a bigger part of the pie when we've created a sport which is the most you know, popular sport in the world. You know, and they may have a leg to stand on with that, that, that there's the deserving on that in the way that they've marketed the sport and grown it over the last 30 years. But as I said, Diego, I'm a little torn on the subject because I understand the other side of the coin with it. Lost here. Hold on. Du, du, du.
Joker says, let's sign John Ross, even on a team last I checked. He's on the Giants. He was indeed. Uh, Jax says, Clowney is the most overrated player of the last decade. Fair enough, Jack. I disagree, but fair enough. Our uh, Dantel Clowney's a very underrated player. Not the stats, but play-to-play effort that he gave in was gave us was great. Yeah, he was great for us. And I, I again, I, there's so many other players. I think I'd point to being more overrated than him. I think part of maybe your overrated point of it, Jack, is that you look at where he's drafted at being the number overall pick. Um, but if we just look at the player he's been. He's been one of the upper-level edge run defenders in the sport since he's entered the league. Um, and he's given you varying levels as far as as a pass rusher over that time. Um, is he the guy that people thought generationally he was going to be when he was picked? Maybe not that, but he certainly is still a plus player at the end of the day. He brings you he brings you plus ability. Sean Garn says Clark would help 100%. Well, if you could do me a favor, Sean, I'm pretty well getting caught up in the chat. Do me a favor, and if you could just push a little bit of uh, backing that up for me. So maybe you could change. If you, I'm open always with any stance I have. I'm open to changing my thought process on it and, and having somebody um, be able to sway me towards another side of thinking versus one that I'm having. I did a deep dive on Frank Clark over the last four years. I've looked at his advanced stats from PFF to how he's done as a pass rusher, to his pass rush win rate, to his abilities or edge stopping run. If we're gonna say that he's good and you're gonna say that it's, you wanna bring Frank Clark back, not because of nostalgia, which we can all agree is silly reasoning behind building a football team, but you bring him back because he's still a very good player. What is the backing behind that, that he is still a good player? What is the measurement by which you're utilizing to make that assessment? And Udo says, Cowherd has some wild takes sometimes. Makes you wonder if he even believes some of the stuff he says. I don't think he, I think a lot of what he says is driven by what he thinks is going to get clicks. And you get turned into that world and you just go, you know, you start going in that direction and it's just, let's hog, hog wild it. Joke is Jordan Love even pro ready? Green Bay seems to feel he is. They're pivoting kind of hard off, uh, off Aaron at this point. If they don't believe that, then um, Flag Sabbath, what was the kid's show that had the baby in the sun? I'm not sure. Estefan says, thanks, man. Appreciate the response and love the show. Well, thank you, Estefan. I appreciate you as well. Thanks for the questions. Great questions. Jason Tudor says, just got back in. So we're at the movies portion of the night. <laughs> yeah, just about there. <laughs> Diego says, what's wrong with nipples on a bat suit? Oh, oh it's, it, it was awful. Awful decision-making there. If you're going to go with nipples on a bat suit, I better see those like, you know, $10, you know, like silver dollar, right? I want the silver dollar nipples on the bat suit. Don't give me the tiny little dainty ones. I want the whole hog then, okay? So I want silver dollar nipples. Point <laughs> if you're going all the way.
Flag Sabbath says, looks like the media is once again betting on the Hawks regressing again. Nah, what's new, right? Flag, another year, another media prediction of a Hawks death. Megan says, at least Kilmer wasn't George Clooney B. That's true. That was, he was not a good fit. Jason Tudor says, Pattinson was fantastic. Love the new one. The Batman. I couldn't quite get on with Pattinson, man. You know, I, I felt like, number one, he physically didn't look the part of a, of a guy that's kicking anybody's ass, okay? I'm sorry, I just did not. I don't, I don't think that guy could, I don't think that guy could break wind, much less punch somebody. Um, I, like the, I like the dark kind of aspect of it. I like to take a little bit more of a kind of grounded thing approach with it. I just couldn't get on with him. Just emo Batman just lost me. Just lost me. Diego says, if Ledger was alive, we would still be saying that Phoenix was the best Batman. We'll call him Phoenix was the best Joker, you mean? I don't know. I still like Ledger's better. But I can understand others liking, uh, I can understand others liking, preferring the, the Phoenix portrayal. Ethan says, I think Pattinson, Pattinson topped Bale from my, me for my favorite Batman. Not better than Dark Knight, but better iteration of the Batman character. Okay. There's certainly a lot of people who love the uh, love the new Batman. I liked it. I didn't quite love it. Megan says, Jack Nicholson's the only Joker I am owed. Ledger was brilliant, but Jack owns the character. Yeah, he's doing a little bit of Jack with it for me, Megan. It's a little, little, little Jack, less Joker, just a little bit more of, you know, wait till they get a load of me. I love Jack, though. So I don't get me wrong. Jack is awesome. In uh, it's to it's a uh, Padaguchi. What which position is your top priority in free agency versus the draft? Um, I think the top priority in free agency would be probably to find the defensive line help initially, and then getting the young guys in the draft to supplement it. So defensive line is the main place I would look to to go with that um, as a top priority. Um, honestly, I, I kind of put it as a top priority in both the draft and in free agency. I mean, you've got to move on from like three guys here at Pataguchi. You know, you've got Al, you've got uh, Brian Monet, Quentin Jefferson. Um, spacing on the third name I had here in my head. Uh, you, you've got about three or four guys you're going to have to move on from and replace that line. So it's going to have to be in both places. And with that being one of the main weaknesses of your team last year, both as run stuffing and even generating pressure at times, that's the place to hammer, hammer it on both sides, make it a priority on both sides. They have to deal with it in that degree because it's in such a weakened state. Spectre 7 says, I'm perplexed by the need for a future quarterback. Gino is older and Locke is unsigned, but at the end, at the same time, we need deep trench help on both sides. It's more complicated than drafting. It's more, it's a more complicated draft in my view. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a draft you can go both ways. Um, I, again, with the future quarterback things, Factor 7, you've got a 32-year-old quarterback who's on a de facto really two-year deal. So going and taking a quarterback is not the silliest place to operate from. If you don't think you're going to be back in this draft picking this high anytime in the future, and you're not going to be picking this high in the future in the draft, and having a great, talented quarterback available to you. If you think you're going to be two years down the road with Geno now retiring or moving on, and you've got no pathway to your next quarterback, then thinking about that right now is understandable. I'm not signing off on saying go that direction with the Sector 7 or saying that I want to do this, 
But I don't think it's, I think it, there's the logical and reasonable to go for a guy like Anthony Richardson and saying, just like what I said, you're not going to be back here again. You're not going to have this opportunity into the future. You know, Max Sherman, who would be a good third wide receiver in this draft? Well, I would probably target in on a guy that would be a slot wide receiver for you in this draft. If you want to go first round, Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you want to go second round, Nathaniel Dell, Jaden Reed, Tyler Scott. If you want to go third round, how about Marvin Mims or Kayshawn Boot? And then if you want to wait all the way down to the fourth round, I would take anywhere of Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs, Xavier Hutchinson, or even Parker Washington. The draft is loaded up with a lot of slots, and you can get them in a lot of different places. So, uh, and when I say loaded up, I mean quality slot guys, not just, but they're really, they're only slot guys, Max. They can only play in the slot, but you can kind of pick your poison where you want to take your guy and you can get a quality one at any place. It's just varying levels of quality. You can get Jackson Smith or Jigba, who's one of the most quality slot guys we've seen come out in a couple of years, or you can get a league average kind of slot guy and a guy like an Xavier Hutchinson or Parker Washington or a Josh Downs. Sort of, sort of whatever your whatever your flavor is on where how big of a priority of a need you make it. Garth says Jack is great as the Joker in 1989, but Ledger and Joaquin were incredible as well. Guess we don't need to rate them, but just remember their incredible performances. Agreed. Yeah, I think all those guys did a great job with their roles. So it's when you're talking, it's nobody did anything bad, and we've had some probably somewhat bad Batman's. So you can't say that about them. That's for sure. Inuro says, Clark has declined year after year greatly. Not sure what happens to him in the playoffs. I think he probably saves a bit in the tank, and Chiefs probably can set him up to keep him in a pretty healthy state for by the time he gets to the end of the year, he's really ready to roll. But it is what it is with that, isn't it? Jason Tudor, thank you for the $5 donation. I really do appreciate it. Says, once again, watched your pre-D&D, watching you after D&D. So here's some salmon treat fun because Pumpkin deserves it for waiting all night. She does deserve it for waiting all night. Look at that face. She's starving for salmon right now. She's literally starving for salmon. <laughs> she's, she's wasting away, I tell you. Completely wasting away, Jason. But uh, thank you for the, uh, thanks for the $5 donation, brother. I appreciate it as always, man. Very kind of you. And uh, as well as being a member of the channel too. Thank you for that too, man. So... Appreciate that, and Pumpkin appreciates it as well. She's going to like that salmon treat after the stream. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation, man, and thank you for all the donations tonight, Garth. You are awesome, brother. Says, I need Aaron Rodgers in New York losing games. It would be fantastic. The fact that Aaron's going to be willing to, to walk in the, the far footsteps as he's already like, it feels like what's happening to Aaron Rodgers right now is like, you know, you always as a young man go, I'll never grow up to be my dad. I'll never grow up to be my father. I'll never grow up. To, and then you find yourself before you're like, I'm becoming my dad. And like Favre was, you know, falling in the footsteps of, of uh, or Rodgers falling in the footsteps of Favre. And he's going, you know, I'll never, I'll never twist the organization back and forth. I'll never put them in a position of making them not sure of what my intentions are, or what I'm not going to do. Then he does that. And he's probably like, I would never go to New York to be put out to pasture. That's such a sad way to end your career. Now he's out to New York to be put out to pasture. It, it is going to be pretty hilarious if he ends up going to New York, knowing how much Aaron probably bristled at the at this following and and sort of the Favre shadow and kind of historically speaking is he will be looked at both in Green Bay and, and University a little bit as being in that shadow a bit. Favre got to a couple of Super Bowls, you know. He has the MVP trophies too, but he got to those Super Bowls at least two of them and won one. Whereas Rodgers could only end up getting to one when it's all said and done. But it does look like Garth he is going to New York. 
Looks like you're going to be Rogers in New York. Seems about right. Areolas. Thank you, Deadly. That was the word I was looking for. Silver dollar areolas. If you're going to put them on the bat suit, go big. That's all I'm saying. Megan says, Pumpkin's looking at you like, really, Dad? Nipples? <laughs> Joker, what's happening with Matt Stafford? Is he finished? I heard the Rams might sign Baker Mayfield to a deal. He's got a weird back thing, man. Backs are hard to predict, hard to tell what's going on with them and where the state of him is, is. It sounded very serious last year with what Stafford was dealing with. He's taken a lot of beating in his career. And he's you could definitely see a guy in that, that that body's been maybe wore out a little bit over time. But uh, uncertain is my answer for you. But certainly it's on the table right now that he potentially couldn't come back, especially if Joka, the Rams are going to lean into this, this kind of quasi-rebuild as they appear to be leaning into it. As we're hearing rumors of a, of a trade with Leonard Floyd, rumors of a trade for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they've already offloaded Bobby. It's heading that way, isn't it? Always compete. Lucas Van Ness equals young Nick Bosa. Why am I wrong? Uh, Nick Bosa has an incredible first step quickness, which Lucas Van Ness does not have. Uh, Nick Bosa has incredible bend and lean in rounding the arc. Lucas Van Ness has no bend and no lean. Um, both of them have some similar stuff as far as what they can do from a power standpoint. Um, so Van Ness has that in his bag. But Bosa's, that's what the part of the special aspect of Bosa is the quickness with the power. And that's the part that Van Ness doesn't have. Which is a major part of Bosa. Jason Tudor says, Stafford's done. I think he's hurt. He's got the money and his, the babe girlfriend, he should retire. I agree. I agree. Got his, even got his title. You know? Jason Tudor says, but Batman is super emo. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I feel like put more of a stronger face on. I don't like the sad eyes, Batman. You know, look at my face right now. Here, here's my patented eyes. I don't want my Batman making those eyes. I don't. I, I want hard, ice cold steel. You know, that's what I want. Okay, I want him looking into the soul of men. This, this look right here. That's not looking into the soul of men. That's not striking fear in the hearts of anybody. Yeah. Risen says Mayfield and McVeigh have a bromance. I feel Stafford is done, sadly, or need time off. Could be. Yeah, Megan, I think, I'm not sure if Stafford plays this year. I think it's up in the air. Marcus liked Jared Letter better than Phoenix. Leto definitely went with the direction on him. He was pretty specific of his choices, that's for sure. He didn't have as much of a chance to do much with his, his role, though, did he? He was kind of in and out. Jason says, Stafford has a major shoulder injury. He's done. Too bad. I really liked him. Those no-look passes were the prettiest things I've ever seen. Oh, he'd be, he threw a beautiful ball, man. If he, that's certainly the done with Stafford. He's one of those guys that had one of the great... All-time kind of uh, releases, throwing motions, you know, just natural and free and easy, throw it a mile kind of guys. Yeah, I thought I, so, um, Jason Risen, Jason's mentioned in shoulder. I thought it was something neck-back thing too. It's my back. It's my neck. It's my back and my neck. <laughs> my neck and my back. Megan says, remember what I said about Miss P's weight, B? I'm trying. 
but she's not even looking at me right now because I haven't given her salmon treats. I mean, when she does that to me, when she shuts me out, Megan, you know, she's shutting me out right now. I got to earn back the love after the stream. My Red Ace says, I take Clowney over Clark every day of the week. Me too, Red Ace. Not even close. Not even close. Estevan Jones, those LJ Collier flashbacks had me thinking of the nightmare of Lawrence Jackson. Yeah, another bust, huh? Another bust out of USC back in the day. Yeah, LJ was a brutal one. Brutal. Sector 7, I don't really mind the idea of taking a quarterback. The Mahomes story probably inspired every other franchise in the league. Probably did. Um, And I think a lot of teams would love to be able to be in this position to have this opportunity to do this even when they're sitting on the quarterback. I just... So many teams are driven, driven by the desperation of the position. They don't have the opportunity to think with a four, you know, a forward, a forward approach to the position. Um, I don't want to do it on the first thing is that this is if I was running things, I'd do it Spectre 7. But if the team does do it, I'll certainly be in the place of uh, supporting it, understanding it, and uh, being okay with it. And Neutro says, Aaron Rodgers is a classic narcissist. I would love to see him fail in New York. It wouldn't be pretty. That New York media is going to be all over him. That's the part I don't think he understands. Like, you understand, Aaron, how much that media is going to be on up your butt. Like, they are going to be on you like white on rice. Like, you want to go into that after having that little protective bubble area that you've had there in Green Bay? You know? Risen says, neck injury and maybe two concussions for Stafford. That's a sign of urgent retirement, in my opinion. Well, I do hope, I hope so for our Hawks, at least. I do hope so for our Hawks. Ethan says it would be funny if Aaron Rodgers went to Minnesota. Oh, remember, Packers didn't trade Brad Favre to Minnesota. He went from New York to Minnesota, but that would be hilarious if that's where he eventually ended up. <laughs> he just keeps walking in Favre's footsteps. It's the only team that wants me. Dan tells us, I hope I don't have to listen to Rodgers talk on TV after he retires. Yeah, I'm good with, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good not having to hear from Aaron anymore. Consumer one and four, I kind of like Rogers. At least he ain't fake like Russ. Well, that's true. He does wear it on his sleeve with it a bit. Esteban Jones, we haven't found a dominant inside defensive lineman built through the draft since we drafted Brandon Mabane. How would you navigate draft capital assuming Schneider's eventual tradeback will land us six picks in the top 52? How would I navigate draft capital? Um, so I would be addressing the inside defensive line with a lot of those picks in the early going. Um, if you, when you look at how I did in that trade back here, you know, I didn't wait to kind of go in and pick in different places for the defensive line talent in this draft. I didn't say, let me wait till the third, fourth, fifth round to get this done. I jumped on it really quick because this, this, there is some very talented defensive tackles in this draft, but they through the, about the early part of the third round are going to be completely gone, Esteban. So if you don't strike while the iron's hot in the first three rounds, you're not getting a significantly good defensive tackle at that point. You might get a run stuffer only. You might get a guy that can give you a little bit of pass rush from time to time later on. But if you're looking to get a guy who's a true improvement and upgrade at the position, you've got to go early. So three of my first four picks were to specifically the interior of the defensive line. So I, I made it a priority. I think it's something that's got to be, we've got to jump on and, and jump on in a major way. Um, so that's how it would inform me, Esteban, is three of those uh, six picks in the 52 at that point would go towards the defensive line. 
Dantel Cup would have been MVP if he didn't get hurt. He might have. He's up for another season. Consumer 104, you watch Andor, Brando? It's next level. It's going to be on my list, um, but I don't have Disney Plus because there's not enough stuff for me to watch on it. Um, and so I, it's some of these streaming services, I've got to get a little content built up that I want to watch and kind of, so I can just you know, watch it all and then turn off the subscription. Because <laughs> I'm not going to uh, order something. I don't, I, was, I hate on some of this stuff that I flicked. This happens to me Netflix all the time where I'll turn on Netflix and I'm just like, no, 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 God, no. I don't want to watch that again. That's horrible. No, but uh, I will eventually get around to it. There's been too many people that have talked too well about it. And I'm, there's, there's such a dearth of good content out there that I'm always looking for the diamonds in the rough. Dea tells us that Cup was on pace for like 2,200 yards and 20 touchdowns. Cup was going nuts. Had like eight yards after the catch too. That's crazy. Yeah, him and Stafford were a match made in heaven. No doubt about that. Jason Tudor, thank you for the $5 donation. I really do appreciate it. Says, speaking of Pattinson, Good Time is one of my favorite films of the last few years. You should go check it out. Same directors who did Uncut Gems. One, that's one on my list to go check out. Doesn't he play a guy uh, from like Brooklyn or something? So he's doing like a, a Jersey accent or a, a New York accent, something like that. I think he's doing in that one. Um, so I'll go check it out. I think I've seen a couple of clips of that on YouTube. And uh, that's one that I've been uh, kind of waiting to see if that one pops up on the on the Amazon Prime or the Netflix. Just watch it, check it out for, kind of for free up on there, you know, kind of go with it on that. But um, I will check it out. And I'm not anti-Pattinson overall. He is a very good actor. I just don't want melancholy Batman, okay? I just don't want dour, sour, you know, just... I know his character is a little bit brooding in general, but there's a little bit of a line to me between brooding and, and sort of just the, you know, the, the emo stuff, you know? And he's just Mr. Emo to me on a lot of stuff. But I do like him in some roles when he's, when he's going out. I liked him in the, uh, the one he did with the, uh, the Timothy Chalamet kid, right? The King one, right? That one was, he's pretty good in that, playing a Frenchman. Um, so he's good. He's a quality actor. He's good at what he does, but... Just kind of miscast for me with with Batman. That's just not the right spot for him. It says good. Don't cave on a B. Don't push me. <laughs> They tell Stranger Things is good, but starting to get repetitive. Yeah, it kind of lost me after first season. I didn't get, I wasn't able to stay with that one as long as some other people were. They tell Dune Part Two got pushed to September. Makes sense. You know, it's going to be epic, and there's a lot of post work that's got to be done on that with the CGI and all that. I love Dune Part One. That was one of my favorite movies last year. I thought they did a great job with it, and I'm even a fan of the original what Cronenberg one that he did back in the day. So. One of those novels eventually you want to watch. Consumer, not yet. I will watch it. Uh, uh, I will watch. I have Disney Plus. At some point, I'll have to check it out. White Bird says, Rodgers has to be traded out of the NFC. Yeah. Packers don't want to trade him within the NFC. In utero, Green Bay had a clause in the trade of Favre to New York that if they traded him to the Vikings, Green Bay would get three firsts from New York. That's crazy. <laughs> I never heard about that. That's hilarious. 
Dantel, over under on Jordan Love's quarterback rating at 80. Well, Jordan, it'll be over 80, Dantel, but, you know, these guys can close their eyes and throw the ball and they'll get over 80 in this day and age. So I don't know if it'll mean necessarily that he's playing the position exceptionally well. And I don't think they're making this move on because they think Jordan Love is just so incredibly talented. I think they're making the move on because they're over the Rodgers stuff. They're over the, the same seesaw thing that they had to go through with Favre every year. Garth says, Rodgers might get traded to sit on Bat McAfee's lap while A.J. Hawk watches five days a week. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Joe, I wonder if Rodgers is going to take shrooms every game. He might just get through those New York media. Flags happen that Mazze Smith developed some pass rush ability. He's going to be really good. If he got some pass rush ability, he'd be outstanding as a prospect flag. It doesn't show up on tape, but I mean, look, he's the power's there. It's got some quickness to him. Dayatel's Showtime series, Your Honor, is very good. Okay. Check it out. Flags happen that I want to see Alejandro Jabrowski's Dune. You probably saw the uh, documentary a couple of years ago covering it, didn't you, Flag? Part of the problem with that, too, is that that guy had so much of his stuff ripped off for other things like aliens and stuff from the work that he did in Dune. It's weird how many of the, you know, of his sketches and all the stuff that he was putting together ended up in other movies. So it, it sort of, he almost got, you know, kind of pilfered a little bit on that stuff by the people that saw the project and then were like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to put that in my thing. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to put that. The documentary was incredible, though. And I love, a, I love a guy that's got just an insane vision. He wasn't able to get it done, but I love the fact that he had the, the vision he did. Megan says, B, can you explain the tampering thing? Down here, tampering is illegal. Uh, it's illegal in sports, so how do teams get away with it? So what happened for years, Megan, was you had March 15th as the free agent start of the NFL uh, offseason or whatever with free agency. And this was the day where new deals could be signed starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What was happening, though, was that teams were already negotiating with players prior to that. And so 1201 would arrive, Megan, and the league office would have all of these deals being handed down to them. It would be like, well, wait, we've been open for business for a minute and we're having all of these free agents signed. You guys didn't negotiate this stuff in 60 seconds. What the hell is going on? And so the league acknowledged at one point or another that people were going to do the tampering stuff, whether they put the date on the 15th or not. And so they tried to gain a little bit more control over this by saying, okay, you guys want to negotiate ahead of the free agent period, fine. You now will have the open negotiation period to happen from the 13th to the 15th, which let's be honest with each other, Megan, the tampering period has already been happening before that period of time. Teams are already negotiating with players as it is. But this at least now builds in the excuse for NFL to say, well, look, if deals come down the track instantaneously on Wednesday, the 15th, it's, it's because they've been negotiating since Monday, not because they've been negotiating for the last month or God forbid, they've been negotiating since the before the end of the season. Let's say that, right, Megan? So um, it's all kind of a little bit of silliness at the end of the day. It's, it's like semantics, really. You know, uh, uh, the bottom line is that teams have been negotiating already. Teams have been talking already. Players are understanding very much the lay of the land. Um, but it's, it's just a thing for looks more than it is for real application would be my opinion on it.
There's an I'll be favorite Ezra Bridger might be my favorite Jedi. I love Plo Koon and Kit Fisto too. I feel they'll all I feel they all be so down to earth. I don't know any of those names, man. God, I'm getting old. Yeah, Ethan Dune was amazing. I love Dune. I went back and like watched it the like a day or two later after watching it initially. Just appreciating what he did. It's such a hard novel to do too. It's such like an it's the definition of like unfilmable novel. <laughs> Jason says new Dune is very villain way, pretty but not engaging. I just didn't care about anyone. Same as the new Blade Runner. Felt like it was a little bit more going on to it. And and what I feel like when I with with Villanueva is he just he needs a story built in already that he can operate off of so he can do all of his, as you say, pretty pretty filmmaking and all of his visual stuff. Um, you give him the baseline of a story to work from and he can make he can make something of it. But when you have him starting to kind of work off of his own stuff, that's when it starts to run off the tracks for me with him a little bit. But I, I get that I get that criticism. Makes sense. Fei Wung Hang going on eight five hours. We are five hours forty five minutes. My goodness. Black says, yes, that documentary is awesome. Oh, it was awesome. The Dabrowski one. Yeah, it was great. Consumer says, Prey was a decent, actual good Predator movie. I'm going to have to check it out. I didn't get a chance on that one quite yet, but that's definitely when I was meaning. I, I had heard it was pretty decent. Risen Packers don't care who the quarterback is, but they just don't want Rodgers anymore. Bingo, Risen. You hit that, you hit that one right on, the, right, right on the button, buddy. That's, that's my feeling of it either as well. Megan says, so the deals are done by the 14th. That's illegal. No, because you can agree in principle. That's the, with tampering, it's we can agree to a deal in principle. We can't sign the deal until the 15th, but we can have a verbal deal in place. And if you got a verbal deal in place, that's pretty lock solid at that point. Flags has just finished watching my first watch through of Breaking Bad. I get what the fuss was about. Pretty damn good. Great little series, man. Yeah, great series. Very good. Megan says, B, read the Dune novel. I read the Dune novel in seven hours. Damn, that's good. That's one book I want to read at some point. I was looking at a bit of the advanced lore, like once it gets past the book, it sounds like the main character turns into kind of a (laughs) douchebag. Doesn't sound like he's very, doesn't sound like that makes some very good choices, you know, is as pure once, once you get onto book two and three. In utero, I can't wait for free agency, so we'll have more of a feel for how the draft might shake out. Me neither. And that will give us a clearer view of things. That's for sure. Megan, so that mock draft didn't have Carter. So I guess that means you're joining me on the dark side. Um, You know, Carter's still in play for me here, Megan. But, uh, you know, the trade back possibilities was just too strong. The, 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 the returns on the trade back was too great. I can't turn down that much. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, Megan. It's too good. Greg, I heard uh, Star Wars is, ju- is just a watered-down Dune. How accurate is that? I've never seen Star Wars or Dune. Well, Star Wars holds a specific special spot in my heart in that respect of things. I can't really see... There's certainly some things within Star Wars that they probably took from Dune. Um, but no, I mean, the dynamic in the original Star Wars is about the father and son thing. There's a father and son element to Dune, but it's more really about the, the son becoming this masonic like figure than anything else where i don't think luke was quite ever that looked at as that way quite as a character um you know but there's some similarities there i guess 
Why I got, I tried to watch the second Blade Runner. I've never been able to stay awake through it. It's a boring ass film. It's awful. It's awful. It's the, it, it's all of the worst tendencies of Villain Nuevo. Um, all of his worst stuff come out in that movie, in my opinion. All of his, all of his worst traits. Yeah. Jason says, yeah, B, that's entirely where I disagree. Villanueva is a far better with his own stories. When he adapts, he makes it look good, but it has no punch in the end. Just IMO. I feel you then, man. I feel you. I just feel a little differently on where it's just sometimes on the stuff he does where it's like, and maybe like Blade Runner would be a prefabricated like to your degree on that. I don't know. And this is sort of my instinct with it. I could be wrong on that one. I don't have a strong opinion with that. Just a gentle one with Villanueva. Jason Duter, I've started reading Dune like five times and just go, oh man, this is really long. I'm going to play video games. <laughs> I tried it back in high school. You know, it was in the library in high school and I couldn't get through it at that time. But it's one that everyone says you got to at some point in your life read. That's what I, that's what I hear at least. That's what they tell me. Megan says, I started watching, rewatching The Sopranos. God, I still love that show. It's a great show. Very well done. Ethan says, I've seen Enemy or his first movie, but I've consistently loved everything I've seen of his. Uh, oh, I know you're about, yeah. Oh, I knew draw. Uh, Garth, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you, Garth. Hope you're having a good night again too, man. Thanks for chilling in here and all the donos. Says when Aaron Rodgers goes three and 14 with the Jets, he'll have to get his, he'll have to get only fans, but he'll forget he's no longer dating Olivia Munn and make it with Joe Rogan. <laughs> I can see that Garth does the Tom Brady route where he goes the un uh, starts posing in his underwear as soon as he retires when he knows locker room ain't going to give him crap about it. <laughs> I can see it. I can definitely see it. <laughs> oh, three and 14. Yeah. It's not going to be a success story, Garth. If he goes to New York for me, I know the New York team's pretty well built up and he's going to have a lot to work with there, but Rogers in New York just feels like oil and water. It absolutely feels like, you know, he's got to be out in some West Coast, easy going, easy come kind of situation. Not not like the New York media just leaning over the top of him, staring at him. I don't think he'll react well to that. Thank you, Garth, though, for the $5 dono. John Stilwell, thank you for the big $20 donation, man. I really do appreciate it. And, and also being one of my patrons and member of the channel and all of the support you do bring. Thank you, brother. I really do appreciate it. I saw the uh, article that you sent the other day too on Patreon, by the way. So I haven't had a chance to quite get through the full length of it yet, but I do intend to give that a read on the sunk cost thing. So thank you for sending that my sending that my way as well. Um, I will, I promise, get around to checking that thing out before it's all said and done. So hope you're having a good night, John. It's good to see you in the chat, brother. And thank you for the donation. Risen says, didn't they update the rules where agents can talk the day prior or Monday leading to so what was kind of illegal is now legal? Yes. So now it starts on Monday, Risen at nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Agents can begin to talk, players or agents can begin to talk with uh, front offices and hammer, start to hammer a deal out. Just can't actually sign it until Wednesday, but now you have a legal tampering period that starts Monday. Megan says, you know what happens if Carter's taken at five and what I have to say and mean for me to stick around? I do, Megan. I know what is at play here. I know, and I know the price that will need to be paid. I know the high price that will be required by my lady from Dananda. 
Megan says Blade Runner 2049 would have been epic if Ridley Scott had directed it. That man is a freaking genius and my all-time favorite director behind Kubrick. That's a good list of uh, one-two punch as far as all-time directors, Megan. And uh, would have thought he would have kept it moving a little bit more to your point, Megan. You know, Dennis got that thing a little bit too languid, a little bit too too much of uh, Captain Fantastic walking slow through a, through a dust-bitten dystopian future. A little bit too much of that for me, right? But uh, yeah, I think, I think Ridley would have at least made it move a little bit. Give me a little bit of motion to the ocean, you know? Flag, they should have left Star Wars alone. Yes, exactly. It was fine as it was. Dayatel says, I didn't care for 2049. Wasn't enough to digest. Yeah, me too. It's kind of an empty, just hollow, beautiful, hollow movie. Risen says, Snyder recently said you can't even talk to players or agents until the 15th, so who knows completely what the rules are. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know why that they call it the tampering period then, because the tampering period's a definitely a well-known thing. Um, bottom line is that he could maybe say that they're talking. Like, the, these guys are talking. They're talking before Monday. They're hammering out these things before that time period. You know, no, nobody's, nobody's playing by the rules in that way. I don't think they ever have in that respect to things. Yeah. Yeah, Kubrick's definitely one of the best all time. He's up there for me too, Megan. He's right. He might be up on my number one. I don't know if I have a certain one, but I've got a couple guys that are right there for that spot. Uh, now, Robert Solo is the coach, Megan, for the Jets. Consumer 114, hey B, can you explain uh, the Tyree Wilson hype? I don't get it. It doesn't fit the scheme. He isn't quick. And his tape is underwhelming at best, maybe at 20, but not at five. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think I'm a little more excited than you are by him. Um, I do think that his tape has a lot of moments on it that are tepid. Um, if you look at his last year's tape in 2021, it's really kind of just there, you know, and that there's a lot, there's not a lot to work with. It is a little better this year. He showed improvement. I think you've got a guy at 6'6", 275. In my opinion, the way I look at him as an outlook is I see a guy that's Julius Peppers minus 20 pounds. Peppers was phenomenally big, could move phenomenally well for his size. That's the reason he was originally a top five pick. Um, I think Wilson is within his kind of stratosphere and not as good a player. I, I don't think he's that, but you know, is he a 90% of a Julius Peppers? I, I think he kind of is. Um, he's got natural things you're not going to teach being that big, that long and having the good get off um, instincts need to come forward with him. Uh, pass rush refinement needs to come forward with him. But when you're looking at picking a guy at that point, you're looking for a guy that, that has things you can't teach that are physically special and different from anybody else in this draft class. He has those things. But I think another part of this beyond just the front side of him as a player um, and the mixed bag as a player on this that we've got to acknowledge a little bit here, um, uh, consumer, is that if not Tyree, then who? If not Tyree, Brian Breeze and his underwhelming tape of 2022. If not Tyree Wilson, then Miles Murphy and his underwhelming tape of 2000 uh, is his underwhelming tape of 2022, which didn't match to what he was doing in 2021. If not them, Kalijah Cansey with his 
six foot build and three and a half inch arms. If not him, a cornerback, we don't take cornerbacks that high. You know, if not him, then that's a part of this too, which is that you're rightful to look at this and go normally at five, when I'm taking a player like this, who's been, who's being projected at this spot, I'm getting well, way more of a certain item. I'm getting way more of a, I know what I'm buying off the shelf here. You're not getting that this year. Why? Because this is a weak draft, Consumer 114. This was a weak draft that then got even further devastated by the NIL. The combination of those two have weakened down this draft. So the guy that you're getting at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 is not the typical guy in talent that you would get if this was the 2018 draft or the 2019 draft or the 2021 draft. And so some of the, it's those two aspects that are there at play here where you've, you see things you can't teach on tape with him that are in flashes that aren't consistent. And then you've got that really weakened draft on top of it, which is there's just not as many guys there to, to sort of pick through at the top. Um, so you're right to question it and be reticent with it. Um, but I do think he's a good player. I don't, I don't think he's special as I normally would get there, but I like what I see from him nonetheless at the end of the day when it's all the bottom line of it, so to speak. Greg Kemp says, I saw someone do a review of the recent Dune movie, compared it to the book, and it made me really want to check it out. Seems really detailed and interesting. Yeah, they did a good job with it, Greg. Uh, and I I've been a, I did like that original Dune one. I, I was wondering what they were going to do with this one, and I thought he did a great job with it. I've been impressed so far with what I've seen. John says, I think A, a Clockwork Orange was my favorite, but I really like all his films. Yeah, I don't know what would be my favorite Kubrick Everyone's got kind of a different feel to it for it with what they bring, you know? I don't know. Yeah, consumer, the tough part with making the, cons the the comparison to Dunlap on this one, consumer, is Dunlap was a guy that was, I think, a hand-in-his-dirt guy, a 4-3 defensive end guy, all the way through from college, all the way with what he was doing with Cincinnati. Tyree's standing up at Texas Tech, and I think even though he didn't test out at the combine with the short area quickness stuff, when we do end up coming out to find out what Tyree Wilson's short area quickness scores are and what he does as far as that explosiveness that he has, that's the thing that I think is going to be separate of a guy like Dunlap, where that's what's going to allow him to be a stand-up edge rusher coming off the edges, that he has a, an unusual amount of quickness for a guy that is that size. Um, whereas with Dunlap, again, I think he was a, just a purified defensive end who just didn't quite have that get-off at the snap. He was a guy that was going to beat you with his length, with his size, and kind of overwhelming you then at the point of attack with his power. 
Um, this guy can give you a little bit more bend and, and lean um, than I think what, what Dunlap had in his bag out the jump with that. John Stilwell has been celebrating five months as a Hawks Nest Ring of Honor member. And I do appreciate you, John, for all that longtime support. Says, hey, Brandon, tell me we at least might move away from the 3-4. Uh, I'd love to see it, John, but for me to predict it, I've got to see some indication from the coaching staff that they're going to own it and recognize that that's something that would be a smart move for them to make. The coaching staff has not indicated that. They've told us kind of the opposite, that they're going to stay with it. So until I see them indicate they're willing to move from it, I'm going to say you're going to stay in the 3-4. I wish it were so, John. I wish they would move in that direction. Um, to me, it, it just makes so much sense on a variety of different levels but they seem to be committed to this change and they seem to be wanting to do it for whatever it's worth. I've heard a couple of comments that seem to pinpoint back to that. I guess the only book I have read more than once that is like Dune is Lord of the Rings, which I've read at least twice a year and I've done since I was seven and 46. So you can guess how many times I've read, read at 12s. I read all the Lord of the Rings books too. It's good books. Very well written. Jason says, poor me. <laughs> Jason says, poor B. Uh, this is a football channel. <laughs> oh, that's all. I love my talking movies. Yeah, we'll probably eventually, this channel will probably be eventually about all topics. I'll probably be doing like, you know, YouTube reaction videos of like 80s videos by the time it's all said and done five years from now with the channels. <laughs> so we're just, we're just growing. We're just growing out. That's all. Uh, Risen, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Verse is who we would have been talking about if he didn't go back to school. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a couple guys in here on that, but yeah. More of the impact will probably be second round, third round guys in there on it for how they they push the draft. But that would be a guy to be on would be there. I uh, tell I haven't seen three billboards outside Ebbing, but that's one I've seen some scenes from, and I've always wanted to, just never gotten around to. It, it seems kind of like a bummer movie. <laughs> that's the only re I don't. I, I just don't want to come out of the movie being like, okay, where's my shotgun? You know, <laughs> I can handle sometimes bummer movies. That one seems like a big bummer, a little bit. Consumer says, you know your football. Kudos, B. Hey, thanks, man. And again, you're right to be uh, a little bit hesitant on Tyree, man. So I, I I, get it. I completely get the like, I want better than this at five. You know what I mean? It's like finding out you, every year you got your biggest Christmas present, you know, and, and you're hoping it's this year you're getting your, your Xbox and instead you open it up and it's like, you know, a belt or something. I don't know, you know? It's something just, it's, it's, you know, you want better at number five. I get it. I do. I would normally too, but it isn't, it is in the shape. It is a little bit. I appreciate that though, man. Thank you. Flag. There has never been a Lovecraft movie. Never has never have been a good Lovecraft movie. By the way, guys, I don't know, as we're talking about this other subject stuff, I got a little bit of a surprise for you guys. Uh, and I've been meaning to post this to the chat. I have completed my novel. So a book that I've spent 14 years writing is just gotten wrapped up. So if anybody knows anybody that can do the artwork on the front of my book, let me know. Because I, uh, I need to have somebody do the artwork. I'm going to publish it on Amazon. 
but I'm just wrapping it up. I'm so stoked. It's a monster too. Uh, what they need to be doing is start uh, adapting Philip K. Dick's work. It's good, good, good way to go with that. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, eventually Brando will review Dirty Dancing on this channel. And if he says Swayze isn't brilliant, I'll leave him to his mom. <laughs> thank you for the $5 donation, man. I love Swayze. They're remaking, uh, you saw they're remaking Roadhouse. They had Hall out there at UFC shooting some shot for the for the movie. But that, it, it, that ain't going to come anywhere near close to the original. You know? Ripping dudes' throats out. You know? With his fingers. <laughs> plucking that stuff i can't wait for the new roadhouse man well no i can't actually it's gonna fall short so i i wish they hadn't made it just left it but i like swayze swayze's classic classic uh megan yes that's the book i was telling you about uh, back in the day so i finally got through my final edit and now i just need to get the artwork done on the front and i got to contract it out and i will let you guys know the title um unlike my other book that i buried and i hidden from you guys because i don't want you to read that other book Okay, you guys don't need to be reading that other book. But this book, I'm, I'm very proud of. And it's going to be a dark book. So it ain't football related. It's going to be, it's a little bit on the dark side of things. But Ethan, what can, what can I say what kind of book it is? Uh, it's kind of like, um, it, it's, it's like an uh, Odyssey-like journey, I guess, by a, a kind of a single character running through an Odyssey journey of, uh, that changes the nature of his reality. A little bit it's got a lot of conspiracy in it too and not not right-wingy kind of stuff but pure like pure conspiracy stuff where it kind of blends it in a little bit so i'm stoked i'm i'm very stoked uh jason yeah i could find someone to do my art uh looking online um sometimes it's hard to do that stuff you go to a fiverr and you get a guy they'll show you something that and then kind of get that I'm, i might go that route i just don't like the randomness of picking somebody and then they send you something you spent paid money on you're like this is crap I'm not putting this on. I don't want to do this. But I probably will go that route. I just want to check if somebody maybe in the chat knew somebody, you know, on something that will be with it. Uh, Flag Sabbath. Hey, B, when you're going to tell us the title of the first book I wrote. Look, it, it's, it's, an, I'm embarrassed by the first book I wrote. Okay. So let's, let's understand this. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's understand this. I'm not proud about the last book I wrote, first book I wrote. There's a couple of realities of it. I wrote it. I've made some money off of it. I'm not proud about it. And I'm never going to tell you guys the title of it. So you will never know what that title of that book is ever going to be. But I will tell you about the title of the other one. And I'm just going to have to leave it, leave it about that. Uh, yeah, the book's about a personal journey of a, of a main character. You know, it's, it's a book that sort of changes in its tone chapter by chapter as it's taking you through the journey. So you sort of think it's this. And then the next chapter, you're like, wait, no, I'm, I'm, this book's this. Oh my God, no, this book's that. So it's really just about a character that looks at the nature of their reality and the view of the world and they've got an outlook on it, which gets shattered. And then they start diving into looking at what the real nature is of reality and diving into the depth of it. And it sends them on a journey and a pathway, which uh, like I said, sends them on like kind of an Odyssey-like journey where they end up you know, living a normal life that ends up leaving far away from that and having them um, trying to go out in pursuit of ultimate truth is sort of what the main character is trying to find in the, in the book. Uh, so it's got, it's got some darkness to it. It's got some sci-fi elements to it. It's got some horror elements to it. Um, it it's, got a, it's got a lot 
lot within inside it a little bit. So a lot buried in there. Jerome Blossom says, golly, you're still streaming. I'm still going, still going. Flag, I'm never going to tell you the title of that book. I'm embarrassed by it. You understand, I wrote that last book because I called it my sellout novel because I spent, you know, you guys, I spent my 20s trying to be a screenwriter. So you're, you know, you write 10 screenplays and then you never, nobody ever really kind of reads it outside of you trying to post it to places. And then you, uh, so I was like, well, I'll write a sellout book. And, uh, you know, I sold out on that one. I did do that, but uh, I'm a little embarrassed by it. Okay. I'm a little embarrassed by it on that. I'm not going to, you guys don't need to know that title. We'll just leave it at that. You you don't need to know it. Uh, John, thank you for the $20 donation. The double 20s tonight, John. Thank you for double double fisting down on that $20 donation, brother. You're very kind for doing so. And again, thank you for all of the support over Patreon as a member of the channel. Says, congrats on the book, Brandon. That's a nice accomplishment. Well, better be, uh, you guys can definitely... um, know that I'll be getting you guys out to the members of the channel and all those that who want uh, access to trying to get nice, cheap, easy copy on it if, if I can to you guys on that. So uh, thanks, man. This has been my, uh, this is my, this is my, I've written a lot of stuff in my life, some good, some bad, but this is the stuff, this is the one that I'm most proudest of. I, like I said, 14 long years of picking through this book. It's, uh, I think I got like something like 500,000 words or something like that. It's a thick book too. So it's real deep, long, but uh, it's my labor of love. Megan says, wow, so excited for you. I have a friend who just published and I was the first person to read it. Oh, hell yeah, Megan. I'm, I'm stoked too. I'm, I'm hoping it's decent. It's gonna be obviously kind of a rough draft as I post it because I don't have anybody else who's ever read this stuff. I've been the only guy who's put my eyes on this. So hopefully uh, I have not been writing something for 14 years it's completely crap and it's actually pretty decent, but I really, uh, it's one that's close to my heart. Close to my heart. Uh, but thank you, John, for the $20 donation, man. I really, 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 really do appreciate all of the support. Jason says, are you going to let editors or something read it first before publishing? I got, uh, I got a major in English lit would love to read it. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely down to send. I'm just going to probably publish it as like a rough draft. I mean, the thing with Amazon and when you publish a book to Amazon is you can publish it, pull it back down, rechange it back through. So the plan for me, Jason, is to kind of, you know, release it back up, maybe get some of the feedback back from folks on, you know, some things that can be changed. Um, the hard part is, is when there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words like this, it's been hard to get people to read it uh, close to me because um, it, it is a little bit of a commitment. It's not just a quick little, well, in an afternoon, I'll get through this book. You know, you're going to, you're it's going to go pretty deep on it, but um, I'll probably just publish it. But I certainly would love, Jason, if you get a chance to publish it to look through and, and I send you a copy after that point, if you want to look through and make some notes or whatnot on that. Um, but it's a deep one. It's thick. So it's, it would be a, it'd be a great undertaking probably as far as editing goes, but I do need an editor. I do. Yeah. That's, it's something that I'm, that's one of my weaknesses is, you know, grammatical stuff and everything being on that. Ethan says, Russell Wilson, a football story by Brandon. That'd be probably a pretty big publisher there. Consumer says plenty of sex and violence. There's a lot of violence in it. A little bit of sex, not a lot of that. John says, I could probably help you out with the art. Not personally though. I'll probably, I'll reach out to you then, John. I can definitely do like a rough thing that I we can send to them as far as my ideas for what I want it to look like. Um, but I don't trust my own skills enough in my hand to do it. Um, I did my last book cover, which was okay, but I really want this one to be one that I can use the book cover as something to draw people to it. Really be something that, you know, a lot like the thumbnails on the channel that really pops. 
Yeah. Uh, Ethan Tech World over under 300 pages. I think it's going to come out to something like 550, 600 pages when it's all done. Or that's about right where I'm at with it, I think. Megan says, I got the name and information of this book when I met up with B in Seattle. Still have the message on my phone, 12s, laughing out loud. <laughs> Megan's got access to the secret book. Uh, Megan's got access to the secret book. Uh, and Utero says, I want your book to be about aliens and UFOs. Well, then you will be very satisfied because there is definitely a portion of my book that has inclusion of that. But are they aliens? Are they UFOs? Are they government created? Are they interdimensional entities? You'll have to read the book to find out. Dantel D. Eskridge and Exercise and Fertility by Infertility by Brandon. <laughs> uh, Megan says, B, I'm writing my book, which I remember you mentioned that. You started 32 years ago. Well, hopefully you get well, this one. This one uh, motivates you to get it done, so I can read your book. If you read mine, I gotta get to read yours then. Standard Champion says Brando's first book is a totally a best-selling romance novel. <laughs> well, if it was that, then you'd absolutely understand why I would not want my football audience to necessarily be in on having to read something like that, right? Uh, Jason, I'm actually more interested in your screenplays as someone who's written a full lousy screenplay myself himself. Well, I, I might publish those eventually too here, Jason. So I've long thought about, you know, back in the day when you're young, you're worried about publishing your screenplays because you think somebody's going to steal it. But, you know, then you get to your mid 40s and you're like, hey, it'd just be great to see my screenplay brought to, screen, to the screen, you know, just to be made. Um, it's actually fun too, is I've, I've, I've got some people in, New York, in LA too that I might have as far as some contacts here as we go forward. But um, yeah, I'll eventually publish that stuff too, Jason, I think. Eventually just kind of put caution to the wind on that and like, let's throw it up, see what people think on that. You know, um, cause I've got, I've got like easily, I've got like 10 screenplays. Like I wrote a, I wrote a James Bond screenplay. I wrote, oh man, I went, I went crazy. I, that was my original true passion still would be if I could write screenplays 24 seven, I'd still do it. I'd love it. I love the medium. Megan, you definitely will get a signed copy. No doubt about it. Uh, in utero, Brandon, what's your pen name? Who said that I have a pen name? <laughs> Jerome Blossom, I always wanted to ask this. If the 3443 debate is mostly about personnel, if your team is if your team had the personnel for both, which one is better? I think the 34 is a better per is a better um defense, Jerome, but I I also think that that's also built with a little bit of like an additional addendum to that because it's not just purely a better defense. It's a better defense when you have the defensive coordinator who can utilize the scheme in the right way. The three, four has to be creative. The three, four has to be attacking. The three, four has to be varied. Um, you've got to not know what you're seeing pre-snap to what you're seeing post-snap. And as we saw last year with the three, four defense we ran, if you run a real simplified defense, if you run a zone heavy concept, if you run a zone heavy soft zone concept, then that's not as much a dynamic scheme in that way that it needs to be if you're going to change to that. So it does require a defensive coordinator in conjunction with the scheme that can be created enough to run it the right way. But is the more dynamic one, in my opinion, Jerome, because it does more to put the players in 
in pre-built-in advantages, you know, putting them in places where they're able to succeed without having to simply whoop the man across from them. Whereas with the 4-3, it's dependent upon having the talent level there that can really whoop the man across from you um, in that fashion. Um, so it, it is a bit dependent on that a little bit. Uh, Megan says, you have my email address if you want me to edit and whatnot be. Yeah, no worries. I'm going to just publish it at this point, man, because I'm, I'm at that spot where it's like 13 years in. I've, I've won, gone through it 50,000 times. I certainly probably have missed a few things here or there that are, you know, not perfect on it. But I, it does come to that point where you just got to like go, you know what? You, you, you bake this cake as long as you can, you know, turn off the oven, pull it out, let it cool. And let's just see where it rides. And then just take it from the feedback of folks at that point. But afterwards, yeah, once we publish it, like I said, I can still pull it back down and republish it back up after doing some edits and stuff, you know. Uh, Megan says, thick books are my first love, B. Well, this one's, this one's a, a, a definitely a commitment. Dantel says, John Ursula, the oldest man who never lived. A compendium of life achievements by Brandon. <laughs> I love it, Day. And Udero says, I guess he wouldn't uh, want to say his pen name if he doesn't want us to read his first book. <laughs> Megan's offering for the right price, she'll tell you guys. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was thinking about doing like an audio book of this where I would read it out, but that's too, it takes too long. That's way too long. Somebody else will have to pay somebody to do that at some point. John Stillwell says, let's get Tariq playing press man and, and man and to cover one in the back end. I'd love to see that man, John. Didn't do a lot of press last year. Of course, a lot of off coverage, but would like to see a little bit more of him just right up the line of scrimmage and let him run with guys. You know, show me you can run away from this guy. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Jason says, I can tell the subject material of your book. I'll probably hate it, but that can make some of the best criticism. Yeah, could be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, you guys know me. I'm not anti-criticism and the hope is to make it better. You know, the hope is to make it improved at its best. And as whenever you're writing books, you're always just trying to just it's like a sculptor, just get a little shaved, a little tighter, a little bit better on that angle, make that look a little bit better. Flag, uh, uh, Flag Sabbath, Gary Jennings, the greatest who never was. <laughs> Jamal Adams, the man who can't stay injured by B. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Megan says, love Bond, B. Yeah, I had a, I had a crazy story on Bond. I was just I was just writing at that point. I just loved writing. Like it was one to the next. Jason says, oh man, fire off those screenplays, especially the James Bond one. I've always wanted to write a James Bond film, but a, a more Bond because I'm weird like that. No, I understand. Everybody's got their eras that they kind of lean towards with it, you know? And I went for a little bit more of a, a elder Bond a little bit in this one, but no less the Bond that you've come to learn and love. And Euro 3-4 can be utilized versus the run. I think 4-3 tends to be better against the run overall, but it can be utilized right for the run, especially with some of the concepts that have used with modern 3-4 defenses, where it becomes less about the defensive lineman being two-gapping and more about one-gapping or gap-and-a-halfing like we kind of do. Xavier McDaniel, I'd jump through the roof if we could pull this off. That would be a dream come true. What about wide receiver three? Well, I, I addressed wide receivers three, Xavier, in my free agent spot. 
So I, I went out there and went for Robert Woods one year, $5 million deal I thought was pretty fair. Um, so I'd, I'd go to try to find maybe a veteran guy you could bring in. Marquise Goodwin would be an all right guy. And then look at maybe hoping that some of the development with Derek Young and Eskridge can come step forward a little bit more beyond that. Um, but you could look at a slot guy anywhere from first round with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Second round, there's a variety of guys. Third round, there's a variety of guys that are really slot-only guys, Xavier. So if you want to address it in any of those other places in this draft, you absolutely can do so. You know, says, Brandon, I want to read your books. <laughs> Soon. Soon, my guy. Soon, I promise. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $10 donation and all the donations tonight, Garth. Very kind of you, brother, and I appreciate it. Will there be an orange cat in this story? Also, I know this all started after Eisenhower greeted the aliens in 1954. Brando, God bless your novel and the effort you put into this channel. Well, thank you so much, Garth. And sadly, there is not a cat in the book. Unfortunately, the mayor character does not have a cat, but uh, it is an epic, an epic, epic story. Uh, a, a novel about learning and understanding. But uh, yes, supposedly there was the story of Eisenhower greeting the aliens. Uh, they came from uh, supposedly Venus. Val Valorian or something was the guy's name. And uh, dropped in a farm field and had police officers come out and said, take us to your leader. Quite literally, you know, take us to the president. There was supposedly a deal that was hammered out at that time between Eisenhower, supposedly. But there's a lot of rumor on this one. A lot of rumor around that one and, and uh, conjecture, Garth. But I know the story. I do know the story. Thank you for the $10 donation, Garth. I appreciate you. Justin says, Dan B, you're still doing it? Ah, well, we're probably wrapping it up here pretty soon here at some point. Can't go forever. Says, uh, <clears throat> Dan tells his defensive schemes are mostly dependent on personnel and play calling, though. A defense is only as good as its worst player. Yeah, you, you're never going to have a coach that's going to be able to overcome a lack of talent, defensively speaking, that's for sure, or offensively speaking. Um, you do have to have that as kind of a signature point with it. But I think with a 3-4 defense, too, you could have the right talent in there. And if you don't have a creative defensive coach who's taking advantage of that scheme and 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 keeping the offense off-balanced and what they're seeing and, and uncomfortable, then you're you're losing a little bit of, you know, kind of why that's built into to run that that way, that scheme in that particular direction. Uh, Megan says, I've already told you from one writer to another how proud I am of you, B. So strikingly proud. So stinking proud. Oh, thank you, Megan. I really appreciate it. I'm I'm really, this is my, this novel, as much of anything I've ever created has been something I'm really proud of. And I think, think it's the best work I've done as a writer. I've written a lot of stuff and I may not be a good writer at the end of the day. I may just be crap when it's all said and done. That's certainly a possibility. Um, but if I am a good writer, if there is that potential in me, then this one is the best representation of anything I've put forward um, by far. Because I really love the story that I had to tell in this one. It was one that was just, I was driven to write it, you know? Like, I just couldn't not put pen to paper on it. Uh, Megan says, told your secret would be safe, B. I mentioned October and didn't breathe a word. No, you didn't. I appreciate that, Megan. I really, really, really do. Thank you so much. John Stillwell coming in with the $50 donation. My God, John, thank you for all the donos tonight, all the support. You are a wonderful man. I, I really do appreciate it, brother. Very, 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 very kind of you. He says, what keeps us from making the Super Bowl run over the next three years? Well, first off, again, thank you for all of the support on this channel, John. Folks like yourself and Megan and Randall, the folks that have been the pillars of just 
so much support that you put to this channel that just allows me to be able to do this at, at such a full-time basis that I am less of the side work. It's I've really, that's been the, just the funnest part of this year, being able to kind of dial back side work to dial more of the work here on the channel because the donos are coming in because we got this going through like this. Uh, you are amazing, man. So thank you so much on that. What keeps us from making the Super Bowl run over the next three years? I would think that there are going to be three things that would do this, John. I don't think that there would be any one thing that would do it, but there would be three. I think the very first thing that you would do, you would do as far as a mistake out the gate here would be that you would reach for need into the future and how you draft. That instead of picking for best player available like we did in these prior drafts, that you go into this draft and next year's draft, reaching for need. Grabbing for what, we've got to fill this part of the cupboard here. We've got to get this for that part of the, the fridge over here. No, can't do that. Don't reach for need. Best player available. That's the first place. But that on itself, I think, isn't the only thing that would upend you from going to Super Bowl run. The next thing going in tandem with that is the continued stagnation defensively, schematically speaking, where now you're not only not necessarily getting the best guys because you're reaching for need, but now you've not really brought in this cover two shell Fangio scheme. You still remain in your soft zone coverages. You, you're not aggressive. You're just simply getting picked apart because you're very easy to read pre-snap to post-snap and you never make any adjustments in regards to that. To me, that's something that could continue to become prevalent here, John, as we go forward, that, that we've not yet even last year seen those changes that I'd hoped to see within this defensive scheme to kind of get out of that protect against the deep play mentality that is, is so wrought through everything that Carroll's scheme is built upon. Don't give up the big play. Don't give up the big play. Don't be, and that informs your aggressiveness. That informs how much you blitz. That informs how tight your zones are. And that's the big part to me, John, that I look at and go, that's the part that's got to change here a little bit. And if that doesn't change, then that, that prevents you from making the Super Bowl. That, keep, that keeps you held back, you know, um, at that point. And so those would be kind of the first two things I'd say. I had one other third thing I'm trying to think of that I just forgot off the top of my head here, John. What was the third item I just was thinking about? Um... Okay, then, yeah, the, the third item, John, would be the lack of recognition, recognition of having a, a year where you do go for it a little bit stronger than the others. I don't think that you get to a Super Bowl now with just doing this, we've got a two and three year plan and we never jump outside this plan and we stay within our parameters and we're going to just, you know, hope one year magically clicks into place and everything just suddenly throttles up. I think there's got to be a given year within that, John, that you go a little bit harder. You push a few more of the chips to the center of the table. And the team's not yet, even when they were in Russell Wilson's prime, when they were in their theoretical Super Bowl window, weren't always kind of operating with that same kind of distinction. And so I would say it would be those three things all kind of working together. You reach for players in the draft, not picking for best player available. Your schematics end up, you know, not progressing forward, not modernizing like you've done offensively, John. Last season, they modernized the offense. We started to modernize the defense, but we didn't fully do it. You know, we kind of half-assed it a little bit in that respect of things. So I, I would put those, those three things together. You get a little conservative in your spending of money. You know, you're reaching for players. You're not updating the schematics of your defense. I throw those things together, John, and I go, if we don't make the Super Bowl the next three years, I'm able to point to all three of those things being an active part of what's then holding us back. You know, 
That's that is the monkey then that's on our back at that point. That you know you can you can do away with any time, but it takes you to make an active choice to do so, and uh, and, and a certain amount of, of aggressiveness in all of those things. It, I mean, that's the place. Aggressiveness, really, when you boil that down. Aggressiveness in how you spend the money. Aggressiveness in how you operate your scheme. Um, an, an aggressiveness in your willingness to adapt, John, and not just hold on to what you've always done. You know, this is what we do. This is always what we've done. This got us to a Super Bowl ten years ago. Well, this ain't ten years ago. This is the now. This is the new NFL. What are you going to do now? And what we're seeing from a lot of these teams in the NFL, John, now that absent having a Patrick Mahomes type guy, you've got to make some go for it type moves to get there. You've got to stack the deck a little bit on certain years. And uh, I hope they have that kind of recognition inside them and to do so. But I could see how all three of those things end up coming up and being the inhibiting factors for our Seahawks to get back into that Super Bowl. John, thank you for the $50 donation, man. So much Really appreciate it. You're awesome, bro. And uh, I'm going to reach out to you about that artwork thing offline because uh, you might have a guy I'd, I would love to reach out and have somebody I can at least... Um, the Fiverr stuff works okay, but I'd like to get a little bit more of a legitimate guy on this if I can find somebody. <laughs> Sounds like Big Country's with me on that. Good to see. Risen uh, says, I went to brush my teeth and accidentally shaved off my beard. Now I'm almost 26 years old, but I'm looking like I'm 14. I ruined my life just now. <laughs> I'm going to be shaving my beard off here, I think, for the spring. I got to air out my face here once we get to some sunshine here out in the eastern half of the state. So I'm going to be right back there. I go from uh, looking 40, 43 to about, you know, 32, which is okay in certain respects. Now, it's a little bit better when you get this age. It's, it's actually kind of a good thing. Uh, Guard Knight, thank you for another $5 donation, man, for all the donos in the channel tonight. You are awesome. Says Brando, if you write half as good as you speak, I'm sure the literature will be excellent. I hope, I hope so, man. I hope this is a good one. I, I've really put the effort into it to put my best foot forward for whatever I have to give. If I got the goods to deliver, they will be delivered in this book. And if they aren't delivered, then I don't have the goods to give. And I got to put the pen down, you know, put, put my quill away. Um, but this one I do have a lot of faith in. I think it's going to be a pretty good book and, uh, you know, take you on a little bit of a ride, you know, take you on a little bit of a roller coaster ride, you know, we're up here, we're down there, we're over here, we're moving up the side. Oh, loop-de-loop, two loop-de-loops. Oh my God. You know, a little bit of that there, Garth, you know, a little bit of it all. Thank you, man, for the donations though. Appreciate you. I hope you like the book as well. And you don't know, man. It's just uh, something you might find a girl likes to look on there. She's like, ooh, I like the fresh shaven. All these bearded guys. I like the fresh shaven stuff. And you know, I found Brandon's pen name, E.L. James. Damn it. I've been, I've been had. I've been found out. I've been took. Jason Tudor says, how in the hell are there 175 people in here at 1230 a.m.? <laughs> Reason says, honestly, I don't look like you all. I look like a Viking and now I look like a dumpling ready for math class. <laughs> well, it's winter, Risen. You know, you got probably, it's, you haven't had a lot of direct sunlight. It always looks weird after the shave. And Euro says, that was the Hawks' downfall in my mind was after 2014. They started drafting for need too much. Agreed. Agreed. It stood out to me as one of the centerpieces of their failures in recent drafting history is the picking for need, not the picking for the best value of the selection at hand. Very, very much agreed. David, we are still alive. Still alive. Still alive. 50 shades of B. 
Oh, thanks, Space. The kind of you say, man. John Stillis has got to check out, Brandon. Congrats on the books. Thank you, John. Appreciate that donation, brother. You're very kind as always with that, man. So very kind. It's amazing how much support I get on this channel for, you know, how relatively I'm small versus watching sometimes the other live streams and the support those guys get. It's nowhere even close. You guys are amazing. Amazing. And uh, uh, nothing but love out there to you guys for all the, all the support you guys bring to this channel every single stream. Uh, Risen says, when you say donation, sounds like donut, na- donut nation. And I just want to shout, heck yeah. <laughs> That's my, uh, it's my little subtle Freudian trick that I'm doing here. Risen is I'm associating donut with my channel. Everyone likes donuts. Donuts make you happy. My channel then makes you happy with the connection of donuts. It's just a psychological trick. You know, Megan's a psychological major. She can speak to this. I'm just playing, I'm playing kind of word games with you a little bit. You know, gotta play word games. Likes that was easily the best Seahawks channel. He lets people be and doesn't S on other people's opinions. I try not to. I, I certainly am at times get up on my high horse. And, uh, you know, I know I can sometimes catch myself thinking my stuff don't stink when I have my opinions on stuff. But the, the greatest thing about this channel is the people within this chat. And, you know, somebody asked why we got 775 people on at, you know, 1230 at night. It's because people love football and they love talking football and they understand here, you're going to talk football. We're going to break this all down. And it's not me breaking it down to be some grand poobah of, of some intelligentsia here. It's all of us working together and bringing this out. And so many of my ideas get shaped and formed and thoughts get formed by conversations that we have had in this chat, conversations that have driven me back to research and look at things in different ways and different lights than the way I looked at it prior, which is what I just love about this place because I think we do get to a lot of ways the bottom line on, on given scenarios and situations because we've intelligently walked all the way around the process on it. We haven't just looked at one little segment of it, but tried to look at the whole view of it. I love it about this place. And it's part of, I think, what is what makes this makes this channel go. Jerome Blossom says, who is the greatest nose tackle in NFL history? Greatest nose tackle in NFL history. Uh, the greatest nose tackle in NFL history. I'm going to give you a name but I don't know if I feel confident in it quite yet. I'm thinking about it. So just give me a second to go through all my, I'm, I'm like doing this, you know, spinning through like four decades of football memories in my mind. So the greatest one, we're talking a nose tackle here, right? Hmm. Randy White as a nose tackle, former Cowboy, great. So, me and the defensive tackles in the Hall of Fame are three techs, right? So many are three techs. I'm trying to think about who's the nose tackle that would have been the the guy. I mean, I guess Vince Woolfork was one I was thinking of too. There, Red Ace. I think that's a good suggestion. I think Richard Dent was a nose. So maybe he might be one in there a little bit. That's a good question. It's a great question, Jerome. I had never really thought, and as much as just because I haven't really spent as much time thinking about the great nose tackles in the sport. 
And it is so much easier for the penetrating kind of guys, your John Randalls, your Aaron Donalds, your, I mean, even your Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox is in the modern age, right? So it's, it's, it's easier to kind of pinpoint in on the guys that are more of the pass rushing defensive tackles than it is the, the, the nose tackles. Great question. Megan says the Hawks Nest B question for you regarding what will keep me here if Carter's taken at five. How do I know? How do you how do I know you will not say the magic phrase to keep me here? Mean it and not change your mind. Well, I think, Megan, that uh, you know, you'll just have to you'll have to fall back on my history of uh, truth with you and and uh, uh, my history of my word as a man of honor up until this point. And you'll just have to put your faith and trust in that which isn't easy. It's not easy, but it will be required nonetheless. I wasn't, I'm not sure if Richard Don't was a nose tackle. It sound, that sounds right that he was a nose. That does sound correct. And I think Vince Woolfork's a great, I think Vince, I think Vince is, Ted Washington's a good one too. Golly. Vince probably gets it because he's just a part of so many Super Bowl teams. And he was really a, valid a real important part to the fixture of that of those Patriots defenses and I can't think of a one I mean Ted Washington's a really good one that's another really great suggestion I'm I'm torn on this one I usually have a good answer of like this is who I'd go with Megas says word association B you are the master oh thank you <laughs> Uh, Megan says you've never said anything in Jay-Z's favor B well that's just because we're always talking about the comparison to, to, to the man Craig the man the myth the legend that is Dave Craig you know that's all that is uh, Red Ace was Sam Adams a nose tackle I mean technically he played nose he played nose tackle when he was here cause, but that was because Cortez was the pure three tech um, I think when he went to the well when he went to the Ravens it was more he was more like a three four I think he was more of a three four kind of end because they had Tony Saragusa as your as your your zero tack at that point. Saragusa was essentially the nose tackle for the Ravens, I think, when he went there. But Sam was more in his skill set. He was a big guy, but his skill set with the first step quickness and his ability to use his hands was more of a he was more of a three tech in the way he played. But he could do some one he could do some one tech stuff. Megan says, the man, the myth, the, oh, excuse me, I need to throw up, B, and you wonder why I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, Casey Hampton, there's another good one. That's another great suggestion there for that. that that's one that could certainly, uh, you know, take the prize on that one. Certainly has been a lot. Uh, Risen says, what would Aaron Donald be? Because he's such, uh, he's such a beast that it's, it's as if he was a pass rushing nose tackle. He's a double team and still gets the sack, just insanity. Yeah, he's a, he's a rarefied guy. I mean, it speaks to Risen, the fact that the guy spent the first part of his career in, in a 4-3 defense as a 3-tech, and then they transitioned to the Vic Fangio cover 2 stuff there, and now he's been a 3-4 defensive end at times. Hell, they've lined him up over 0-tech at times there, and he has still flourished. Um, he is probably the player that is unique where he can play kind of any scheme anywhere on a defensive line. I mean, I've, hell, I've seen him as a defensive end and 4-3, you know? So he's literally a guy you can move anywhere, but that's what you get when you get basically the best defensive tackle that's ever played. There's a couple other guys that might have a little bit of a, an argument to be made, but he certainly deserves to be in the discussion. 
And, and so that's what makes him so rare. But I think you really, at the end of the day, if you wanted to, to designate him purely risen, you'd designate him as a three tech above all else. Turco 44 says, how do you feel about a list of names for the top 30 visits for Seattle? There are some studs. Everybody that they've met, met, with, met with so far, Danko, I've been very encouraged by. I've loved what I've seen from the guys that they're bringing, that they're looking and talking to. And uh, we'll get more about some of the, the visits to Seattle stuff, but I, I haven't seen the, the, the visits to Seattle list yet, Danko. If that just came out, I didn't have a chance to check it out. But so far, the guys that they met the combine, and you don't get to meet with everybody, the people that were here and that they're interested in, it, I, I'd sign off on any of these guys being picked. They sound like good, they'd be good selections. They would help this team out. They're talented players, good guys, it seems like. Sign me up. Jim Burt, Flag Sabbath, there's a name. <laughs> That's a football name, Jim Burt. Uh, Megan says, B will say, say it with his fingers crossed behind his back, and we all know it, 12s. Well, you know, if I got to keep you in the fold, Megan, I might have to just bite the, bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. Jerome, I think Vince Wolfork's probably where I would land as the, the final one. I think Ted Washington would probably be the guy right behind him for me. But with Vince's impact and so many Super Bowl wins, I just don't think that there's another guy that you could really draw to. And if you go through the defensive tackles, I mean, hell, even going back to, let's say, the uh, Joe Green and the Steelers. Joe Green's is a three-tech, you know? He's not a, he wouldn't have been a one-tech. He wouldn't have been a zero-tech. He would have been a three-tech. So you, even him, you couldn't make as that comparison of, of a nose, pure nose tackle. So there haven't been many of really great ones. But uh, I think that uh, it's not Vince, it's Ted Washington for me, I think. Those would be the two on them. And Richard Dent was good, but there was, you know, McMichael on that line. There was a couple other guys there on that line in addition to Dent. Casey Hampton's a good one, though, too, as a suggestion. I can't deny that. Garth Knight, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate all the donos tonight, Garth, from you, man. Amazing as ever. Says, my favorite author is, I suspect, Brando, prior to reading his material. I hope the sex amongst those 300 pages isn't as torrid as the sum novels. If the location is the outback, I understand the sex, though. <laughs> nice. Well, you never know on that, Garte. Give it a read. You know, you'll never know I give it to read. And definitely, um, the new novel's not, yeah, the, the novel coming out's not necessarily driven in that way on that stuff. There's a tiny smidge in there, but nothing over the top. Definitely no, no Fifty Shades of Grey stuff in there. Um, but thank you for the $10 donation. And uh, I'm hoping, my hope is here to have the novel out within about the next, I'm thinking as long as I get the artwork done on this, I get this out in about the next month or so. So uh, that's going to be my kind of aggressive outlook on it is it's as long as I get the outwork done, I can get this posted really, 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 really fast. So I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked. And I'll definitely let you guys know on the title and all that once it's released and the links to Amazon and all that good stuff. So let you guys take a, let you guys take a little gander. It will be a hundred dollar book though. So no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Charge 99, 99. Oh, you want to rebrand this book? Oh, that'd be hilarious. But Gar, thank you for all the donations, man. You're you're awesome. Uh, Megan says, oh, bullcrap B, don't make me curse and time myself out. There's no way in hell you'd do it. 
I'll, I'll, no, I'll, you know, I'll do it. Like I said, I got to get to the, we got to see what Carter's the pick though first. Like I said, we got we to gotta cross that bridge first. I don't even know if I'm going to cross that bridge, Megan. So let's just see if we cross the bridge first and then we'll have to, we'll have to pick it up from there. Yeah. What's up, Gal G? Flags happens says Jim Bird is definitely the name of the guy who used to, to beat kids up for their lunch money. Oh, 100%. If he didn't do it, he's doing the name wrong at that point. Uh, Space asks, what's the, what's the book name that I'm... The, neg- the book name is When the Sleeper Awoke is the name of my book. When the Sleeper Awoke. That's the new book space. I ain't going to tell you the old book name though. Uh, somebody's going to have to do digging to figure out that one. It's out there. It's out there. But uh, I ain't, I ain't uh, broadcasting it. <laughs> Risen, uh, can you break down these tech things? I'm not familiar with this phrase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, t- when you talk about technique, you're you know kind of essentially talking about kind of the gaps and, and, and where you have your alignment up on the defensive line. So um, you've got your zero technique, which zero technique is going to be your nose tackle. And you what, what you would know a defensive lineman's in zero technique when they're aligned directly over the top of the center. Um, when you have a guy that's in a one technique, rather than being aligned at the center, they're going to be on the strong side of the offensive formation. And they're going to usually be aligned half, uh, one shoulder, is going to be with the right guard. One shoulder is going, they're going to be right in between essentially the uh, right guard of the center and the left guard of, or in the left shoulder of the right guard. And their alignment is right there. That's called one tech. So zero tech over the center, one tech halfway between essentially the center and the guard. Three tech is you're going to be on the weak side of the formation and you're going to be heads up over the left guard. So you're not on a you're not on a on a shoulder gap like you are with the one tech. Now your head's up over the three tech. So three tech is right there, okay? Three tech over the guard. Next technique is going to be four I. Four I is going to be where you're going to be aligned. It's a defensive end technique position where the defensive end is going to be aligned on the inside shoulder of the tackle. So four inside, right? You got then your four technique aligned right over the top of the um, right over the top of the the tackle. Then you've got your five technique. It doesn't go four outside. It goes five for I don't know why they came up with these numbers in this way, but five technique then just on the outside right, kind of on the on the um, on the tackle outside shoulder. And then you have your wide nine, so it goes from five technique to wide nine at that point. Wide nine being now you're on the you're not only on the outside shoulder of the of the tackle, you're now like essentially lined up to where there would be a tight end across from you. And it's not on strong side or weak side of the formations. It's just your alignment would be de facto as if there was a tight end next to the tackle, that's where your alignment's going to be. So far, still outside of that outside shoulder of that tackle. So it goes zero, one, three, four, I, four, five, wide nine, or nine, the or just nine technique, not wide nine. That's kind of how it is. It's very confusing though, because they don't just go one, two, three, four, right? That would have been easier. <laughs> would have made it way more simpler to kind of understand the uh, the way that that boils down a bit there.
but it's all about uh, risen the defensive defensive lineman's alignment is the is what they mean by the technique alignment in conjunction with what the offensive player is across from them Uh, risen so wide nine would be an edge rusher. Well, I mean, it, it, you could be in you could be in five technique, and technically you're an edge rusher. Edge just means that you're on the edge of the defensive line, is what an edge is. Risen. Um, so I mean, an edge can be in four eye technique, where you're on the inside shoulder. The wide nine is just in relation to where your spacing is, as where your alignment is. You come out of the huddle as a defensive lineman. So rather than me, you know, if I'm if I'm a defensive end, old school wise. I'm oftentimes going to be in that four, I'm going to be in that five technique or heads, right heads up, either five technique or four technique where I'm heads up or I'm on the outside shoulder of the tackle. Teams that run three, four are going to implement the, the wide nine technique risen. So if you have an outside three, four defense, you're not often going to really have very much that outside linebacker aligned in four or five technique. You're going to put them out and in, in naturally in a, nine, a wide nine on both sides of the line of scrimmage. A wide nine is just referencing risen that rather than me being heads up with the with the tackle, like let's say this is my tackle and and here I'm the I'm the edge, right? So I'm in four technique here, right? Half, let's say I split that tackle in half and I'm on his outside shoulder at five kind of five technique-ish there, right? Now I go I go completely outside of him, right? Like we're not now if I run forward, I run forward, I'm not touching that tackle at that point from the the wide nine. I, I'm I'm completely past his shoulder. There's no connection between us essentially at that point. So it's just about that spacing is a little extra wide, and what you're doing with that is you're you're essentially getting him. You're getting a little bit of extra space wide to challenge the tackle and their athleticism to meet you at the edge of the arc. You're you're putting them. You're putting a slow tack. You're putting a slow-footed tackle into a bind if they're not going to be able to get there quick enough. Um, and that's certainly something we see the Niners do with Bosa a lot, where you just can't. You just can't. He's he's too wide. He's too far out. Megan says, "I want the large in jersey behind you. If you don't be, fair enough. Fair enough." Risen says, "So a single zero tech rusher can also be an edge rusher." Laughing out loud. Well, I, I think the rusher part is the part you're 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 getting caught up on. Let, take out the rusher part. Just operate off zero, one tech, that type of thing. Because rusher doesn't. I can be playing wide nine and I can rush, but I'm going to have run stuffing duties as well. Just because I'm in a wide nine alignment doesn't mean now I don't have run run responsibilities that I have to maintain and, and keep active. So it's the rusher part. I think is maybe the part confusing you a little bit with this, just a tiny bit. It's not the rusher. It's just the zero tech, one tech, and whatnot on that. That's really the application here that you want to look at it through. You know, so if you're in a zero tech, your heads up, your align. It's really the technique is about alignment, risen more than it's about what you do post snap. It's what where you're aligned pre snap. Zero tech. I'm a defensive tackle. I'm over the top. I'm over the head of a of a center. I could take an edge like Uchenna Nwosu. And I could put him on a snap in zero tech where he's aligned out over the top of that center now. But just because he's naturally normally an edge rusher doesn't change the fact he's in zero tech at that point. 
That's where his alignment is at. Megan says, do not screw with me, B. The large jersey is mine if you don't keep your word. Bet. Bet, Megan. Bet. <laughs> I'm a man of my word. Uh, Jerome says, that does not look like how I typed it. I got what you, I read, I could figure it out what you're saying in that, man. That makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. I didn't include the two eye stuff and some of the three, because I was trying to keep him relatively clean with it. Arisen says, I was thinking of only one person on the line rushing would be an edge rusher even over the center, laughing out loud, but that would be illegal. No, it wouldn't be illegal. You can put one guy on the line if you want. It's it's different for the rules on the offensive line and how many guys they have to have on the line of scrimmage, but a defensive line can do whatever they want. Um, if you took an edge rusher and moved him over the center, then they're in zero technique. They're, they are technically a natural edge rusher, but their technique in that moment is, for all intents and purposes, the same of a technique of a big, fat, 350-pound lineman that you'd have at the zero tech normally uh, manning that. Uh, Donnie Pearson says, uh, at the Hawks Nest, I must go now. Thank you, Brandon. Go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks, Donnie. Thank you for uh, hanging on in there late with me, man. Joe Biden's make a wish. Who is the photo behind you? Don't know if that's always been there or new. No, it is new. Our guy, Garth Knight, uh, our big donator here in the chat, a uh, longtime donator here in the chat, actually just sent this through. So I've uh, pub published a, an address now where you can send me some stuff here in the description section if you want to. And that would be, as Chris Berman once said, Ricky Running Waters. So former Seahawk, uh, really fine back for us in the, around the mid-90s or so. And uh, fun back, ran hard, ran like his life depended on it on every carry, just how you'd like your running backs to run the football, you know, like giving it everything they got with every, trying to grab every inch they can grab on the ground, finishing every run. That was Ricky Waters. Very, very good back. Fringe Hall of Fame guy. Might, might one day find his way into the, uh, into the hall. Uh, Megan says, you will choke on your word saying Zorn is better, B. Well, you know, we got to draft Carter first, Megan. Don't forget that. Megan says, I hope Pumpkin knows CPR, B. <laughs> uh, Megan, I have not had a chance to watch any rugby yet. I've been just diving through prospect tape right and left. My eyes are going crossed with all these prospects I'm trying to watch and uh, keep track of and uh, just... Uh, but I'm going to get to it eventually. Oh, I will watch the female rugby. Oh, yes. I will watch it. Um, Brazen says, but he's on the edge of a one-man line, I meant. So if, uh, like if Wolfrick is the only man on the line over center, he's on two edges of the line. I'm just being dumb. <laughs> I just tried to brush my teeth when I shaved. Don't listen to me. <laughs> hey, you're a multitasker. I get how that is. You know, you're just trying to be efficient with your time. Um, but it's all like whoever he's aligned is the, that's, that's where it's uh, dependent on where you could take Wolfork and put him out in a wide nine. And then he's a, he's a wide nine edge at that point. You know, it's just all about where he's at. John Davis says, Hey man, I was just wondering as a bears fan, would you trade for our number one pick? No, I'm not. You go, go talk to Carolina, John, Carolina, Houston, you guys, I know what you're wanting to do, John. I know what you bear fans are wanting to do and you're, you're, you're getting tricky with it. Okay. Lovey Smith gave you guys a gift, okay? He gave you a beautiful gift from the heavens, which is the number one overall pick. And now you guys are trying to get cute with it because I hear a lot of Bears fans talking about, we'll just move back two or three spaces. We'll just move back think, just a couple spaces, but we'll get the extra first round picks, but we'll still be picking. If you're going to move back, if you're going to move back, you got to pay the price. And the price is going to be, you're going to get out of the tier one group of things. So you're going to have to go back to seven and, with the Raiders. 
You're going to have to go nine to the Carolina Panthers. You're going to have to pick any of those teams from anywhere from eight to 13 who need a quarterback. That's how far you're going to have to go back. You should do this, though, John. Rather than the Bears fans concentrating on let's flip back with Indianapolis or let's flip back with Seattle, what you should be looking to do is move back a little bit more fuller. Because what that's going to mean is you're going to get that many more picks. And what your Bears team needs right now is more picks rather than a prime player. Yes, a prime player would be great, but you're down already a second-round pick because of the Chase Claypool trade. So pick back more of those picks up. Get your three first-rounders. Still be picking in the top 10. And then you just call it a day. But we're not moving back. We're not moving. We don't want to. We're not going to move up in the draft. There's no reason for us to. Prince T.Y., hey, Brandon, can we just get a quick five-minute rant on Frank Clark since he got started with the Hawks in 2015? <laughs> uh, I'm all out of rants tonight, man. I'm all out of rants on that one. A consumer, any multi-purpose players in the draft be i.e. Eric Metcalf, Darren Sproles types. Um, I'd say there's a couple of multi-purpose players that are like that. Um, there's two main running backs that fit that mold, in my opinion. You could probably include Bijan Robinson in this group as well. But Jameer Gibbs and Kenny McIntosh are, are very much those kind of players you're talking about where they're, you know, multi-dimensional guys. You can line up as running back, you can line up as receiver, and they can do both of them very equally well. It's not that they do one kind of okay, but this one's the one they really do well. They do both of them really, really well in their skill set and what they bring. So those are the first two guys on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, though, I think that it actually has, there's a crew of guys in this draft that, that work kind of from the safety slot corner mold of this. And that would be Brian Branch, Jamie Robinson, and Sidney Brown, who can absolutely be some of the better better players in the league out of the slot as a corner, and then could eventually become some of the better safeties in the league from a strong safety position as well. So that they both offer those two points of versatility with those two guys on either side of the ball. Risen says, yeah, I didn't know, but once I got it and I was like, okay, two plus two equals four, but two plus two times two equals four also. <laughs> well, they made it confusing with how they numbered it. That's for sure. I don't know why they numbered it that way. Guard Knight, thank you for the $5 donation, brother. I appreciate you. Says the Bears are looking a gift horse in the mouth with Richardson. They won't select him and it's hilarious. Uh, it, they may, they may, yeah. I think the Bears are going through their process on this one a little bit, and, and there's no certainty about where they could be going with it, but I, to certainly marry themselves, if I'm a new administration and I wasn't the one that picked Justin Fields at this point, and there are certainly some concerns with Justin Fields about the throwing ability and whether or not he's going to have enough to make that go, I'm not marrying myself to the other former guy. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to go get my guy, especially when I have my pick of the best quarterback in this draft, regardless of who I think it is. Um, I, if I was the Bears, I would look to try to move fields for a first-round pick and take our guy, you know, because you're not going to have the opportunity to be back here again in time future, probably, in my opinion. But they got themselves a gift there to help their franchise out in a major way. Hopefully they take advantage of it. Rosen says, honestly, only team, uh, honestly, only team would be able to possibly willing to move up to number one is Houston and don't have to get rid of much. Ballard of Colts don't like trading outside of five is too hefty to trade up to one. True. True. I've kind of thought the Panthers would be the team to do this, though, at some point. 
Because the Panthers are the team that needs a quarterback. They've got a pretty solid team. They could look at themselves and say, we're kind of a quarterback away a little bit, especially in a wide open division. They move up with Chicago now to one from nine. Okay, Chicago gets nine. They stay in the top 10. Carolina flips two future first round picks to Chicago for that at that point. That seems like a deal that makes a lot of sense to me, especially for Carolina getting their pick of the, of the quarterback litter in, uh, in this draft class. Prince YT, Brandon, when do you think Pete and John will talk to Jalen Carter? I'm pretty sure they didn't interview him at the Combine. Um, hard to say on that. Don't know if they did or didn't with that one. Um, it's going to either be a call or they'll do the in-person visits, but there's only so many in-person visits you can do. Um, I don't know even if Jalen feels like he's got to go travel around and do the in-person visit stuff, or if he's like, look, I'm going to be a top five pick. It don't matter. Um, so hard to say sometimes with these guys, Prince, they don't always meet with them. You know, there isn't always that, that, that does happen. I would ex- think it would happen if they're interested in them, but, uh, hard to say kind of on that. I'm not sure. Megan says, sorry earlier about the trolls and the whole panic attack thing. B we'll try not to get so overwhelmed next time. No worries, Megan. You got a hard job here at times with doing these, uh, doing the mod stuff. So I, I get that. And people come in, uh, on fire at times, you know, and for some reason today they had some special kind of energy to them. It seemed like, so we've been, we've been running pretty clean throughout the off season so far, but I, I definitely felt like today there was probably a little bit of a different energy from some of the trolls <laughs> coming on in. Like Zabeth, we have a good kick, uh, a news and analysis with Arturo. We need to improve the O-line, the D-line, and the linebackers. Indeed, news with Arturo, 100%. John Davis, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Appreciate you. Bears fan jumping aboard here on the channel. Isaac Lip, uh, Lipnick, thank you for, uh, sorry if I mispronounced your last name, but thank you for subscribing to the channel as well. Welcome aboard the Hawk's Nest. I appreciate you hopping aboard. Hopping aboard. Consumer Eric Metcalf, 1,700 all-purpose yards. Sproles, 1,900. Wonder if they make the Hall of Fame. Or 19,000 yards. Sproles, 19,000 yards. Jeez. It's going to be tough for those guys, consumer. You know, those running backs have a log jam right now of guys who have a lot of production that aren't getting a sniff getting in there. So uh, I think they'll look better as kind of those parts of the game being the, the kick return, punt return game gets minimized. Some of those old school stats will look all that much more better because the the guys playing today aren't going to post anywhere near the same kind of numbers. They're not getting the same kind of opportunities. Risen says Bears should sign all these O-linemen in free agency and try to trade up with Houston and then select Will Anderson. Bears will be fine. They definitely need to get the line right. Hard to make that assessment of fields when you don't when you have the line in the state in the condition that it's been in. John says, I'm feeling crazy, but I like next year's quarterbacks more than this year's. Do you guys have the same feeling? I think it kind of depends. I think certainly Caleb Williams, John, is better than any quarterback in this draft. You know, he's a, he's a better talent. Uh, Drake May might be. I think that there's got to be a little bit more of an assessment built in on Drake May um, for where he's going to go. If you're talking about Spencer Rattler or Bo Nix, no. Um... I don't think Michael Penix, even if he has an outstanding season, is going to increase his draft stock beyond that of what Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, um, Levis, or Richardson has done necessarily. He would only be able to do, I think, John, equivalent of that. Shadur Sanders from Colorado is maybe a possibility. 
Um, it's always hard to predict this kind of stuff, John, because in doing this for years now, we always go into the off season and going into the next college year, and we know the quarterbacks that are going to be the creme de la creme. And then that, that always kind of changes a little bit. I feel on solid footing about Caleb Williams because he's in that rarefied place of a guy like uh, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, John Elway type, I think, where he has solidified himself in that way. But absent him, there's there's not as much... There's a lot of talented guys, but guys are going to have to rise a little bit in their performance level. They're going to have to build upon what they've done prior. And that's hard to predict on who's that guy going to be. But I, I think it's going to be probably... Uh, absent the Caleb Williams being the real difference maker there, John, I think it'll probably be pretty close um, when it's all said and done, you know, as far as the amount of quarterbacks taken in this first round versus the amount of quarterbacks taken in next year's first round. Might be a little more depth, you know, might be a little bit more, like once you get past the first four guys in this draft, it's kind of done. There might be more like a five, six, seven guys you feel good about next year. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for another $5 donation, brother. He says, uh, who would you trade for Justin Fields? He has another year of eligibility to Ohio State, I suppose. <laughs> uh, who would I trade for Justin Fields? I'd try to get a first-round pick for Justin. I'd, I'd try to find a team like Tampa Bay, you know, out there, or Washington football team out there that would be willing to give me maybe a first-round pick plus for him. And, and then I get another first-round pick in the teens, and if I'm the, the Bears at that point, I have you know, either selected my quarterback at that point, then still picking again in the first round to help my team out. Um, but I, I would probably try to target one of those quarterback teams that are just, you know, dying for a quarterback and don't have a clear pathway for one Garth. And I think one of those two teams I just mentioned would certainly be, I think they'd be interested. Uh, news, and analysis, news and analysis with Arturo. John and Pete should talk to Brandon Peely. Okay. I haven't looked him up yet, but I'll take a look at him. Take a peek. Kazuber says, yeah, but Metcalf was a better receiver than Hester. Um, as nearly a good a punt returner as well as, yes, it's interesting. They might get in eventually. It'll have to be like a veteran committee thing, you know. But great players. I loved them. Kazuber, both these guys were talking about. I mean, I, Metcalf was awesome. I remember back in the late 80s playing the Browns at home. And Metcalf lit us up. I mean, we just, we could not stop him. And he was beating us in every fashion that day. In the special teams, as a runner, as a receiver. It's like, holy moly. Uh, Megan, how much longer are we going to be planning and going for B? 8 p.m. here and I can't feel my shoulder and eat dinner. Well, we're going to probably wrap this up here pretty soon now. It's, it's about time to wrap it up, I think. Uh, Prince uh, T1 says, a lot of sources are saying we have the best chance to land Frank Clark, unfortunately. You might have to be prepared to make a Frank Clark reunion video. Oh, Lordy, I hope not. I so hope not. But you might be right, Prince. And we certainly love our former guys here in Seattle and look to, to grab them back again. We've done it a couple times. So it might be in play. Um, but one thing you can count on me being, me being consistent with on this is that I'm, I'm not, Frank Clark is not going to be the solution to anything. So, you know, it's, I, I, you'll, you'll see me a lot of pushing back on people in here with trying to say, well, we got Frank now. We got that like, nah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's possible. It's possible. Jason McEwer, John Schneider, you are fired. ESPN analyst, ESPN draft analyst, you are also fired. Brandon Kane, you're a new general manager. Love that draft. Three years, 20. Okay. Fine with me, Jason. Sign me up, man. Sign me up. Glad you liked the draft on that. 
I, I thought it through on this one. I tried to go a little advanced on this and really kind of plot this one out a little bit if I could on it. So, uh, you know, if they ever come calling, I'm, I'm signed up. I'll come cheap, Jason. I'll work for peanuts. I'll work for peanuts. Thank you, though, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, consumer, you think the commander's owner, last middle finger of the NFL, is giving Lamar a landmark con quarterback contract? I think it's on the cards. Well, remember, when they give those kind of contracts and the guaranteed money, I believe you've got to put all of the money, if it's guaranteed, into escrow immediately. So does Schneider want to, on the front end of that, be dropping $250 million into the bank? Is it, 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 That's an expensive middle finger, right, consumer? You know, that's a $250, middle, $250 million middle finger. That would end up being the most expensive middle finger in, in, in the history of man. Um, but is Dan Schneider capable of doing it? Certainly he is. Certainly he is. But the joke would be kind of on him because he's got to, got to front the, you know, he's got to hope he can retain, recoup that money back in the sale of the team at that point. Flags is why would we want Frank Clark? Just because we have the best chance doesn't mean we will sign him. We already have an edge who can defend the run. He's younger and cheaper. Yeah, I don't see why it would be a fit either, Flag Sabbath. I, I don't. And for the same money, I would rather just go after Judavian Clowney, who is a vastly superior player in every realm. It would be funny, though, consumer. <laughs> it would be kind of pretty funny. You knew you loved, loved your mock draft. Thank you, man. I, I wanted, to, wanted to get this right, and I wanted to be more just than just taking the picks and just being boring with it. I wanted to let's be active, let's be aggressive. Let's try to stack this up as much. Let's try to stack as many of these second round picks as we possibly can into what I would consider to be the strength of this draft, where the, the real fruit of this draft lies. Reason I just hope a new owner takes control of commanders so they can build a new stadium, new name, and a good everything in life because that's what they need. Laughing out loud. They do need that. They do definitely, definitely need that. And he does seem that crazy, Consumer 114. Some of the stories you're hearing about this guy, and I mean... Peep, peeping Tom stuff and the emails, things that went over and the uh, just uh, every, just dirty as they get, you know? So he certainly would be in, in play to do it. Risen says, McDonald is my underdog in this draft. Love McDonald. And Risen, I think in a lot of ways, if you're talking about a guy who feels very sea hockey, Nolan Smith feels very sea hockey, a kind of guy that they would gravitate towards. Will McDonald feels very sea hockey, a type of guy in recent past that they might gravitate towards. So if we ended up with Will McDonald, I could certainly see John Snyder having and Carol having quite an affinity for that guy. Nudoro says, I've been thinking this draft was really weak up until a couple of weeks ago. Nah, I kind of still agree with your thinking from a couple of weeks ago. I think overall it is kind of weak at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, it's got some interesting spots to it too. Garth Knight, and I'll tell you what, folks, we'll have Garth Knight. We're seven hours in now, so let's have Garth finish us up with this donation. I, so many donors from Garth in this stream. I think this is a fine opportunity, Garth, for us to finish up on uh, your kindness and all of the donations that you put through here on the channel tonight. So thank you for all of that. I really do appreciate it. Garth says, Brando, the cat next to you wants food and doesn't care about drafts or free agency with the exception of Clowney coming back. She loved you, Davy, and Clowney, Garth. She was a big Clowney girl. I don't know why but she was. Yeah, she's got that look at that long look she's got in her eye. She's like, this has been a long stream, Dad. It's been a long, long stream. <laughs> and yeah, she's ready for some salmon treats. So we got to 
we got to get my kitty taken care of. She's been a good girl. And let me, let me get through this dream. So I got to reward her back a little bit on the other side of it. But Garth, uh, thank you for all the donations on the chat tonight, man, and all of your support to this channel. It is really appreciated. You're amazing. Always amazing in that respect of things. Um, could never ask for more from my channel and my chat as far as those, the amount of support. And you guys, you're one of the folks that is at the forefront of that, Garth. Doesn't go unnoticed. I really do appreciate it. Helps this channel just go that much more stronger and harder and more content because of it. I hope you know that. Um, and as well, big shout out to Garth for the uh, Ricky Waters signed Ricky Waters uh, little photo we got going on back there from that guy, former Seahawk, great, and makes the wall look a little bit better, a little more filled in, right, now, Garth? Kind of, it's a, it's like uh, it's the dude's it's the dude's rug, man. It brings the it brings the back of the room all together. You know what I mean, Garth? Brings the back of the room all together for me on it. So I appreciate that. Risen says, love the stream. I'm happy to be back. Happy I'm back to watching your streams again. Four months has been too long. It has too long, Risen. Don't go away so so long anymore. Stay with us. Stay with us. Uh, and your favorite clowny game was when he destroyed the Niners. It was my favorite too. Uh, I've, I certainly am a big pro clowny guy. I don't think you're getting him at an expensive cost. I think you get him on a one-year prove-it deal. And I think he fits here very well, especially on a rotational kind of role. News and analysis with Archo says, shout out to Pumpkin the Cat. Hey, you're getting shout outs. How about that? You stoked about that? You feeling good about that? Uh, Megan says, thanks for the support today, 12. So sorry you had to see that, but thank you, Bs and 12s. You have no idea how much it means to me at this time of year. Well, it means a lot to me, all the good work you do, all the support you bring to this channel too, Megan. So I hope you know I really do appreciate all you do out there. Thank you for holding it down on the mod duty side of things. Uh, you're awesome as ever and uh had to be a little extra active today we're gonna get those trolls here from time to time just uh part and parcel of life when we're kicking ass like we are you know just just what you gotta do and i'm gonna try to remember her diet but she's got such a cute face megan and i just can't say no to it i don't know if i ever will i don't know if i ever will i'm gonna try and yeah flag mcdonald does just scream seahawk he just does there's there's those guys after all these years of doing it you got 12 years of watching these guys work you just get kind of a general feel for what they do and the way they go about their business. And, uh, you know, Megan says, Ollie has a cute face, but I don't cave. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to see you not cave in. I'd have to see that in person with Ollie right there, Megan. I think you, I think you probably give in a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, funeral fart. What is up with the troll business? We had some Niners coming out of nowhere. Early part of the stream funeral fart. They were coming in, causing some issues and problems. So it happens from time to time. It happens. Well, Garth, Megan, all of the folks in the chat, John Stillwell, everyone that donated the chat, our new subscribers, and all the folks that kept this chat rocking and rolling for seven hours, as you guys always do. The reason we go so long here is not because I can just talk my ass off. It's because the chat keeps this going and keeps the subjects flowing, keeps us just rolling along in the different directions that this takes throughout the course of the stream. So you guys... We're amazing as ever on this channel in every different fashion and way. I want to say I appreciate it as always. It is unbelievable that we can always kind of do this and these turn out so well for me um, in the way that these kind of boil down and break down. So appreciate all of you out there. Thank you to my mods, Megan, doing the, the good work, Garth, for all of the donations, all the folks donate on top, Megan and everybody else as well. You guys are amazing. You guys are wonderful. We got ourselves going here now till tomorrow. I will be over on Brendan's channel at seven o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be doing some, I forget where we're going, diving into subject wise over there. I'm sure it's going to be something around free agency. So we'll be discussing and talking over there along with some of the breaking news and stuff that's going on here. I will then be back as well on Sunday at five o'clock 
Pacific Standard Time, where we will be going live once again. So until that time, until that time where we will be on the edge of the start of free agency at that point and we're closer getting to free agency, I hope I shouldn't have to remind you. I shouldn't have to tell you. I shouldn't have to keep you updated on this one. You're on the edge of free agency, Seahawks fans. You're about seven, eight weeks away from the NFL draft. You're about to see this team upgraded to the moon. So get excited. Get happy. Get ready to see your team turn itself into a true contender, a true Super Bowl contender. So if you aren't remembering that, if you're forgetting that, if you're lost a little bit in the mire of off-season trudgery, wake up, get yourself alive, open them eyes up wide because you're about to see a thing of beauty. Another Super Bowl run on the horizon. I hope it gets you excited. I hope it has you on the edge of your seat. I hope it has you waiting with, with just pursed lips just wondering what's the next great move my team is just about to make but if you can't remember that if you are forgetting that well let me keep it for you right now at the forefront don't you ever forget go hawks